Welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm the old brother of Boy Thunder, Eric Shea. And I'm the purveyor of positivity, Jim Werner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 451. 451, is that milestone plus one, Eric? No. It certainly is. I believe we're at like 403 weeks in a row of podcasting, so welcome all to the Weird Science DC Comics podcast, all you weirdos and you people who are part of the Get Fresh crew. What do you and mean by you people? You people. You people. Everybody. Anybody listening is part of the Get Fresh crew. And you're also weirdos. So we have a, a bunch of books tonight. If people are playing at home, they realize we didn't have a TGIF. Even with the amount of books, decided to throw them all here on one giant podcast, the big sucker, as they call it. But before we go into those, me, Uh. before we go into those, that's that's all I go with. I don't talk to anybody else but you, and I've only talked to you, what, two minutes now this week. So with all that, hey, go to the Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Then go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. And finally, go to the Patreon, Patreon.com slash weird science where you can help us out starting as low as a dollar each level you go up you get more and more shows more and more responsibility eric because when you get to the top levels you become a badass of the get fresh crew Uh and what you really do there is pick everything that we talk about especially our spotlight episodes and each thursday me and eric get together after the badasses have picked two books from a poll of that week's books and those two books are featured on a patreon only spotlight and this week they picked some biggins eric titans united blood pack number one the book that eric kept forgetting was coming out no no not forgetting never knew it was okay we didn't (laughs) mind it uh eric will tell you and i hope that eventually it does hit the regular show down the line just so he can tell the masses that that's the best Titans book going right now, which he uh, kept telling me. And also we did Batman One Bad Day. Those seem to be the darlings of the badasses. This is the second one. They picked the other one as well, the Tom King one. This was the One Bad Day Two-Face number one. Hopefully we won't get a number one two. There was day. enough for me two there. Two-Face yeah, number two one. Two-Face number one. One-two-one. One-two-one. Mariko Tamaki. I don't know. Maybe she didn't get the memo. Maybe she did. Uh, it didn't seem like there was an... Fuck I actually, memos. I actually... Fuck chicken strips. I ended up on Twitter talking <laughs> to a guy about this one bad day. And I think that because I am the purveyor of positivity, I have turned a corner. You have to fight with him? No, I don't end up... I don't know what's with me anymore. What's going on? Did somebody slip Zoloft in my coffee? Fuck your Zoloft. I end up where I don't become aggressive right away i'm going on twitter right now the guy ended up saying that no I, we were just discussing it he said i think that this was a good harsh issue words. of the one bad day and i i said well i don't know because he ended up saying he didn't quite get or maybe he didn't know what the one bad day concept is and i said well there's you know an issue i have my idea of what it is it's that you drive somebody to a point where they'll do something that isn't typically something they would normally do because of that one bad day, but I guess it's up for interpretation. So we were discussing. He said, and I'm telling you, during the discussion, we came up with the idea that it's like five people's one bad day, but at the end, we're like, yeah, it kind of stunk. It wasn't that great. It was just an odd deal. I believe what they call it is a cash grab, Eric. Insert cash register sound. That is what you would do sure when would. you have that. But 
me and you talked about an hour and 20 minutes on those two books, had a lot of laughs, had a lot of fun. And also just as an aside, if you do end up getting onto the Patreon and for just that $1 a month, you get early access to all the things. And last night we did throw out an early access, kind of a, a pseudo TGIF. What are you talking about? You told me you've only talked to me for two minutes this week. Well, I meant tonight. Oh. I, you know, they, I start the week on Saturdays it's like weird. most people do, right? <laughs> I don't know how a calendar works. Like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, is he playing a game? What's going on? We're not telling people we recorded already? What you'll hear that last section of books tonight, we actually games. threw out their early access. <laughs> I like to play the games. I the games. <laughs> the chicken strips. But with that, too, we always have a thing at the beginning here where we have to give a little salute, a little shout out to the badasses, we like to call it. The badass roll call. Uh, uh. You're no, not no. going to say F this, Eric. You Absolutely love it. Not. You love it. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're fired up, Eric. We got a lot of good books this week. Jeffrey Greek, <laughs> Stephen Batdad Mitchell, The Annihilator. I'm, I'm sure that people are like, well, this podcast, you have to keep turning up and down. These idiots. Ted Probes. I love Punchline. Stork. Michael S., Forrest Polly, Camp, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, Lady Abby, and Lord Andy, Red, Matches Balone, Niels T-Ward, Cuddle Camp himself, David Fink, Joey Barracosco, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me. I mentioned earlier, he thought he had chlamydia, Eric. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Michael G., Ken Halleck, it was bird chlamydia. I don't know if that's worse. No Isn't difference. that what the penguin had? Oh, my goodness. We also have Ken Halleck. Comic Boom Rocky. Bird fucker. E. e Norma Scott. <laughs> What's that? I'm not saying it again. Mark Jager. <laughs> Aldrin Stosia. Nick Adams. Ruben. Carlos. No Wolf Marv. Luke Hollywood. Simon. Luis Manship. I said last night he might be dead. Andrew in Belfast. Swanee. Anthony G. Josh Vermillion. My man Pete from NYC. Batman Beyond Mark. Rob Lewis, giving a, a special shout out to Rob. Like I said, it's the badass roll oh, call, God. Eric. Uh, uh, 51. Uh, yeah, here we go. It's time to say we do the roll call every day, but really once. Rob Lewis. <laughs> little shout out to our man, Rob Lewis. your <laughs> Brandy Murray up there in Buffalo. Double Aaron. Doxing his ass in Minnesota, Eric. I think I've worn myself out already. I got all excited, twirling my chair around the audience out. like an idiot, Eric. Ah, they're all gone. Special shout out to Reginald. Drink water, all time great. Uh-uh. And yeah, so here we are. We have a bunch of books. I got to control myself. I may have taken some medicine. I don't know, Eric. Is that yeah. is up in the air? Who would I know? I that as an excuse. This is Who just would you. dunk it? It is, actually. Uh, my medicine that I did have, I, it lasted like two and a half months, and I needed a refill. But because I didn't refill it last month, they ended up having some issues with it, so I couldn't get it, Eric. I couldn't get my mix on it. So this is just me and a little pumpkin spice coffee, which I usually don't like to Brooks. drink until October. But there you go. Here it is. It, it is. it isn't the best, but I have to do something here. I need a warm drink, and I don't have any sort of wonton soup available. So all of that said and done, we have a bunch of books tonight, as I said, and some pretty much some bangers, which is nice to have. I think this might be one of the better weeks that DC's had in quite some time. We'll see what everybody else thinks. We'll see what Eric thinks. I don't Two know. Bros. Two bros. Who knows what that guy thinks, but we'll be back after this tiny little break with the books. He got his first real comic. Got 
started at a five and down Ready to his fingers plan Been reading comics most of his life Him and some guys from school They had a book and they tried real hard Jake quit and Knuckles got married Youngest was never gonna get far When he looks back now I want to know, Eric, are you ready to reveal why, why reading comics made your fingers bleed? I just no. don't get it. I don't know why you ever told me that. And it, it makes me wonder because that's, you know, that's what sparked that song was when you told me that bit of info. Hey, everybody, we got the books here. I believe that a lot of these books, as I said earlier, bangers. Thank you, Jenny. And we will be going to one of the bigger ones. Now, I think, it, would you say that maybe The Flash is the biggest book this week? Because well, it's, it's a Dark Crisis tie-in. Tie -in. But you're like, no, put that in the next section. We don't have time for that over here. And actually, I was going to tell you, we should do World's Finest, Flash, and Nightwing. I'm like, eh, I already sent him the deal. He gets all upset with change. You don't like change, Eric. I don't like shitty setups for books. Just ended up, I was throwing the books together. I'm like, okay. Here we go. Let's go with this. I think Eric will love it. Now I find out you didn't. It makes me sad. I was I was angry all day. We have this first section. Of I couldn't even eat. I was shaking. <laughs> I was so angry. Oh, my goodness gracious. Maybe people will enjoy it more than maybe you did, Eric. Scathing. We end up, before we get into this, remember that you can go over to the old website of ours, where it's ScienceDCComics.com, and we'll read written reviews of these books, we'll including... Including, I don't know what I'm saying, Eric. I'm having problems. I'm fumbling over everything, including my tongue, my lips. And your belly. I go to the gym. It's just, I don't know. Does the gym go to me? Well, you go there for a new environment to look at your phone. Well, no, I actually go and I do this competitive, like, I'm cycling tired of looking at my thing. phone at home. Let's go to the gym to do it. The problem, Eric, I, I go and I told you about this before I do this competitive kind of, it's not, I mean, I say competitive. I haven't heard about this in like two months. You gave up as far no, as I'm No, I didn't give up. The problem is everybody else did. Nobody is fighting with me anymore. They were fighting with me at first. And I was all fired up and they had, they ended up taking down the leaderboard because of me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, gracious. you ruin things for everybody. I, I actually, get you. I, I, at one point, I went in and I'm like, I said to Tanya, before we leave, you got to remind me, I'm going to go to the leaderboard and take a selfie of it so I can send it to Eric. And then it wasn't there. I'm like, what happened to the leaderboard? I can't it do this. It was never there. Uh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. But if you want to go to the gym and, and get involved, you can. That's also, or go read reviews. I don't know. Or you could do both. Well, we're going to start off with the bell of the ball for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people love this World's Finest book by Mark Dark Wade. Tie I'll, tell you well, that. I'll tell you, I think that when we get to the Flash book, I'm going to mention that I think that the, you know, this whole genre, not genre, but this whole feel of this world. I think it's rubbing off a little on Jeremy Adams as well. I think that this is something that I hope the feel of a classic feel, but in a modern setting, but still classic. I hope that that's what we get after Dark Crisis. It's still I hope. subtly wrong in simple ways. Yeah, it is. This book, you have to kind of go by it because he doesn't 
really say what continuity it is or whatnot. It's very it's odd. It's current but, continuity, Jim, because we're dealing with stuff with the Devil Nezha and current continuity based on this first arc. It is back in the day, and who knows what sort of crisis might have changed that. Post-crisis, yeah. where Dick Grayson is still robbing. Exactly. I'm saying that maybe maybe that flashpoint changed a little bit of the wonkiness. I don't know. Batman Superman World's yeah, Finest number 52. seven. Exactly. <laughs> Written by Mark Wade. Art by Dan Mora. Tamra Bonvalon, Eric, as I like to call the her. Wolf man. The Wolfman. She blocked us, so what do I care? Land Steve Wong. I don't know. You keep talking about it, so I think you do care. I do, Eric. It gets me upset all the time. But this ends up being a pretty cool setup for a story. You end up having some feels. Dunda. By the end. That's what we need. By the end. I did feel like, I, I don't know what the combo is. It's like, oh man, I, I wish this was longer or maybe it just went by so quick. But I did want more from it. There's a couple little shout outs in it that I thought were pretty cool, especially the suit. The suit that we end up getting is the boy a, a classic. The Kandorian boy thunder suit. <laughs> we even get some other funny little things, including like Angela Chen, who's doing the news report from Metropolis, Metropolis part yeah. of the Superman animated series, but also was in... The JLA Vixen book, which I saw. Uh, also, Jack Ryder losing his mind makes me laugh. I swear there. they made Jack Ryder and Alex Jones for this, and it was creeping me out. Well, it creeped you out because he's the creeper, Eric. There you go. No, there you go. <laughs> you did it. You did you it, Mark Wade. Oh, my God. And yeah, you also have Shauna Taylor, but also Vicky Vale. There's the old Vicky Vale. But in that, there is uh, a beginning where you see Gotham City, Doom Planet. What I thought, and I'm glad that it didn't end up being, I thought that this was going to be pretty surface level of the idea of bruce wayne from a kind of kandorian like you know thing and you would get the combo you'd almost have so almost the idea of the zero and all batman to yeah I, I that exactly or even like a living persona of you know the combo suit type thing. i'm glad we didn't get that but there no. is that little you know synergy between especially On with earth, superman kind of like our own earth the world is doomed and thankfully there are two scientists in gotham city Gail and Asher Sakella, who send their only child off to another world with their hyper with their hyper time drive, hoping that he can survive. But what they didn't know is that to be found in a world of superheroes and brought in by Batman and Superman to become Boy Thunder. Boy Thunder. Now, right there with the idea where you have the Doom Planet, the whole Superman kind of aspect to everything, but in Gotham City and a planet similar to ours that explodes. We send them to our Earth. And it actually reminded me a lot of when uh, Supergirl was recreated in like 2003, like brought back after Crisis and stuff like that. Where, you know, Batman, she landed in Gotham, Batman found her. It really reminded me a lot of that aspect because of the Superman qualities to the story. But it's so weird to me that we find out that David Sakella, like, he's like, where am I? What world is this? Because he's on another Earth. But they talk about the idea. Yes, we've heard that the Flash travels to different, like, Earths in the multiverse. But it's a hyper time drive, which is not a part of the multiverse. It is a freaking part of time and not space. Why did we do this? Now, in that, you know, you have this whole play of hyper time multiverse. It does get a little wonky with that. But it's just I don't know why Mark Wade had to spell it out of, oh, man, that's why the vibrational frequencies. That's why when Batman's out and I do There's like no the idea, I do like the idea they're in the bat jet going and Batman's so gung ho that he has the air mask deal on and he doesn't have one for dick grayson it makes you laugh that's why dick's always goofy now dick has <laughs> one he just has it off yeah, he just has it's just funny that he has it off and with that i think that the biggest play that we've had so far and i like it in this one especially is we actually have a fun dick grayson a dick grayson who's having a ball being a robin a boy wonder even as he yells at batman to kind of calm down and why don't you lighten up but at the one point i thought boy you're gonna get 
almost like a Tim Drake and a Superman fighting vampires. I love when you see Robin and Superman actually go off together because they're both the, the light in the, you know, the deal of well, Batman's even the idea life. And I of, thought that's cool. Of having the situation, the light of Batman's life, but going to be able to go to Candor, which that's something I wish we'd be able to do, even though I can't tell you what Candor is really like anymore after General Zod and Ray Al Ghul, like, you know, Lazarus petted the things up. They and had they got half seas or something with everybody. I, I don't understand how it works anymore, but the idea when you need some super science done, you go back to the Fortress of Solitude, you shrink yourself down in the Candor and the super scientists of Candor give you the information you need and then you can like, you know, embiggen yourself back up. I like that aspect a lot. I wish it's something that we can go by because it's very Silver Age and we don't get that kind of fun anymore. And it makes sense for the super science aspect in the Fortress of Science, uh, Science, the Fortress of Solitude. But when you have the situation of like Dick Grayson being there, this is, could be the idea of where he learns about the name of Nightwing, you know, the freaking like the psychic, the flame or the, crypt, the crypt, uh, Kryptonian heroes and stuff along those lines that, you know, Jimmy and Clark used to play in Candor. Who knows if it's any in continuity anymore, but it still works out. And I like this aspect to it because it's very Silver Age, but set in a more not modern era, but like, you know, close to present it time. Is era. That. It feels more updated. That's just how I go with it. It feels like an updated version of, say, it's Silver like those Age X-Men deal. movies, like in, in the near future, but always the present time to a degree before the movie gets started. And I like the idea that when they give the suit to David, it does play off almost like the Nightwing type of deal. This was a former deal and they're there he's making mark wade's making some of this up to kind of combine the things because that suit legitimately was from back in the day which we'll get to in a second but even when they go into candor you end up having them talk to kim da which is a little variation of a actual character that was friends with jarell that ended up helping superman himself take on brainiac when candor went so i thought that was pretty cool and and again an update it's more of like it's not exactly some of the things but it's a little bit of an update like you said though one of the things that i know would always push you back a bit from this is he plays real loose with the continuity real loose with history but some of it works some of it may not uh but the candor stuff's great and just to have that i like it a lot even the idea where we're updating the boy thunder from the silver age stuff like that where like for some reason he just starts generating heat when he's talking to batman superman when they come across this ship and trying to figure out who he is what's been going on and we're getting the answers in Candor, and we do this. We suspect his Earth had a markably cooler sun. Thus, his cells like yours process solar energy differently here. David releases that energy in the form of intense heat or blinding light, perhaps even as a gravitational flux enabling flight. And it's like the ideal. Can it be controls? It's time to find out, because here we have the origin of our boy Thunder. But I really hope along the lines of what we did with the Devil Nezha, where like that first arc was a big like you know prologue to what we're going to be dealing with now with the Batman versus Robin and stuff like that. Where this can be acting along the lines of a lot of like prologues and stories that are going to be coming forward in DC Comics, where we have the idea of a boy thunder. We have no idea where this boy thunder is going to go or why continuity has forgotten him, even though this is playing in the past of our current continuity. Could it be that going forward with the Jeff John storyline that he's been setting up in Stargirl, Summer, uh, Summer Bre- uh, Spring Break special, or even in the Flashpoint Beyond, where you have the child minder who's taking these kids out of continuity, out of time, and people don't really remember them? And it's a whole thing where did boy thunder get hit by the child minder? I'm like, could this be a thing that's being like we're just setting things up here for a new Boy Thunder and what happened to these missing characters that nobody remembers? And here's what I want to say about this. The Boy Thunder. And when we get into it, I think it's pretty cool. When he ends up landing, Superman grabs it and then they end up landing and he does end up coming out of this, you know, escape pod and then sets everything on fire because he can't control the deal. But then Batman says, I'm going to go run off. And even then you have like the classic look where. He's glowing and you have the Batman and Robin like veering off like it was the spotlight so on him. It's yeah. really cool. And the art in this is great. 
Batman goes off. Batman right away is thinking ahead of awful things. So he's like, I got to go check on something. But I love that Batman's always one step ahead. Yeah, exactly. And we're, you know, almost halfway through, actually, at this point. Maybe not so. But I like I like this idea because normally in the scope and the landscape of books, if this was a little bit ago and it wasn't this book, I would say to you, I don't trust this kid. I would say don't trust Boy Thunder. And no, I do. That's what I like. I like having a story where I actually kind of like him right away. Well, how cool is it that you have this guy who's from a super science kind of world, where you know you have like uh, Kryptonian s scientists in Gotham City that send their only son to another world through a hyper time drive. But the idea that he doesn't have superheroes, as far as we know, on his world. So when you have all this stuff going on, he comes to this world, he sees a Batman, he sees a Robin, he sees a Superman. He gets shrunken down to a freaking alien city in a bottle, gets a, like a CAT scan done on all these different super science things. And like, we made this suit for you to withstand your heat and stuff like that. He's like, is everybody on your planet dressed like this? <laughs> yeah. Only and, the and cool ones. It's funny, too, because Dick Grayson is overhitting on the ladies, too. I'm like, this is great. I mean, this is so fun. And in that, that suit that is given, that was actually a World's Finest callback. And it was from the World's Finest 178 from 1968. The thing that I really like, though, isn't just throwing the suit in, but because of those powers, kind of plays in. Because when this suit originally happened, Superman didn't have powers, was going out and called himself the Nova, which actually fits (laughs) his kind of power set, even though they call him Boy Thunder. I thought that that was a really cool little bit with that. And yeah, I thought that it was real fun. And him and Dick Grayson right away, really cool together. It gives Dick somebody to have fun with when he says, everybody just like this, only the cool kids. I'm like, not really, Dick, but you can go with that. Only the cool kids. Nothing's cooler than a Robin costume. And what I like about this, too, you're in Candor. The then, exposed yeah, legs. really. Then you're in Candor. <laughs> then you're in even the fortress. And these, oh, man, are there actually cities here? And once Gotham is said, then that kind of clicks with him. But I even like the subtle change of, it's really bright in the fortress, in Candor, and then they go off to Gotham. It's always dark there. It doesn't matter. Well, Jim, it's dusk. It's not Gotham's fault. The sun's going down. I know it works well. Always shadows with that. And then you do get a moment because of that whole idea where I don't know what he's doing here. If he's leaping, if he's actually flying, because Superman ends up carrying, you know, David and Dick yeah. Grayson riding him like a horsey, uh, you know, and he thinks it's the greatest. But then it's either a leap, and I don't know why. Why in the hell? This is one of my biggest problems. Batman thinks ahead. Why are you meeting right next to the apartment of what would be his parents in this world? I have to show you something, son, and the idea that you're like, this is is Gail and Asher, like, oh my god, my parents are alive here. I need to go to them. So yes, Mm -hmm. they are a building away. Maybe Batman does not know the capabilities of David at this point in time with his newfound powers, but... He does fly slash leap over to his parents. And the idea, I'm actually surprised we didn't get an explosion of power, which we saw previously where he started setting things on fire right outside of his spaceship and stuff like that, because Superman needs to pull him away because these people are not happy to see him saying that you're my son, because in this world, their son, David Sakella, died when he was three years old. So David being here saying, I'm your son, I'm back and stuff like that. He is just ruining these people in Batman's. We can't do these to yeah. these people because they can't go through that shit again. I'm sorry. I don't know why I brought you. Yeah, I don't know why I wanted to show you them. But Apparently, this was a weird Batman experiment that failed for me. Oh, it failed big time. Or it succeeded. I don't know. He's a freaking, he's a monster. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so bad. Uh, but like, is he setting things up for when he finally meets his Flashpoint daddy in that world where his son died? Yeah, I think that's all that or all of the Robins down the line. I'm not going to deal with things like this when I meet my daddy where his son died. Yeah, exactly. So when he does this, though, 
the play that I thought Mark Wade did really well here is <laughs> I thought that the parents, these, you know, not his parents, but what would be the same in this world. I thought they were just pieces of shit that were oh, like, so oh, like, we don't want kids, our, our careers. Because No, no, his father, Asher, came off like a monster at first, but like, you know, how overprotective he was with this kid that showed up on his back. I think is I don't like people around me either, but for, oh, how over the but top this guy's like, oh, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But like, no, I'm a piece of shit. He's just in grief exactly. still. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. You end up realizing that this kid who, you know. Their kid, their David died when he was three. So you don't know that he looks exactly, but probably a bit. But this kid saying, I'm your son. Hey, mom, that's messed up. And the mom just breaks down. It's so messed up that they don't even react to a kid flying down onto <laughs> their Like, that's the weird play. But yeah, they're taking it back. And I thought, man, they're pieces that no, no, it's Batman. Batman's the piece of crap. And it's such a way, like, right even there could be the. How dare you? I, I'm going to go and I'm going to bring this back or whatever. He could turn real dark from this, but it doesn't seem like he does, especially because Superman's there. The hug, I'm probably looking over at Batman like, what the hell are you thinking? Like he's mouthing that over. But the hug is nice. And then he's just like, he can't get over this. He ends up where Batman says he had his parents die twice now in a day in his mind. This is like losing your parents twice. And it's bad. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. Now we get the idea of who's going to try to take. I love this idea where Superman says, I don't want to let my secret identity out. So I can't really take him to mom, pa, Kent. And he says and that. I'm telling you, that's, that's some great stuff right now. We don't know who this David Sakel is or whether we can trust him. Out. Yeah, he's dressed up like a boy thunder, like he's going to be my new sidekick. But who we knows? can't take him over at the mansion because Alfred and Batman and Dick, they are world renowned superheroes and can do some good stuff with the money they have. They are not equipped to take on superpowers of caliber. So what about Mom and Pa Kent? Well, we can't trust them that with the identities of the people we love until we know more about him. Like, this is some really smart plays it's right here. It's smart, except for the fact that I want Superman to say, hey, can, can you can you live here? For, can you stay here? Batman says, uh, we're not equipped to train a superhero like that. And I wanted Superman to say, I never said anything about training. He just needs somewhere to live. I'll take him to the fortress and I'll train him on the weekends. Like, I just need somewhere to put this kid. Batman's just like Ixnay on the IDK. I already got enough going on with that Dick Grayson. Uh, but you want to set up a deal of how this works out. And I like that you end up having Dick Grayson come up with a I know what to solution. do with this kid to keep his mind off the craziness that his parents aren't his parents and this kid has no home to go to anymore. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get him in the 1966 Batcopter. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to fly his ass to the Titans so he can meet all my friends and the very super sexy Wonder Girl of this era. Oh, yeah. Look at her. Look at that. I and mean, it's so it... weird to say that because he's in the Teen Titans, but goddamn. I, see, what I'm doing is I'm transposing myself to when oh, I was a teenager and thinking it that way. That makes oh, it okay. No. Man. Super sexy. Well, she will be in a couple of years how's that I work be back in school you're a creep i'm jack Ryder. i'm the creeper <laughs> you are the creeper uh but he goes and that's look I mean, at her. just seeing that though is so much fun i mean that's what well, this just look is. at these designs because the art's amazing it's the colors just pop off the page when you have the teen titans the original teen titans you said the colors right is that kid flash said? yes and wonder girl and speedy right here it all looks great and Again, when people saw this, people reacted even in the slack multiple times. Just having this with the Teen Titans back in the day, the team, people loved it. This It's a simple formula at points to get people excited about books and get them excited for things in D.C. This is kind of it. It doesn't have to be just, yeah, it doesn't have to be 
you know, everything in the past or whatever. But this, we said, is kind of an updated version going with it. But well, it's everything just doesn't fun. have to be doom and gloom. We can always harken back to a simpler time and talk about friends and family within the DC universe. And yet we did talk about friends and family with David. That is a bit doom and gloom, but it works in the story. You're not. Yeah, but that's David. We don't know him. <laughs> that's David problems. Just to go with the Dark Crisis Young Justice deal that we ended up talking about. Uh, I guess we're talking about it later in the podcast, Eric, as things go. But when we get to that, you don't have to give the middle finger to fans of the books or somebody from another age. You know, you can have some fun with it. When people saw you just smile at the end with that. And that shit, like, I thought that was the cliffhanger. I'm like, oh, man, that's so cool. Oh, no, things are getting dark. Well, yeah, then out of nowhere, you have this epilogue of the key pretty much playing weird jigsaw freaking games here with this guy who's been starved for three weeks. Like, he's got to crawl a little bit more here <laughs> and you can have all the food you want. And then the guy dies three inches away from the food that he's been starving for for all this time. And I'm thinking to myself, you're such a goddamn piece of shit, Key, because even if he went to that and ate it, the shock would kill him. And there's just a key at the end when this guy dies, Leonard, he's just dead right there, all emaciated and gross. He's like, beautiful. I'm like, you're gross, Key. And um, the key is gross. And the last time we saw the key was in the is Titans, that Titans Annual. Yeah, it was Titans Annual and Titans 16, where it ended up, I mean, if it's going anything from it, which it wouldn't, but this no. is the key. That's the last time we saw him in this continuity. And the key's great, though, for the idea of bringing a villain back that you don't get to see very often, especially in this real dark approach to him. And it looks really good, really cool the way it's played out. And he's just sadistic already. That That's all you need. I mean, the idea that I said at one point that some of these newer writers can't seem to make a villain bad or whatnot, they have to really go. And this scene just sets up like, oh, my, I, I don't want him anywhere near kids, especially. But hopefully Batman and Run. But the, the key is pretty tough. I mean, he has taken on, you know, the Justice League and things like that in the past. So it's pretty cool. Try to remember that Titans annual there. He showed up before and that was years ago. The last episode, was he doing anything with Dr. Destiny? Or was that just in my mind? No, he was doing things with Abacadabra and was actually being controlled by Troya was the deal in it. Remember, Troya, she the was, Donna, evil Donna Troy from a thousand years in the future. Remember, she was like whispering in his Crazy. ear and we didn't know who it was. And then all of a sudden it was just revealed that saying, it was she Troya. was whispering in his ear. Oh, she's got that evil reverse flash freaking power. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Evil ear whispers. That's what she was doing the ear whispers. You know how the bad those things are. But this is really fun. Like all the characters end up having their bit. Nobody's left behind. You get a really cool Dick Grayson that if you're going to go back and show Dick Grayson as Robin, just show him having a lot of fun, which he is. I mean, when he goes off, that will be when he's on Superman's back flying was so good. It was worth almost that just for the deal and did remind me. All the time when you end up having him and Tim Drake fighting the vampires. I always think anytime you get that set up, but Superman and Nightwing or Dick Grayson ended up having that bit of a connection throughout. That's why he ended up picking Nightwing. So he even said that was a really cool, you know, kind of deal. And and the shout out of all this and getting that suit and thunder or all that. We'll see how that plays thunder. out. I am worried about him. I don't want him to die. I hope that there is Child a possibility minder. that he keeps going. And I hope that that is... Maybe even tied him with the key. Who knows? I mean, the key's a bad dude. He's not good. He unlocks the door to the childminder. Jack Ryder starts creeping his ass all around, right? He really just felt like Alex Jones to me. Yeah, he did. I really think that they just went, Mark Wade's like, creeper, Alex Jones. All right, it works. Uh, but the art's great. The art is, is, it is great. really, really good. So what would you give this? 8.5 out of 10. 
I'm giving it a nine out of ten, Eric. A nine out of ten, I say. Purveyor of positivity. I do not have a sound for a nine out of ten, but I will get it. you never hear it here. Yeah, really. I'm like, that's the most unused sound. If, if a sound effect could have cobwebs on it. Or the crickets at. <laughs> crickets ten would be the deal. Oh, we'll go to the next book, which is Batman the Night number nine, written by Chip Zdarsky. Penultimate. Art by Carmine D.G. DeMonico, Ivan Placencia, and Pat Russo. We continue the training of a young, young Bruce Wayne, along with his man, Anton. In this issue, you almost have that, oh, my God, when that's Ghostmaker. When they say his name, I'm like, everybody's known this but me for all these yeah. issues. But even so, I think that that was supposed to be the play, that this was going to be the big reveal. But everybody already Only knew Only for that. Bruce. He's even wearing the freaking, like, Ghostmaker freaking mask. I don't know if there was a bit of a delay for this. It seems like it's been a while since we talked about it. And even if we hadn't, the idea of this should be big, this Rachel Gould deal. For some reason, it, it kind of fell a little flat for me overall. Well, it's I- a little odd because of the idea of where we are, because we're reimagining the origins of Bruce Wayne becoming Batman, and even the idea where you and I, if people have listened, we're not the biggest fans of Tom King. And what we had previously in Batman the Killing in Killing Time was the idea where he was given the Eye of Christ from Rachel Gould during their time when Rachel Gould was training. And I don't know if the synergy, a thing within DC Comics right now, where they all understand the idea we're reinventing things with a same continuity, but reinventing it for a new fit readership. So here we go. We have Batman the Night, the reinvention of Bruce Wayne and the Batman. But we're going to use a few things here and there. Like maybe Tom King was privy to the knowledge of this happening, or maybe with the idea we're taking it off of what Tom maybe King was we're doing lucky, with that story. Maybe you do that. I don't but know. one of the people who went and trained Bruce Wayne, one of his final masters before he left and became Batman in Gotham City was Ra's al Ghul. Which just feels weird to me because of the connection that they would later have on, like, you know, almost like the first meeting where, like, Talia and him would fall in love and you'd have shirtless freaking sword fighting along those lines. It just feels weird that he was brought in almost to be the heir right away before he even made a name for himself. Yeah, and and so with that, you're saying the continuity or synergy, we haven't seen that much with other books, even books within the same book family. So I hate... I well, the thing is, I'm only going with that with the idea of what we just talked about in World's Finest with the Devil Nezha. Like, this is a book from the past, and then I was picking up in Batman versus. The Robin. thing that I like about the Devil Nezha thing is the Batman versus Robin is also Mark Wade, so he's keeping his things tight, which is good. The idea that if it is a Tom King thing, that Chip Zdarsky, okay, I got to do this for the. That's kind of like a you know Philip Kennedy Johnson with the War Zunes, where you ended up where we thought that Bendis made a mistake, which we still say no, he, he did. did. And Philip Kenny Johnson is going to kind of like We're okay, run with that mistake. last second run Continuity in to changed. save his ass and say that, no, that's the way to go. I don't mind either way. It's just that this should feel big, but it doesn't because, like you said, the story that we already knew would have come a little later. And I think that that's a bigger deal when they ended up having that. This feels too soon. You have Rachel Gould because you want to know who the new masters of Bruce Wayne are, who trained him to become Batman. Because we're always bouncing around the idea of like the old continuity, new continuity, that freaking uh that Peter J. Tomasi was putting together and different things. So here you have a definitive list of the new continuity of Bruce Wayne's trainers and masters. And it just feels weird to have this big connection because everything like, you know, oh, there's Ra's al Ghul, there's Talia al Ghul. And now, wow, is there a, like a will they, won't they connection with Talia and Bruce? But we know all the stuff that's just going to be there. So there's no real wow factor to these people because we know them already. And we know that you can't trust the idea like, I want you to be a part of my Lazarus project where I'm going to bring these efficient cities to the world. I'm going to end like, you know, Everything that's a problem with Earth, Rachel Gould is going to be the answer to it. We're going to stop all this stuff, and I want you by my side to do it with me and my League of Assassins. And we all know how this is going to play out. So here we are at the freaking eleventh hour of the training of Batman, and we know that we're just going to shut down like Rachel Gould and Bruce Wayne is going to go off. But 
it feels like all of the secrets, all the mysteries that we had left are all now gone. Yeah. And, and the weird play is we could we could have said that same thing about Zatara and Zatanna, but that felt right. And that felt it did because you knew that was going to be there and you want to know how you're going to play off on these characters that you love, that, you know, our family. And I say family in a friendship kind of way, but you know what I get. When you get to Rachel Ghoul, though. Chip Zdarsky knows he's got to not fudge something, he's a but bad guy. He ha- but he has to go. And what I, what gets me here is you get to Raish, and really, this is not really about training. But you have to throw in training in it, so that what you say is, "Oh, I'm going to train you how to heal and do the yeah. mystic arts and things." It didn't feel like that should have been anything to do with Bruce's initial training. It just didn't feel right for me for training wise. Because really what you're doing is to show, welcome to Lazarus, and I'm going to do this. You guys are, you know, small-minded and short-sighted. Was, I'm going to do this. And it just felt too much. Even on the flip side of the villain kind of aspect, too, because you know it's going to happen between Raish and Talia and Bruce. But then you also have, you know, Anton, Mikoa Khan, the Ghostmaker of one day. We know this Bruce, so even though he's working with, you know, Anton slash Ghostmaker once again here to find out who this Rachel Ghoul is, who is sending these assassins after them to try to get their attention, the, the final conflict that they need in their training now. We know that Ghostmaker and Bruce are going to have a falling out until they meet up again years later in our current continuity. So it's like, even that, we have a big betrayal. It's supposed to be a big twist, but like, you kind of know what's going to happen because Anton right now, even in Bruce's mind, like, how could I trust this murderer? I think he can be saved, but can he really? And then he goes and stabs Bruce in the back once again. I mean, pretty much stabs him in the back. And even with that, though, you have the Talia stuff. That again, it's too soon. So when you end Especially up with where, the big ass sideburn, she I has. know what, what is she, Martin Van Buren? I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you trying to get this Bruce is who here? You fell in love with Bruce. I'm like, yeah, Bruce, you got a type. I guess it's, you know, I don't know. Mutton chops. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they probably call her all around the field. I don't get that look. Not but, to her face or racist. No, course. really. That would be problems. All the assassins giggling to themselves when they're supposed to be quiet about mutton chops. Over look there. at her and like mutton chop. You end up where when she goes <laughs> to make out with Bruce and she's like, Oh, my love, my dad, he sees this. It's too soon. You know it's too soon. So like you said about the idea of Ghostmaker, yeah, they're going to have to have a falling out. He's going to go. We know that'll happen. In this, you know that they can't do the Damien stuff here anyway. And that's the big play. Or even fall in love yet, because that's still in continuity and going. So it ends up kind of a weird play. Like, I was waiting for this weird thing where, you know, if they're changing things, because we know that Damien was this weird, like, amalgamation of, like, you know, the sperm and then, like, the not even sperm, but, like, this DNA combined with the Al Ghouls and Waynes and stuff like that to become, like, a test tube baby to become the perfect, you know, infant from the both of both their genes and stuff like that. I wanted this whole big thing to be that was the idea put forth, but within this new continuity, they did make sweet, sweet love here, and Damien was a product of their first time meeting here when everybody thinks that, like, it was years later when he was brought to life and, like, you know, aged up and stuff. And and you could even play the idea that if that happened, just the script doctoring deal, that you'd end up having Talia very upset, knowing that Raish would be upset about that. So hide hid that, and then behind the scenes kept trying to manipulate the idea that Raish would accept Bruce as the, the chosen one, the next in line type of deal. Might have been a cool play. I was looking for something just to change things up from what I know them to be, besides for the fact that, yes, Raish al Ghul is now going to be well, one of the masters that's, of that's Bruce the Wayne. Problem. I think the problem I had was in this book, you're playing this new continuity. You're throwing Ghostmaker, and that's fine and dandy, whatnot. But yeah. when you get to race, Make it work. anything but, I mean, the, the bare-chested swords. Like, all anybody wants. It's yeah, all but I you go, go with the original story and twist and turn it a bit. But this didn't seem like that. This just seems like, oh, you know that first meeting later? That may or may not happen. But here's what really, it just, 
it felt odd. It didn't feel as good as some of the other stuff that we well, saw in my mind. Especially for how smart Ra's would be to freaking figure out that Batman is Bruce Wayne along the lines and stuff like that. Kiri already has the knowledge of all the stuff that he would need to know to finally figure out, like, yo, oh, Bruce Wayne, he trained around the world to be the best. And all of a sudden we have a Batman using the same techniques that I tra- trained him over here in Abu Dhabi and stuff. It doesn't make it makes racial less important in my mind from him just seeing this guy and knowing who he is based on the stuff that he does because race is that good. And I, I do like this idea where when they do sword fight, it is Bruce trying to kind of test him. You know, him and race are going to fight in in yeah in this. And yeah. I like though when they're talking about that, and you end up having race and race just runs him through. <laughs> Race runs him through right before the fight. I believe that there's a guest star of Vandal Savage. Oh, no, that's Talia. It looks like Vandal Savage. I'm like, what is going on, Talia? You're throwing me off every time I see you. Uh, but it's okay. You, you know, they end up having the fight. And the play of... Here's us just shaming Talia how cool for her looks. <laughs> We're a bunch of monsters. When they end up leaving him, like, that's part of Raish's test. Let's see if he learned. But again, the idea of Raish and Talia is too big. It ends up really overshadowing the idea that they learn their little trinkets and their little potions. It really gets lost of the training part of it to more be the, oh my God, Rachel Ghoul. Oh my God, welcome to Lazarus, Talia, all that. It ends up being way too big. It's like when I said to you, when you have a story in Gotham and it's a penguin story, if you introduce the Joker, it's no longer a penguin story. It's now a Joker story. And in this, the training now it's just Raish and Talia. Well, it even seems in the background, because you have these super cities that Raish wants to set up are self-sustaining and all this stuff that's going to save the world because of what he wants to do, the way that Raish is. You know, it just kill the population and makes Earth. It's pretty much the Thanos thing as well. Just make yeah. Earth a sustainable that's place for everybody because we're overpopulated. And that's what he wants with his Lazarus cities along those lines. But when, you know, Ghostmaker's doing his little sneak, sneaking around in the middle of the night and he's met by the guy, the still, who kicked his but ass still, yeah. off panel, you have these people. And he's almost like a, a pre-Ubu, which is weird because I wanted to see Ubu here as well, but you didn't have that. But, it, you know, the still was looking for someone to take his place because he has recently failed his master. His master's like, I'm not about that. Go find your place because you're fired. And when you're fired, it means you find your place and I'm going to kill your ass. But Ghostmaker's sneaking around. He is met by the still. But one of the things you find is, yes, we have this this guy. He wants to do the best for the world. He wants to save everybody. But he's got a shit ton of fucking missiles. What do we need all these missiles for? So even the idea when you have at the end, the big thing where Raish wants to bring these two together because one of them is going to be his second in command like the still once was. They just have to fight each other, figure out who it is. Because like it's almost along the idea of the Joker in um, the Dark Knight movie after he has like, look. I have some like, you know, I have some room for people in my crew. I just need, I only have one though. And he breaks that pool stick in half and gives it to him fight to the death and whoever wins. And that's what he wants from Anton and Bruce here. And it's such a weird idea because I know that this is something that Anton would want because of the idea of the power involved and how like Rachel Ghoul could use like somebody like him to go set forth and use his kind of like uh, justice, stop crime along those lines. This is something that Anton with his like psycho brain would want, even if he has to betray Bruce Wayne, even though I think he'll kind of like look into his heart and maybe feel like maybe this is my only friend and I can look past my own psychosis. I don't know. But I just know by the end of this, though, that we have to stop Ration, probably blow up those missiles because it's something they would do. But it seems way too early for a pre Bruce Wayne. I mean, say our pre Batman Bruce Wayne, who eventually has to go back to Gotham and get his ass kicked by too many people. It's too big. And in that, I think that Anton and Bruce end up like wink, wink. They leave. And then Rach is like, who's next on the, oh, Ubu. That's how he becomes the next in the line. That's the thing. So I want the still then to get killed right there for some reason. Anton and Bruce leave. We blow up yeah. freaking this uh, whole place. It's a whole thinking. secret, this whole secret mountain fortress. And like, what's left there? Like, 
oh, who's going to be my second now? And like, then Ubu walks in. You call me boss? No, Ubu. Oh, wait, maybe I did. <laughs> That's gonna say, or it's just like they, this whole place blows up. Talia and Raisha are stuck in the snow or something. And this person gets them out. What is your name? My name's Ubu. All right. You I don't just need Ubu. You're test. one. Uh, and then we go off for that. Uh, but even with that, again, it's not a bad issue. I think it's kind of a mid type deal. I didn't get excited about it. And I wanted to I? get excited about it like we did the Satana and the Satara because I kind of had I thought we were going to get maybe the same feel. But once we got into it, I realized, like you said, it's too big, too early. It's too much. This is this would be like Bruce still has to go back to Gotham, put on a ski mask, get his ass kicked, and then sit in a freaking chair and ask for Alfred to go like ring the bell. Ask for Alfred, yes, father, I'll become a bat. And here he's going to be blowing up mountains with missiles and stopping the biggest freaking terrorist in the world. I'm like, too much. Yeah, it, it, it'd be like all of a sudden Bruce and Anton they go into this bar somewhere and they're like, oh man. Where do you see this next act up? He's a real joker. And the joker comes out like, hey, we're going to have to fight. Let's hear it for Jack Oswald White. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. And then, you know, Meg's playing on there. They're doing a little, you know, white stripe stuff. And the no whole thing, it's too, it's too much too soon. It's too big. And in that, I thought that what we were going to play with was the idea that originally maybe Talia had it in for the Anton. Maybe Bruce catches them doing the, the hankies pankies. And then that would kind of throw a twist. But no, no, it's just kind of down the line. And you know what you can't and cannot do. But then you're trying to play with it. And I think that I, I think that this was a misplay. This shouldn't have been. You might have been able because you did set up the race stuff earlier in the whole, you know, training with his Kung Fu master deal. Yeah, with one of the uh, master Kirigi in the beginning. That was good to set. That's a good setup for later. Well, they even bring those assassins up later, like in this issue, as if they came across them again at some point and stuff like that. But we never really feel like that matters anymore. We're just back to Rachel Gould. has been keeping an eye on these boys ever since he saw him over there at the Masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just, I thought it was a misplay. It's like, I, the, I it's, thought it's that like was... almost with Anakin and the Palpatine. Like, I'll, you're, I'll be keeping a close eye on your career, yeah. young Skywalker. <laughs> Oh, my God, he said it. He's going to be watching him. Watch out, Anakin. Uh, but yeah, in that, I just, again, I thought it was a bit too much. So I like the art enough. You tell oh, you, tell you crazy. But so for and, that. and some of the little things, <laughs> like, button chops over there. like if you I, I don't know if you ended up having, you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman year two and a half, three, maybe, you know, maybe you get to this, uh, but it's too soon. It's- you know, it feels like a weird misplay that we haven't dealt with since the first issue, though. That whole subconscious bit of Bruce Knight. Wayne, where he kept seeing that armor and I the know. knight and stuff like that, where you want, I wanted to see it throughout the series where it constantly evolved. And yes, it never became the bat armor, but along those lines, something he crawled into to show us that this is how he is able to overcome, endure to where he would become the Batman. We had that first issue and it was a cool thing to have there. And then like the idea of the subtext behind it, the subconscious like, you know, imagery. And we just dropped that completely. Yeah, I don't know why. I thought that when I was reading, like, I haven't actually thought about that for a while, but maybe it was that I thought to myself, oh, penultimate issue. And then we're getting in and something in this issue sparked maybe the sword fighting. I don't know. But I thought to myself, why aren't we dealing with that whole psychological night thing? We never did. That was dropped. That's weird that you thought the same thing. It's weird, too. I mean, then you have Vandal Savage and Bruce trying to make out. I don't know what's going on. I was also thinking of other things today that feel like they've been dropped and weird, like along those lines of the night. Because remember in Superman and the Authority, right? We had that like book that was kind of 
it was out there. Grant Morrison did it. DC bought it. They had the Grant Morrison Democrats, who obviously they want to continue on with that with, you know, action comics and what Philip Kennedy Johnson was doing. So we shoehorned that in there, whether it made perfect sense or not. But, you know, it didn't really ever work out. Nobody's ever brought up. And it feels like it was completely forgotten. Was the idea that Eclipso was a part of that team? Yeah, Eclipso was. What about his gray hair? Does that ever play on? Got gray hair. He got the Grecian formula. Uh, but at the end of this, what would you give it? Um, the thing is, I don't hate this. I just don't like yeah, the very long because you. it's just too much too soon for what you want with the Batman mythology, even if you are recreating it. But it's still fun enough reading for what it is. So a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, I think I'm going to go 7 out of 10. A little less than you, not the purveyor of positivity. I still didn't mind it. That was the thing, though. Some of these issues, I felt kind of, but some we loved. And I thought, you know, thinking of it on paper, just hearing, okay, he goes to race. Yeah, we said, hey, that's kind of not what you do, Stab, but hey, I'm willing to give it a try. It sounds cool. And when we got there, I thought, now this this probably shouldn't have been the play. And, and of course, it's going to be a two-issue deal. This is the end of his training. But the idea if he stops nuclear destruction of the world to then go back with a ski mask. And like you said, that does not fit very well in that. So hopefully... There is a twist that we don't see coming. Something else happens. But do you think that anybody plays this out when they're reading their comics or even in their own mind, their own headcanon where you have, oh, my God, here's Batman the Knight, the origin of Bruce Wayne. And eventually this goes from this over to Scott Snyder's Batman Zero Year for their new origin. That is kind of funny. I guess you should if you really went. But things are so disjointed. I'm always going to go Frank Miller's year one. Yeah, yeah. It'd be Frank Miller's deal. That that whole deal with the savage Gotham and all that nonsense was nonsense is what it was. So with that, though, seven to seven, five. But still pretty good. Still pretty positive going on. We have some other bangers coming up. So we're going to take a little break and we'll be back with those. Dick Grayson had a problem with KGBs And Nightwing fans felt like they had been fleeced They got Rick Grayson and subscriptions decreased The future was kinda shitty Tom Taylor showed up, made everyone glad Gave Dick a billion and he's rooming with Babs He saved the three-legged dog from boys who were bad The sky was the limit better than me and you (laughs) those boys were bad eric they were so bad make me giggle oh my goodness uh i'm a little hurt now since that last uh deal i ran upstairs to get a coffee and and to calm race dog down well the dog ran for me but i had to put it in race room so i go up not knowing that in our you know tiled up hallway upstairs there was a plastic lid from a bin i hit that i fell on my ass so bad 
hurt my thumb, hurt my elbow. I am an extreme. His ass is fine. Right now, my ass is fine. That had a lot of cushion. And a cushion for, for the cushion there uh, with all of that. So I did not have to worry about that at all. But, yeah, I am I am hurting right now. So I hope that you can pick me up, Eric, with all of your fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that and, strong. Uh, to get me going. You, you aren't? Well, I ended up going. And, again, I like big butts and that's I what lie. you say when that happens. But. We uh, with that song, I'm sitting there. Why didn't I put Nightwing first in this section? Things are not working as a good I synergy. The same thing here. As I was hearing it, but I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Well, I almost said, no and I thought to bulk. myself. Well, I thought to myself at once, I was going to come right back and go. Well, that's good because, like, really give you the wink, wink that we're starting with the Nightwing. But now we're no. going to start with uh, one of your books, Eric. And which one is that? The Flash, number 786, written by Jeremy Adams, with Arpai Amanke, Nahula Pan, Jeremy Cox, Peter Pantazis, and Justin Birch. And in this issue, to my surprise, at least, even though it shouldn't be, we are continuing on with our Dark Crisis tie-ins. Because the thing is, even at the time when I started picking this book up, I'm like, I thought the Dark Crisis tie-in was over with the search for Barry Allen. We found Barry, let's move on. But it, it never actually made any sense if you think about it that way, because the Dark Crisis is currently going on, and Barry Allen, now that he's been searched for and found, he's off trying to free the Justice. So yes, the Dark Crisis is still going on, whether or not Wally West comes back or not. So the, it's funny to me because I think it was actually the annual that maybe threw me off because in that we had Linda go off and like do her book tour stuff. And we had Wally have time to sit down and read Linda's book and even discuss the idea of where her speed force powers come from and the possibility that Linda's pregnant. We had all this time. That is an aside that I'm guessing takes place after the Dark Crisis is over because we don't have time for that shit right now because right now we have the Flash family finally coming back from searching for Barry Allen and going to the rest of the heroes and saying, look, we're all on board, all hands on deck. You got the JSA over here splitting that team. You have the Bath family. You have the Titans and the Flash family. We're on the case, baby. Yeah, and the funny play is, and I know my Eric Shea. That's one thing I do know. And I realize a lot of times you don't ever read that next up in Flash nope. deal at the end. So everything you say, I agree with until I get to the end. It says next month in Flash, Wally becomes a pro wrestler. I'm like, all right, here we go. But I think that this plays out well. I think that this actually, all in all, well, it's not necessary fully in the whole Dark Crisis story, but... It is necessary for the Flash family. Yeah, for the Flash family, but I think that this is one of, if not the best tie-in so far, because it feels it big. It might even be the best Dark Crisis issue, even in the main it event. It might be, and it really feels... That's why I like, and I think that that's something that some writers should strive for. Don't just say, we're a tie-in and we're going to do what the hell we want. Do a tie-in that you actually are competing with the main event because I think that this feels as big, if not bigger, than the actual real Dark Crisis book, especially with these teams. But in that, you even get this little added caveat here because, again, I even when I'm reading, I'm like, oh, my God, they're, they're tying these things into a lot of other stuff, including a doomsday clock and even the books that uh, Flashpoint Beyond and beyond that with the books that Jeff Johns is coming we are out setting up some serious shit with that Flashpoint Beyond stuff going on and even in this book with the idea of what has happened to Wally West ever since the Flashpoint happened New 52 happened he was taken away from continuity because of the dark multiverse slash whatever the fucking Dr. Manhattan stuff we have going on there we have all of this stuff going on it's it's boiling over to the point where I can't wait for the see what the face of the Flash looks like going forward I mean the series obviously because there is so much going on here to the point where it's like, look, um, the Flash family, we need to go out. And Linda doesn't want the kids to go out because they're kids. So they can get hurt, especially with Slade and the secret society just wrecking house all across the earth. But the idea is like, Wally, you told me that in the future they grow up to be fine. But can we actually let them do this? Yeah, it's going to be fine. We'll do this. I, I won't let them do any of the heavy hit and stuff like that. 
So even the idea that Mr. Terrific went and made a costume for Linda Park, and when she comes out looking at her, you know, speed for herself, it's not the greatest costume in the world, but when Jay, Jay Garrick sees it's like, Judy, which harkens back, it's just one little thing about the idea of Judy Garrick, this mysterious maybe daughter figure in his past that Jeff Johns been playing with ever since that Stargirl uh, Spring Break special. It's right out there, but we're going to move into that. And even by the end, when we get to Clarion, who's too much of a heavy hitter, and Wally knows, like, we got to get the kids out of here. This is too much for what we're playing with. He's talking about the idea. You've, you've, pardon me, you've sat in the chair. You know it's going. You're fracturing hypertime and all what it means. There's so much more that's going on in Wally West's life that he, then it even seems like he knows about, but Clarion knows something is coming based on what he's experienced in the past and what he's been through so far with his, you know, flash forward adventures and whatnot. And I'm like, you are building up some amazing stuff in the flashback while on top of it being a dark crisis tie-in. Yeah, and with that, I think that Jeremy Adams shows that he, I, I think that he does great with all these characters too. The characters that end up having the speaking deal. Though I wish at one point when Jay is going on and on with Arsenal and his hat, I wish Damien would have come over and said, listen, I've talked to him about this before. He's well, that's not such that. a great thing because I was thinking about the idea when you had like it was um it was death of the family. I think it was when Red Hood and Arsenal came to the Wayne Manor so they could all talk about what the Joker was doing and the idea like, hey, what's up, redneck man and stuff along yeah, those he's lines. Yeah, like, hey, trucker hat guy. And now you have really Jay calling that. him out about the idea that heroes don't wear ball caps. I really wanted, take yeah, it off? I really, I wanted Damien to come by and say, listen, you're talking on deaf ears there. I told but the funny play is Irie really putting Damien in his place with a little so psychology good. and Damien not knowing what to say and just walking off kind of pissed off. But I think he kind of that's something in my mind that, that she just earned Damien's love. I'm telling well, you, the thing he is will now Damien, do anything to protect her. I know he would. He might be one of the boys who are bad sometimes, but even the idea where he's there to give Wallace West kid flash and shit about what's going on in his life and stuff around being a babysitter on those lines. And Irie just kind of puts him in his place, talks a little bit shit back and then Damien just walks off a little. You know, he can't say anything to this young girl because he's a he could be sometimes he's a bad boy, but he's not that bad. It's just even the idea of how simple it is because he's the boy winner. But my mom says that mean people are mean because they are trying to make up for not feeling as good as everyone else. He just looks at that girl and he just walks off. Yeah, and there's because Stephanie he Brown can't like, really. Hi, what is he going to say? Stephanie, and this is Cass. We'd like to be your best friends. I like that. I so like amazing. Like what's Damien? Yeah, well, you're the one who doesn't like he has nothing to say. You it's right on the mic. It's funny. It's right on the money. And what I like about that is in some books here that we're worried maybe he's regressing a bit, even the Mark Wade Batman versus Robin deal where I, he's being controlled. But even so, we like this progression that we've had in the Robin book from Joshua Williamson. And this doesn't re- this really plays on that, because what what Irie says about Damien there is what fans of Damien say. Listen, he's not bad. He's just always upset because he's you know, he's the little guy and he wants it. So it was great. I thought it was really good. And the stuff tying in with Judy. One day we'll learn who Judy Garrick is. But yeah, it's a really cool play. And even stuff like we haven't really seen the JSA in full. The last time we saw the full team lined up like that was that Doomsday Clock number 12. When they and first so came you back, end up yeah. having that. Yeah. So all this and the funny play is I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, this really is pushing stuff that Jeff Johns has done. And not even re- I'm like. Oh, I'm a dummy. He's yeah. doing the Flashpoint Beyond with Jeff Dunn. <laughs> so this is where, as an aside, I did end up asking full out Jeremy Adams because he's setting up so many cool things with Wally. And I'm really afraid because of the sales and whatnot that once you have Dark Crisis, he'll be off the book. Maybe somebody who whatever comes on and we like it, but I'm really worried about it. But when I read this, I'm thinking to myself, well, they might have him doing this other Jeff John stuff anyway. But I really mean you talked about it. We want a Wally West book. We want a yeah. Wally West fastest man alive type book as an aside to a Barry coming back book. And boy, the stuff setting up with the family seems to be doing it 
at a pace that he's been told that he's going to continue that. You know what I mean? It's not really pushed like balls to the wall that he's trying to throw it out. On top of all that, even with smaller size, I don't really matter for the book, but I want to know more about because, you know, the JSA have not been prominent in this form for over a decade at this point in time. So when you bring Jesse Quick back as a part of the big search for Barry on along with Max Mercury, but now they're back in, in full force, I need to know more because we have these small moments where the JSA is back. There's Jesse Quick. Oh my God, there's Rick, uh, Rick Tyler, the hour man. These two are married. Are they still married in this continuity? What's going on? Because she's like, Rick is like, I miss you, gorgeous. And I'm like, I want to know more about this relationship because the last time we seen them, she was, I think, Liberty Bell again, but she might have gone back to uh, Jesse Quick. I forget how it worked out towards the end of like, you know, pre Flashpoint. But here you go. I, I want to know more about these characters because I love them so much at a point and I've been without them for over a decade in this form. So right here, I'm just happy to know that there's the JSA on top of the Bath family, the Titans and the Flash family all getting together. I'm like, yes, these are the people that I do want to see and I want to have fun with them. I keep saying it and I think that this shows it. And the idea that I said this does have that like fun, neat feel, but it, more important because it's a dark crisis time, but still that feel that Mark Wade's trying to do over at the world's fight but it's because i realized there's the families and not even just family family but the teams and the yeah. things where they're all there they're ready to fight this big deal and that feels right it feels good this even actually and when I, you have simple things like linda doesn't want her kids off in this whole thing and there's iris like mom you heard aunt donna the world needs us so even if it's aunt donna i'm like yes you're damn right it's aunt donna let's get yeah, to work that's awesome and and even then where the kids jay and iris are begging their mom come on we want to get involved well, he's already set them up of this. What is that? And it's oh, so yeah. it's so cool. I'm telling you, the only thing that I needed a little more is when Linda is yelling at Wally. Listen, if they get hurt, like I know you taught even that little bit. This is a great callback to the first arc of Jeremy Adams' run. Yeah, I know you told me that they're not going to get hurt, but still, if they do, I want it like thumbs up in the back. They're kind of giggling, but I want it thumbs up. Now, here's a play by the end, and we'll go through the rest of the issue because it's really fun. Uh, especially when you get barbecue mentioned where I told you that I think somebody might be listening. But at the end here, when Clarion does show up, he ends up mentioning something that I thought was so smart that nobody has mentioned. And it makes so much sense when Clarion says, listen, you were on the chair. You know everything. You know, yeah. that actually made me kind of like, holy shit. Like he does. Like, is he not telling everything? Because he should know just about everything when he was on the Mobius chair. And I think that people have forgotten that idea that they're like, oh yeah, we'll just get past that flash forward deal. But that was pretty cool. And the art in this is stupendous. I thought it was really, really good. And when you get to that Clarion deal, the coloring in it with the artist, just, it's unbelievable. It's really, really good. Everything looks fun. Telling you, I'm looking at Iris dead eyes when she's looking at Damien. And usually I would laugh at that and say, oh my, but it works because she's just like, almost like, I just threw shade at you. You're not going to say anything. I'm bored with you. Now get away. And he just stumbles away. It's so funny. Even when you have these moments here where you see the, like, the different teams working and doing stuff and working together to take out this uh, secret society problem, it actually even works better than the Dark Crisis last issue that we had where we saw like the Bat family visiting people in hospitals or like you know giving out pizzas to EMT workers because what you have here is actually like, Hey, there's Robin and the Bath or the Bath family and, you know, the Flash family taking on people like the Shaggy Man. And there's Jay and the freaking Arsenal and Red Arrow taking out Multiplex. But then even the idea there's Mammoth there as well. We're actually taking out members of the Secret Society. We're actually showing dark crisis and things we're doing to stop Secret Society instead of just bullshit around it with the character being involved. Like, because when you go into this book, I don't know about you, but I kind of know that these, you know, they're heroes. I want to see them 
fighting the battle. I don't want him delivering pizza to EMTs. Especially. That's nice, but when we not get to when Animal Man and Animal Girl fighting Monsieur Mal and some random ass gorillas and the flash show, we go like, oh my God, here's Irie and Maxie and Bayer going to hang out, best, besties for life, taking out this nonsense. I'm like, Yes, this is all I want to see. Wally West and Animal Man talking about, yeah, we live in the same town. Why don't we go and have a barbecue and stuff? Yeah, exactly. We've been saying that all the time. And we even said, what were they going to serve with Animal Man and stuff? And he's like, we'll have a non-meat barbecue. I'm like, that's not a barbecue, please. But it's fun. And then you even have the idea where I think that it might lead to some trouble. Probably not. But Jay and Irie, they're having too much fun for what they're having happen. Like, this seems like it's like playtime for them. I think that something has to happen big well, time. And it kind of does at the end with the Nazi zombies. Well, even the idea of you are having a fun time, but Wally is overseeing all of this, you know, what would appear to be dangerous stuff because he knows what his kids can handle with the speed force and the, the level of villain that they're going up against and the backup that they have along those lines. When you have the JSA who need help on this forgotten nazi island that now we just have a whole bunch of nazi zombies going on and we get there and while he sees clarion and all the, the idea of the magic involved the lords of chaos like all right kids everybody we're out of here it's too much for us this is this is a too much that the we can handle right i'm like he is being a dad and that freaking switch right there from like oh we're having a good time to we done fucked up we've gone too far we need to back things up now and that is such a great moment just to see him as not even just the fastest man alive while he west the flesh but as the father of Jay and Irie West. It's true. And and as they go through, I even like the idea where people are like, Linda, you have powers. And I go, eh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later, even Animal Man. But when you see <laughs> when you see Maxine and her, just the idea, again, family. You see her working with her and dad. Friends. Oh, my dad, let me come out here. And then you have that. I think that that's what has been missing lately. And I think that that is a key ingredient for when they come back from Dark Crisis, that these books, you need the teams and you need the family. And it works. I mean, you have this here. And I just, like you said, even when you have just side characters going up and saying, oh, man, hey, gorgeous, what's I do too? But like, even where Cyborg's there, like Cyborg hasn't really, he's like, hey, nice to see you. Well, you too, Vic, just nice. I like when you see them interact and they only interact in these big, big things. And that's the problem that I've had even mentioned things that are going on because we have the Titans here and the Titans that we love and stuff like that. But Gar, he's still in the hospital, and Dick's not leaving his side because that's where we are in the part of the story. So they're not a part of the story, and it makes sense because we know what's happening right now. Because yeah, of and that's crisis. a smart play that, like you said, it doesn't ruin anything. It doesn't make anything less. It makes sense. It really does. And then it's just the like end, how the Deathstroke Incorporated book should be showing us the secret society aspect of what's going on right now instead of a Deathstroke year one, even though I'm enjoying that story. And and really, you should be playing that up instead of that year one. Like you said, you like that, but I want to see more of what's driving deathstroke just besides oh the darkness he's out there yeah yeah it would really but would have been cool to go and and also with this issue as we go through it the one big thing for me is and you you know this and it's a lot of people's thing when you have an event the cool thing is seeing characters they haven't seen in a while seeing these crazy characters and just clarion at the end i was like oh my god clarion all right he's there yeah even uh, you know monsieur mala you don't get to see Mala that much either. And just all these things going down and even playing with the idea of Warden Wolf and this trouble he's been starting and having a breakout from the prison, like all these things tie in. Everybody's broken out of the prison. I'm like, how is this going to work for Warden Wolf's mayoral candidate? Like, ideally, it's just going to hurt him. If I said to you before, like last week, I'm like, listen, this next thing, in the, I bet we're going to see Shaggy Man multiplex. Nazi zombies, and Claire Mammoth. and the Witch Boy, and Mammoth. And then out of nowhere, I just throw out like, 
just as an aside, Beth Chapel, Dr. Midnight. Are we going to get the, the you're like, Yolanda Montez for the Wildcat yeah, too. I love seeing Yolanda Montez too. So. And even the idea in the background, I love the character of Cyclone. You never get to see her. Yeah, she's going to be in a movie of Black Adam next month, but the idea of the character in the comics, the way she looks here with that homemade theater, like, you know, theater class kind of get up. I love that homemade look where she, she freaking went and saw Wicked one too many times, and this is her persona exactly. right now. I love this version of Psycho. And she's in the background. She's not doing much, but she's there. She's there. And that's the cool thing. It's almost like a Where's Waldo Because even when you have Psycho, I'm going to be in the Black Adam movie. She is wearing a proper superhero costume that I love the homemade aspect of this costume that we have here. And and just this is why, I, and this is something that's kind of a cool thing when you're reading. And then like two years from now, we end up having Jay do the thunderclap, right? He ends up doing that. And we'll be able to go, oh, my God, Power Girl told him that. That's so fun. <laughs> Power so Girl fun. taught Jay the clap. That's, you never get that in regular. That's why this we is so Power cool. Power Girl. Yeah, Power, Power Girl. Girl. Awesome. And then you end up where he then turns to Oprah. You get a clap. You get a clap. I'm like, yeah, everybody's getting a clap. What are we at? West Virginia in my 90s days. Uh, but yeah, so all this going. They end up splitting up. The actual well, did you story itself. Did you have itself, a lot of birds over there hooping everywhere? No. That was the regular kind, clap. It was the kind of a regular deal. Uh, but having the, the families there, you see how it elevates the deal because of the idea. The story itself is just fun. You're ending up taking down some things that make sense in the overall deal. But if you didn't have that nice feeling, all these interactions going on, we probably would get on and say, oh, well. They end up just like just say it was even just the Flash family. We'd still have fun, but we'd say, yeah, they didn't really do anything. They ended up stopping some minor things going on in these characters. But in this, it it just elevates it all with all of these characters. And then when you end up going, even the idea of Nazi zombie, it's just kind of really over the top. But it works because of what they're doing. They end up having to save, you know, Jay and all the rest of the JSA. A lot of them are imprisoned by. Uh, yeah, everybody gets out Aquarian. We have to like you know pretty much. It looks it looks like you know Rick Tyler, the Hour Man, is the worst off about him. So, but everybody runs off as we you know thunderclap this freaking island away as we like just run into the sunset to think to ourselves you know things are going to be different going forward. And even the idea that the Dark Crisis is escalating while we're just trying to hold back the forces of evil here because in Wally West's earpiece, like Nightwing is calling everybody back to the hall as quick as possible. It's like. We'll be, we copy. We'll be there in a flash. I'm like, perfect way to end it. Yeah, awesome. And even when you're going and you're saving, like, Jay, Jay stays out and he's clapping to everybody. <laughs> you get a clap. And they go in to this, you know, base deal, this Nazi fortress. And when they go in, everybody's there. And when Clarion starts talking, he starts to, you know, kind of monologue a bit. He thinks he's great. He's talking about the Lords of Chaos, all that stuff that works with him. But in the meantime, while he's so fast and also a callback to the we didn't love that eclipso story no but you end up seeing here that when he teamed up with everybody jld they taught him a couple minor sigils some magical wards it's not gonna end up working for long ran around query and putting these these sigils and wards around him to contain his ass like you can't contain me i'm a lord of chaos and while this is going on he's building up his power to where everybody just gives we need to fuck off right now and they run off while the mountain explodes and i love when linda's like is this gonna last long he's like no yeah, <laughs> we let's gotta go. get out of here Right there, when you have the idea, when Jay is making works. a path for everybody with the clap still, and they're outside of this whole thing, you just have Hawkman and Power Girl. I think you've created a monster. Like, just right there, I want to see so more of these nice. characters. I can't wait for the Golden Age to come out so we can get more of the JSA characters. Exactly. While the Justice League are great, they are friends, they are heroes, the JSA are always going to be a family, and I can't wait to get back to that aspect of DC Comics. I, I, I often say... The idea that we're, you know, a lot of these newer writers and Jeremy Adams is one of them that a lot of them were learning 
they're learning on the job. And it kind of sucks that you're paying for learning on the job. But Jeremy Adams has actually gone from pretty good. We started off, yeah, things weren't hitting fully. Maybe the pacing was a little off at points. But we always had something in it. It was either the regular story or the kids. And it kind of like, he's gotten so much better. Maybe it is working with Jeff Johns or at least, but something has gone where this issue is really impressive to me and really shows me that if we would have said before, hey, Jeff Johns is going to start off this JSA book, but Jeremy Adams is going to take it over, we might have been upset. I don't know if I'll be that upset anymore. This is a good time. He's my fun time boy. He is. I'm telling you, that's why it goes in with the whole Mark Wade and the world's finest. But this actually is a little more impressive because it's dead into the continuity. Also, in an event, doesn't mess up anything, actually is one of the better issues of the whole darn thing. And ends up, I don't want to curse there, darn, I said, uh, and really keep the art the way, because this art is really, really, I'm just looking at the deal with Clarion, and as he's there, and you have the JSA kind of hanging there like puppets kind of on that, it just looks so cool. Teagle's there, he doesn't do much there, but he's there, Eric, and nothing, nothing, I don't know, Meow wants, he ends up where he does things enough to make you say he knows the characters at least enough and doesn't go overboard and starts ruining things like we see a lot of times that you said people end up, you know, overstepping the deal and making it worse. But just that idea, I'm looking at it now, just Hawkman and Power Girl just so proud of what Shay doing his thunderclap and really, you know, doing that as the rest just are coming out. Holy crap, let's get out of here. And they go. And it's really cool. But like I said, even when, you end up having Clarion talking shit and says you were in the chair. You know what's coming. You see. He says, you know, that the world is rife with this nonsense. The balance has shifted like before. Before it was ordered, you know all about it. Don't you, Mr. West? And then mentions this possible new villain type deal coming. And I thought that that was really cool. You know, the fracture and things like that, whatever that is, the fraction. Uh, Matt Fraction, maybe, but yeah, that's actually yeah, what I up, thought. I read the yeah, Fraction. It's funny, it's like Matt Fraction's good. But even if that's a little wink, wink, and suddenly we find out that he's on the flashbook later, and that was just Jeremy Adams pissed off. Uh, but they get out of there. But next, uh, Wally West becomes a pro wrestler. <laughs> All right, Dark Crisis. So with that though, that seems like a lot of fun, and I think that Jeremy Adams. I don't know how that'll be a part of the Dark Crisis. No, I think that that's going to be one of those where you know they're doing their own thing. Uh, but. Yeah, it's weird because really when you get to the furthest time in the deal, and this is even past that, it's it's a weird deal. It is a weird deal, uh, but it'll be a pro wrestler. That sounds like fun. People like the dual powerbomb book by, uh, uh, what's his name, Warren Kennan Johnson. I always forget his name. I have no I'm idea. Messing up. Yeah, it's a really good book. But uh, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. I get it mixed up with Philip Kennedy Johnson. It's a really good book. So maybe we'll get a little of that play. It's a little wrestling. But at the end really good issue i really really like this issue all around what would you give it i think as i enjoy this as well i wanted to get more about the idea of you know uh, linda being pregnant and her speed force powers we're right back into the dark crisis which works for me it was a lot of fun and i like the family aspect even though like i get the idea your kids have superpowers they're conduits to the speed force they can handle themselves but even with the idea the dark crisis is going on Slade Wilson, the Terminator, and his entire freaking army of supervillains are out there. All right, come on, kids. I know he does back things up when he gets the things that are a little too complicated for them because of magic and whatnot, Lords of Chaos, but it seems a little like over the top. But I, I still enjoy this issue a lot. 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going uh, probably a 9.5, Erica. It's a banger to me. I think it's one of the better issues that we had. The only thing that I'll say is maybe you could have played it up where Wally says, listen, they're safer with us, even us going into this. 
Because Slade, he's a wacko. He might just come and get them and they don't have anywhere else because everybody's balls to the wall. Everybody's, you know, answering the call. Especially if he wants to end a legacy. And delivering pizza and stuff. That's what the others are doing, right? In the dark crisis, there's nobody to babysit. And and really, maybe you're like, well, we could have somebody babysit, but then they're in trouble. They're in danger. Well, we're going to get the Red Tornado, if... but his ass went to space with freaking Wonder Girl. Well, and yeah, and see, that's what happens. He's in space doing nonsense and they're in the invisible jet. I don't know. But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really good. Actually has me really, really impressed with Jeremy Adams right now. And I told him that, Eric. I let him know. And he thanked me. He did. He said, thank you. Can you imagine that? What a world we live in. Uh, The next book, though, is what we had at the beginning and the song, The Bad Boys. Or The Boys Were Bad. I always say The Bad Boys. Nightwing number 96, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo, Kyle Felipe, Adriano Lucas, and Wes Abbott. Uh, I have been critical of this book. I end up saying a lot of times that Dick Grayson doesn't do his own dirty work and that the pacing ends up being at the end. Nothing really happens. I like this issue. I like it because Dick Grayson does things on his own and actually says, no, everybody else do the other things. That's a good setup. There's a lot of trouble right now going on in Bloodhaven. So you guys do that. I think I want to beat up Blockbuster right now. I think I want to take him down in the play, though. I was really worried by the end where the uh, he knows Dick Grayson is Nightwing, right? Yeah. Then he starts to make connections. I'm like, he's oh, got to no, die. I would say the whole thing because he knows he's Dick Grayson. He knows Dick Grayson's past because he's a fucking billionaire. Now the freaking eyes of the world are on Dick Grayson and what he's doing in Bloodhaven. Oh, you mean that boy who was raised by billionaire Bruce Wayne? Oh, but how would he do? Oh, my God. Bruce Wayne is Batman. All these things going on, though, when you make these connections and even the idea that we ended with the cliffhanger of Blockbuster now knows that Nightwing is, in fact, Dick Grayson. I knew already by the end of this, Blockbuster's going to die because Heartless is going to come out and kill him. He and has to die. And it's the worst part because you have just ruined the aspects of Blockbuster. that I, I had a big problem before. We had the idea of the previous Nightwing. So actually, I think it was the beginning of this Nightwing series. We had him back in Bloodhaven, and you had a Blockbuster, but you made sure at the end of that story arc, you made sure that Roland could never become Blockbuster again, even though this kind of goes against that continuity. That ruined the idea of Blockbuster and what he could be in Bloodhaven because you made sure he could never be Blockbuster again. Tom Taylor comes on. Oh, no, Blockbuster's fine. And what does he do right now? I don't know how many issues we've done so far with Tom Taylor on Nightwing, but you've ruined Blockbuster because you've killed him off. Nightwing's Nightwing's biggest freaking villain and the idea like you is his kingpin of Bloodhaven. This amazing character who's a hulking beast of a man, but also this big brain character. Look at the big brain on Blockbuster. You have all of this going on. But even by the end, the idea that Blood uh, Heartless comes and kills Blockbuster, it feels weird because he even says the idea, no one cares about you anymore. The city, like, it seems like Heartless even goes against his own rules it in does, order to kill Blockbuster. That's a problem. The problem with this is you've wasted too much time between the introduction of Heartless. And now to get this, this has been a year, year or so where you've gone through this whole deal. And when Heartless comes back here, he seems to have changed his MO a bit. He seems to have gone because the big thing was the play of, and it works out. You know, you end up having these theme villains. You want to have their little gimmicks and whatnot, you know, like a Two-Face and stuff. Well, this was, you have to kill somebody, but the only way you can kill them is if they're loved by somebody, where they end up, so I'm going to take your heart and all this, where he tries to fudge it at the end. But even so, we saw a huge jar before. For what we thought was or Blockbuster's Buster's heart. heart. There was a really, I mean, even even said it at one point, like, I got somewhere for you. This huge ass jar. In this, I think Tom Taylor is trying to fudge the idea of, wink, wink, hey guys, the reason why we haven't seen Heartless in a year, or, you know, what happened about, 
he was working on his gun because he had to retroactively make it bigger because of the heart that you would have in you know a blockbuster yeah. so i don't i i thought that that it was even ridiculous seems like he plans on putting blockbuster's heart in his own body yeah well that was the thing you you started doing that the one of the last times that he yeah. was there in when, his, when blockbuster screwed him up it's funny because i like this issue more than a lot of the ones we had because of what dick grayson does but even how to resolve this you still end up kind of being almost not cringy but eye-rolling of how they end up stopping blockbuster and everything going on in fact when you get to where a kid throws a bucket of water on blockbuster take that we don't want you here no more blockbuster the funny thing is you're more of a blockbuster fan than me even though nightwing i love but blockbuster in my mind he ends up i don't know he gets boring and at this point i think something had to happen he leaves or whatnot but when a kid throws water on his face i think that is so much shade like that to me is worse than him dying because you come back from dead all the time but the idea that the little kid shamed him in front of everybody. I'm like, boy, you really want to show that Blockbuster is <laughs> nothing. I mean, that is your weak sauce, Blockbuster. I'm telling you, Get weak sauce, here, Blockbuster, at least at the last second, should have gotten up and popped that kid's head like a grape. Oh, my God. I'm telling you. Or just all these people just standing around like smugly looking at Blockbuster like he's nothing. I'm like, Well, no. even the idea where Blockbuster during this fight with Nightwing, he's calling upon b- backup with a, like a Brutal and, you know, a- Electrocutioner. And when they do show up, they're being held off by Batgirl and Batwoman. He's like, hey, look, you guys can break, like, you know, start a fight and go in there and help your boss. But first, look at the stats I have first, on my let iPad. Me go, yeah, first, let me go and Google this up. Wait a minute, I don't have a great connection, so you're going to have to wait a little. Hey, everybody, what does this mean that there's a 304 error? That's you got a wrong page. Oh, sorry. I got, oh, I put some wrong. Le- like the idea that these bloodthirsty, awful these... people will stop to read an iPad. It just, it's too they're, much. They're, they are henchmen. They are goons of Blackfister, but they are pretty like, you know, they're decent villains for Bloodhaven and for Nightwing. But the idea now that they've learned that Roland is actually the, the owner of a private prison that they were both a part of. For some reason, Roland never got him out of there, even though he owns the prison. Seems weird, like, we don't fucking work for you anymore. You know, I spent two years of my life in that hellhole that you call a prison. I'm out of here. Go fuck yourself, Roland. They drive away. I'm like, you kind of, it feels weird to the point where this is almost becoming a joke, where even the good guys let Electrocutioner and Brutel go. They let him go. That shouldn't happen. Also, uh, the idea where I, you know, here I am. I don't know what my... You know, short stuff. That's my villain name. Short fuse. Like, you blow up with your temper. I just, yeah, okay. Short fuse. I love that all these villains are there. Tiny. And you, you, like, <laughs> do they all funnel in line? Do they get in line like they're going to see the queen to read this? Or does Brutel, you know, yell out to him? Hey, this Who's is the strongest reader here. And, and, and maybe some of them aren't so strong a reader like me. It would take forever. But he's like, why is he now looking out the window? We're not. We're outside. There's no window. I, I'm just so distracted. But here's me. Okay, what does this say? Oh, it says that that Roland, he owns that jail. Oh, right. That means when I go there next, it'll be pretty cool, right? I would have actually assumed he just bought. I'm so dumb. I'd be like, all right, that's cool. Then I won't go there ever again. Ready to go, Roland. So in all of Blockbuster's criminal empire, it turns out all he has is electrocution or brutal because nobody else is willing to go in there and help his ass for some reason because he owns his ass in prison. Yeah, and then even then they tell him, you know, hey, go fuck yourself. And you end up having a fun little it's deal with these deals. It's very to me because you just have a fight where Nightwing does take it to the streets. Oh, not really, but I love the he thing finally with Nightwing takes it to Blockbuster, Blockbuster because you're always complaining that everybody else is fighting his battles where the Titans will come in. You have the Bath family coming. You have all these different things. Even John Ken Superman comes in 
but now it's Nightwing mano a mano against his biggest freaking enemy that he has in Blockbuster and his biggest problem against making Bloodhaven the city he wants it to be. And it all feels weird because I'm just sitting there watching this badass fight where Nightwing is a capable fighter. He's one of the best in the, like, you know, hand-to-hand combats people there is because he was raised by Bruce Wayne Batman. But I know that there's going to be a swerve because Blockbuster can't survive this because he now knows that Dick Grayson is, is freaking Nightwing and it doesn't work for me just because I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop the entire time. No, I think that the problem is, is that you're wanting to go with this book and we have had so many issues. And as I said in that song, Tom Taylor, this is the greatest of great guys. Dick Grayson can't do anything wrong. He's never going to do anything bad. So when you end up trying to play with the idea that maybe Roland dies getting kicked out that building, you know that's not going to happen. He's not going to have Dick Grayson kill him. So something else has to happen because he has to die. Once you hear him say, oh, I'm going to give that Bruce Wayne a call. I'm going to end up with those Titans. The funny thing is he mentions the Titans who actually already put him in his place once, if not yeah. twice in this whole series. I'm like, yeah, you go and try that blockbuster. But in the meantime, a little kid throws water on him. I'm like, ooh, you really Suck declined. <laughs> you really went down with it. Suck yeah, so all that going on. And the way that it ends, I just think that overall, even though it's lasted a bit, I don't think that Tom Taylor was that interested in any sort of story pretty much with Blockbuster. He's made to do it or whatnot. It ends up working because it's a classic. I care way more about Blockbuster than some kind of android that steals people's hearts. Yeah, I think that he wants more of that. So you wasted all this time. And then with like Blockbuster's great, like a kingpin. Where you just have him keep manipulating things behind the deal, especially this blockbuster, right? Manipulating, and then you don't know. Oh my god, was that blockbuster did that? And all the while, you have Dick Grayson Nightwing trying to bring him down, but can't prove it or whatnot. But then you just go online and have a tablet. Hey, look, he owns this prison you guys stayed in. Like really? Now, I will like, tell you this: when Electrocutioner and uh, Brutal are driving away, and Electrocutioner's at the skylight, and you have him flipping him off, and like you have the comic codes of authority thing over top, so you can't, can't see the freaking curse words or the middle fingers. It's a funny moment, but it it just feels so out of hand for what we're dealing with right now, where this is the big climax of Nightwing being the best, and we're just having Electrocutioner flipping people off and telling him Kingpin or Kingpin Blackbuster go fuck himself. It's funny, Electrocutioner in this, he has this look here, and nobody but Luke Hollywood even know what I'm talking about if, if you're listening. The idea that he looks like this guy Gigi from a manga, Dan to Dan, with that pose, it looks really a lot like him. It made me giggle. But it's fun. But here's the thing. What Tom Taylor does like to do is have the personal moments with Dick and, and Barbara. the best part of the and book, and is. I love and it. And that's what I think he's trying to get to. Like, You know what, Barbara? Blockbuster knows who I am now, and that, you know what that means? He knows that Nightwing is Dick Grayson, and that puts you and everybody I love in danger. So even though we've been doing the smoochy-smoochy lately, and I've been saying the L-word like love, I don't think that we can be together anymore. It's like, you stupid, silly boy. You know nothing, Dick Grayson. We're going to be together forever because I don't know if you know this or not, but back in the Metalverse during Dark Knight's death, Metal. No, you she and I got married. That. She's like, she don't remember. She should have. I like what she's like. F that. And and said, listen, are you happy? You know what, Dick? And that's the fun play of going into that world's finest to this. Well, there we saw the Dick Grayson. That guy was having a ball. He loved it. That was new on the scene. The, the darkness didn't hit him. He's hitting on the ladies yet. I mean, the darkness of just the world itself, not the great yes. darkness. And he's kind of forgotten. And I think that the idea in this where you can pull it back and think of what tom taylor has done you have had dick grayson trying to make everybody happy but is is he happy himself is that and 
pushing Barb away would not make him happy. So she says, fuck that. Hashtag dick babs forever. Are you happy? Do you like the place you're in right now? And when he does say, listen, I've had like the worst. I've been shot, beaten up. I'm getting all. But you know what? But yeah, this is the best. This time is I've obvious. Had in my and life. I think that the play here, and I think that they kind of, you should have had Melinda in this issue just a little bit because when he says that, I think that that includes finding out he had a sister and Barbara and Haley. Gives a shit about her because we ain't doing nothing with her. I know, but I really thought. You know, this is a I got a three like a dog. I got a redheaded girlfriend, and I got a sister that my daddy screwed around with that I never knew about. I mean, sorry, that that came off wrong. He screwed around with. That's why I have a sister. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And also, wow. he stopped the boys who were bad. I mean, he's done Best everything in this. So yeah, he says. But no, I love I'm this happy. part with it's Dick great. and Babs, and even the idea. It's like you know, when you have the idea where they give like you know give each other like the holding hand situations, like yeah. Oracle and Nightwing, Batgirl and Robin, Dick and Babs forever. And he's like, that forever. sounds pretty perfect. Yeah, when she says forever, he's like, whoa, 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 I'm a billionaire. You better sign we're up. We're getting yeah. married. Prenup. Yeah, and I think that there's, and I've been saying that you'd have a wedding at 100. It's too, that's not going to happen. I think they get engaged. I was thinking about it today and even talking to some other people. Jim, unless you they already elope. have it. It's fine. Well, that is true. But that didn't matter. Batman you ain't no you priest. The you know, priest, he's there. He is in the metal verse. He's not a guitarist either, but he's got that badass That is axe. true. Yeah, that's why he played bass, Eric. Boom. So with that, though, a lot of those marriages probably got to know that happened at the end of end of times. Uh, but in that, yeah, you end up where the sexy guy, too. Look at that hair. I mean, you, you, yeah, you got to work at that hair in his face looking that good. But. I just love the idea that you have Nightwing here and that itty bitty little mask he has come off and there's blocks. Oh my God, Nightwing's Dick Grayson. And then he puts the mask back on. I'm like, it doesn't matter. If you just look at you, you know it's Dick Grayson. I just want him to go like, whoa, where did Dick Grayson go? Like, he's so <laughs> dumb. Also, I want to point out. He's a, not a dumb guy. His brother got dumb. Roland is a smart man. Whoa, whoa, what are you? Chris Angel, you're mind freaking me here. Where's the Dick Grayson's? <laughs> I actually made a comment at the end of the last issue that I said, ooh, we're going to get a bunch of people swooping in again because the mask got taken off and they ended up having that protocol early. I thought that there was a misplay here. And then Tom Taylor out of nowhere goes, Dick Grayson says, oh, my mask got damaged. I'm like, OK, he did it right. I mean, that, that whole <laughs> signal did not go out because his mask was damaged. Hey, where's the Dick Grayson? What are you over here? You're David Copperfield. The, even the, that's the thing. You get so upset at Blockbuster getting killed. But yet he's like running through the sea. He just looks like a schmuck at the end. He gets well, water I don't even know. Everybody him. is just allowed to run away or drive away because our heroes are so incompetent that we don't put bad guys away anymore. And the funny play is it's almost as if the the good guys are like, yep, our job's done. Like, they're so busy. Well, the thing is, we stopped all of Blockbuster's freaking organizations throughout with the freaking Titans and all these other things in the last issue. We stopped human trafficking, drugs, guns. Everybody has been shut down. That was all Blockbuster's watch. But I'm sure with all that stuff that we had the information from the former commissioner, we could use that to also bring down Blockbuster and everybody involved in Blockbuster's freaking organization. But no, run off, everybody. Drive off. We're the Bat family. We can get do that shit later. I'm like, you suck. And then he runs right into Heartless. And at that point, I mean, you have to think, Dick Grayson, instead of what is the best part, hey there, Barbara, yeah, you need to go away, hey, yakety yak, he better get his Job's ass out there. not done yet. He better get his ass out there because Blockbuster is running around knowing who you are. He could just go right to the press. I would just be yelling it at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I mean, he starts up, he's like, oh man, I wish I had more Twitter followers, but maybe this will trend. He starts trending it out there. I mean, this is bad for more people than just Dick Grayson. 
So stop, stop your nonsense. But in the way, and this is something that I said a lot of times Tom Taylor will do, even with his politics and stuff, where it's to set up a scene, but then it never carries out well because Tom Taylor knows that Blockbuster ain't getting nowhere. He's going to run into an alley, right? Where you going? Nowhere. So having that, it felt weird. Like I said, at the one point, Dick Grayson claims I am going to help all these homeless kids. Seems to take two months, but the proclamation is out there, he and then you kind of go there. He gets there eventually because Tom Taylor knows he will. It's all about big gestures and grandstanding. You don't actually have to do anything yeah, real in exactly. life. Yeah, exactly. So with that, though, Blockbuster just runs down the worst alley ever, it seems, and he runs right into, or at least as he's running, it seems heartless, jumps off. You have a pretty bad day, Blockbuster? I thought you was dead. I got better. Yeah, and he's like, I got better, and also I got a bazooka to get your heart out. And he ends and up. And now, previously, we had the idea the heartless is going around and killing people and taking their hearts from people who would be really loved and missed by their death. That was the idea. People loved the people that he was taking the hearts from. And this one now it seems like you've lost the only thing you truly cared about. Bloodhaven has turned against you. It's like I'll get it back. No, you won't. You've been the corrupt heart of this city for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you know, he just takes the heart. Of this whole thing, he takes he takes Blockbuster's heart with his big freaking bazooka heart stealing <laughs> gun that he has. He's like, "Don't worry, your heart's still going to be the center of Bloodhaven. It'll just be beating in my chest." So now we have Blockbuster dead. Bloodhaven, like the heartless, is now gone against his own rules just to get Blockbuster out of the way, and it feels very disappointing it, to a it degree. Does. Just because everything kind of ended weird, right? Than heartless and heartless hasn't done much for me throughout this whole series so far. It's taken too long to get back to heartless in my mind. And he's kind of drives and drives. Now in this, this is where I talk about, you know, I'll see if Tom Taylor plays it out right now. Blockbuster's dead body is in an alley without a heart. This gets out. The last thing that we saw or anybody would have seen is Nightwing fighting Blockbuster. You only can make that connection. That they would think Show that Nightwing went and ended up doing that even just in the court of popular opinion, you would think. And, and you could have that some people think it's a great thing. Some people think it's a bad. But I don't think it's even going to be referenced in that. They're just going to say, oh, they found Blockbuster's body. He's dead. Oh, thank God. Oh, I mean, that's a shame. Kind of wish Maggie Sawyer was here, too. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Yeah. To get everything, since this is the finale of the story, I think that you should have had all that stuff, even if it was Maggie with. Batwoman and Barbara with the, the tablet because she would kind of maybe know some information and stuff like that. It's I don't funny, know, too, when you had Batgirl and Batwoman blocking off the entrance from Brutal and Electrocution. I actually forgot that Batwoman was in the last story. I'm like, what's she doing here? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. I wish she would work with the rest of the Bat family more. Yeah, I, I do, too. And, I mean, you have little things where, like, Dick Grayson hits him with the Moby Dick book. I'm like, I, I don't even know what you're trying to pull there, but, hey, I like it. Uh, uh, with that, though, yeah, it's, it's weird. I end up liking the idea. I just thought like there was all already with Dick there and stuff, you know, getting sexy. That's what I thought, Eric, uh, as well as the big white whale as well. But when you right. do that, <laughs> pointing out that and then you end up having it. And Call me quick way. It ended up like a gag. I mean, it really did by the end of this. And that was a little disappointing. But I like the interactions with Barbara and Dick. I like Dick doing his own work. I like him finally fighting Blockbuster. but. Yeah, Blockbuster dying is a little little bit, you know, off. And just the, I'm telling you, a kid throwing water at him and he's just like running around. Oh, no. You can storm this building and help your boss, but first look at my iPad. Uh, uh. <laughs> I enjoy the issue overall. It's just small moments with here with how it works out with Nightwing finally overcoming his big bad. It's fine. It's just overall, this didn't impress me as much as I wanted to, even though with the art, it's amazing throughout. It, yeah, I, I just, the funny play is you have them look at the tablet off panel. Because just think of that scene. 
they're all huddled around. I can't What's see. What's this weird here? I can't see over there. Oh, what's going on? And they, yeah, it's just crazy. It's so goofy to think of them walking over there and not them slicing throats. Like you have crazed killers walk over to read an iPad. Oh, man. I mean, I'm telling you, they'd still be like, well, I'm still going to kill you, but I'll, I'll talk to Blockbuster about this later. There's a bullshit. But yeah, it's kind of a weird play. Like he was desperately trying to figure out a way to end this in this one issue to get that done and it just played a little bit cringy or or a little eye rolling like i said but what would you give it i would give this a 7.3 out of 10 yeah i'm 7.5 so i I still like the the bigger moments and i like what we leave this in even if it is blockbuster dead i don't think that blockbuster ended up like it almost came to a point stat where's that resin blockbuster finds out the identity of Nightwing, that's bad. But also knows about Melinda. He knows way too much. You can't continue with him in this book or somebody's going to die or people are going to get their I- identity revealed. And well, I I'm do- telling you, I thought they were going to get crazy there for a second when Dick's talking to Barbara about how we can't be together because everybody I love is going to be in danger with all this shit. I thought there was going to be this over-the-top kind of thing where Dick Grayson, like, Blockbuster will keep to himself, but he'll keep it a personal vendetta while he use all his power and freaking, like, resources in order to make Dick Grayson, anybody he loves, life miserable to the point where he will send anybody he can after them, where Dick Grayson will never have a moment's rest. I'm like, that could have been really cool. Oh, wait, Blockbuster's yeah, dead. Well, and, and just get this, the idea, hey there, Blockbuster, you don't get it. I love all those people and they love me. I'm, I got the biggest heart there is. I'm the hearted guy. And then you end up where Blockbuster. What's that you say? Yeah, and Heartless <laughs> runs in the Blockbuster and actually says, you did it. This is like, now we find out this was all Blockbuster's plan to get everybody to even love Dick Grayson even more and show that they need him and show that they'll support him. I'm telling you, they high five and go off at the end there of you think he's going to get Blockbuster's heart, but he ends up saying, now you did it. Thank you, Blockbuster. That's our plan all along to really up the ante, even with that idea of Barbara saying, fuck that. We're in love. We're going to be there. Boy, Dick Grayson's right for the picking then. And I think that might have been a really, really cool play. And in the meantime, I don't know. Heartless <laughs> goes. And by the way, don't reveal identity. I don't like that. Something wrong, but something weird. But in that, I think that that might have been a better play with that overall, maybe to, you know, make the blockbuster fans of the world a little happier like an Eric Shea, but I still did like the, you know, moments, the personal moments and things like that. And as I was going to say, besides blockbuster being dead, and again, I don't think in this book that I really still care about the heartless. I think most people are here to see Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson get together. That's what they want, and that's what it seems to get. And that's what I want, too. So that's the thing is, when I saw that that. spot, I thought to myself, like, is this going to be a bigger thing for Blackbuster and Nightwing going forward? But also, is it this dramatic moment that I fucking hate because I want Babs and Dick (laughs) to be together more than anything? So it was a weird, like, double-edged sword of emotion until everything came together by the end, like, Oh, I got Dick and Babs, but I got nothing with Blackbuster now. Look, I don't care what anybody says. You have freaking Lois Lane, Superman, and all these other people, but the perfect couple in the DC universe is Batgirl and Nightwing, and they'll always be that way. Yeah, and I, I would expect that if it is, and I think that... Sorry for all you Dick and Starfire stands oh out there. And if you end up where that issue 100 will be oversized, obviously. And if you are going to... I don't. I think it's too quick from now to have a wedding, but an engagement would be pretty cool. But I also hope that they get like somebody like Gail Simone, who ended up wanting to have them get married before. Maybe she has a little story in it where you have like an anthology type deal that they do a lot with these you know, big milestone issues and things like that. Ah, the next book is Catwoman number 47. Speaking of leaving somebody at the altar, Eric, oh my goodness gracious. Written by Teeny Howard, 
art by Caitlin Yarsky, Jordi Belair, Tom Napolitano, and Josh Reed. And if you are playing at home, you might realize there are two letters, Tom Napolitano and Josh. A lot never, of words. I don't think I've ever seen that before of two letters. And that is crazy. And I think that things have been changed. You end up where Teeny Hour jumps on Catwoman after that Ram V run. And this should be a big thing. They're touting it as, uh, okay, we're starting new. We're doing all this. And in six issues, there's been four artists. That's weird. That is not something that it seems like is being planned out or whatnot. So I don't know what's going on. In this book, you end up, and even the solicit for this issue had Nico Leone listed as being back on art. Like almost like he's back. Well, he's not back. You end up having this Caitlin Yarsky does a decent enough job. I don't mind the art at all in this, but you end up having a story where we were in Gotham and we were doing some smart stuff with Celine and it felt right the way she was doing it. I don't know why you want to just continue this and get out of Gotham to continue it anyway. And then that go is the around. Weirdest it's point weird. This whole damn story, because even the idea at the end of the last issue, where we were feel like we felt like we we're in a good place in Gotham with taking down the mob families, even though it was like, you know, we did the black mass stuff and the black mass is still in the periphery somewhere, still working with the mob family. It felt weird for where we were, but it felt like we we're in a decent place in that for like being in Gotham where we want to be. So when Selena's like, I need a vacation, take me to Valmont to somewhere that's going to be great. We're going to do a great heist. And then we get to the idea that we are going over overseas into Europe and there is going to be a great heist involved. But everything that Valmont and Selena are going to be doing is all related to the mob families back in Gotham still. I'm like, why did, like, why? And even in the periphery where this is all going on, I don't know how this really affects any of the mob families going forward with, you know, their brothers that are yeah, in other countries that had, whose eh? wives want to take over the family business. And then you have the financier who's from Gotham who was brought out here who won't flip sides. So he's going to get killed. I'm like, you're doing a lot of weird stuff. And even the idea that we have to break into a bank to get the information about in a safety deposit box about how this one guy's trafficking women that Tim Drake told us about. What? what? <laughs> and that's the thing. It's a weird play to convolute a story that didn't need it. And then when you do that, it, it makes you just scratch your head of what's going on. It, it takes you a bit and you're ending up having to explain things where we were already good with where we were. And then you have even the idea, oh, no, back in Gotham Dario's and like, why are you doing this tug of war? There was no reason. Like a lot of times you'll have a reason why, oh, I get it. Selena had to get out of Gotham because there's this going on there and it wouldn't make sense. Or no, no, it's just no. her. It almost felt like we had to make her a James Bond-esque character in like jet setting across the Europe or even have a snowmobile it's chase like with snipers in the background. It's like exactly. for your eyes only when you go. One of the ones I watched there. And so even that, when you're doing this, you end up where when they left, like you International said. International woman it, of mystery. Yeah, it was Catwoman. like the Dario take me away. Like we thought. And, and we were, or Valmont, we thought we were, we were upset a bit. Like, oh, here we go. Don't take a Magnum PI vacation again. We got shit going on here. When you see that it, it doesn't make sense then. And it didn't feel right. And even the scenes where you go through the, everything felt disjointed. They didn't feel connected in my mind that I was actually like, this is the sort of story that you want to have, like a spy story or a, a theft or that. So, like, you want to be on edge. Oh, I, oh, my God, I hope this plan works. I think that this, you really don't get that. You just get thrown into scene after scene where even at one point, the big play at the beginning is they go in and they end up having old Finbar. Well, that's the thing. We're, we, we have the idea. First, we're going to go to Switzerland to a lovely ski chalet. And you know what? There's Finbar Sullivan's brother, you know, Declan. He he lives over there with his wife, Abigail. They're part of the family as well. But 
Old Declan, he's not happy that they, he believes that his brother Finbar is under your thumb because you gave Onyx to him as a boxer, and now like you, he owes you a favor. And I'm like, all right, all right, but but guess what, Declan? His he's not too smart upstairs, but his wife Abigail, she's the brains of the operation, so she actually wants Declan to like you know flip against his brother Finbar and go and do all the stuff so she can take control of the Sullivan family. Like, Did you need any of that? All right, you know what I'm I mean? like, all right, all right, we're going to Switzerland to do all this stuff, and then for some reason there's some guy there. Hey, Valmont, who's that guy over there? I don't know. Well, thankfully, Dario is calling. Dario, I'm going to put, put you on video phone right now. Tell me, who's this guy who's meeting with Declan and Abigail? Oh, it doesn't surprise me that Valmont doesn't know this guy. You know where he's from? Gotham. Gotham. <laughs> he's, his name is Iskander Tedesi. He's one of the <laughs> family. Iskander Tedesi. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. That's a weird-ass name to be from Gotham. But you know what? He's the family's international financier. All right. All right. So we get the idea. He's here to meet with the family so he can flip on Finbar so he gets under Declan's thumb, but he won't do it. So now they want him dead, but for some reason they have snipers outside who are just going to blow his room apart, even though it's a part of the building that the, the Sullivans own and are making a big thing. I'm like, you could you could just go in there and kill him if that's what you want, or just give him some time to decide if he's going to flip or not. This seems like a weird situation where now Catwoman is going to save his ass. It becomes for your eyes only, where we're then going to jet like, you know, helicopter away, you to safety and me to a safety deposit box. Yeah. And, and here's like all that, right? And you even have the play where this uh, finance series, like, Oh, I knew when they called me that they were going to kill me because they're mad at Finbar and I'm Finbar's guy, but they want me to flip it. They know I won't. And then we get I'm like, what are we doing here? And just the idea where she ends up saying, hey, uh, Dario, you recognize this guy? And he's like, oh, my God, I recognize that guy. He's from Gotham. We didn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> Can't really go undercover with Valmont. He's too good looking. Like, they would all be looking, who's that good looking dude? While Selena has her well, phone whenever up. Whenever you see Valmont out and about, he always has that, like, ghost maker mask on. So people don't recognize no, him. No, I don't mean that they know he's Valmont. I'm saying that he's probably the best looking in the deal. Yeah. So when you go in and there's only three people in this chalet, I think they're all looking. And Selena has her phone up there. You see who that is? Who's that? Oh, man, that's that. Oh, yeah, they're not being inconspicuous at all. But when you get into the story, you end up jumping through a lot of hoops that didn't need to be jumped to a lot of extraneous info. I mean, just the idea that you set up that this guy, you know, Declan has been hit too much. He's in the concussion protocol. So he's kind of, you know, dumb. And his wife, that, his, his wife takes control of the situation. You don't need that. You don't even need the idea. All you needed to have was we I have don't to need go to, to be this. in Switzerland. Yeah, we have the, even if you go to Switzerland, like we have to be at this meeting because I heard it happen in Valmont who should know everything, does. But in the meantime, you're just trying to pull all this stuff in and nobody seems like they have any clue of what's Even going on. Even the idea and where we then take a helicopter from Switzerland to Vienna, Austria, because we got to go to the safety deposit box to get the information about the women that were being trafficked previously, which, you know, Catwoman for a second got all mad at Valmont. Oh, she, she knew she about this. out. I mean, she went But then you had the, the situation where they just have people coming to stop them from taking this and they just kick their asses and get out. But we have to... Go on and do more stuff where we can't because we find out that Dario, who has been cat sitting for Catwoman, he's been kidnapped by his ex boyfriend Noah, who's going to take control of his father's like you know mobs uh, like uh, organization, and he's going to take out Dario because you know Dario and him were lovers, and he can't have any Noah can't have anybody knowing that he's gay and he's a loose end, so he's going to go and kill him. So he's in the trunk of Noah's car right now, calling Catwoman overseas because you know, he has two phones. I need you to come back here because I'm going to be killed. Noah's going to kill me, and they're like. It's going to be take us 10 hours to get back to the States. And I'm like, the idea at that point in my mind is like, well, you call somebody in the bad family, you know, like Tim Drake, who were you just talking about, who was telling you about the women trafficking that you worked with previously, call his ass to save Noah. I mean, uh, Dario, but we can't do that because then the Dario is like this. 
I don't know where in Europe you are, but I have an Aunt Me in Tuscany. I was always, I've always trusted her. I'm like, all right, so you're about to die. You're in the back <laughs> of a trunk right now. I saw you're, you're on your freaking way to your grave. Now we're going to fly to Tuscany to do something with an ant that you trust? Like, how is this helping you in the present? By the way, I looked it up, four-hour flight. So when you end up Tuscany, and they have to even get somewhere, even if Valmont can call something in, and if if they play this idea, thank God you got that supercharged jet that got us there and whatever, well, then why did you say 10 hours? Thank God we took that bullet train. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, the idea of me in the back of a trunk, I'm screaming, help me. I mean, holy shit, I'm done. Hey, help me, help me. Not... Hey, I got an ant and t- like the idea they now, while he's in the back of a trunk, have to make a four hour flight to Tuscany, find the ant, then convince her somehow that this is all like you just don't go to and somebody's house. You do like, any of this, he's already dead because what are we doing in the back of a trunk for that long? Yeah, dead. Noah, just disappear, freaking D- Dario here, and all your problems are over. You're going to take Dario's father's organization, no one's going to know you're gay, and you're freaking solid through and through. You were fine. Just disappear, Dario. It's done. Don't take over four hours to do it. Yeah, it's just crazy. So all this going down, and like you said, half of this stuff ends up being just the James Bond stuff. But even at the end, when, no they, do find, when they do find this ledger of this, you know, trafficking, hey, they like to do things written down. It's here. Catwoman completely blows up. I mean, the, the idea that these are these women's, women's lives, lives. you know, and then he's Which like, oh, fine, and then it ends up in the back end. It's that the police can go because they couldn't get in there to go and have a search warrant because it's just a vault. But because gunshots or whatever, they're able to go in and they find that evidence so that they can. But that is yes. such a convoluted way to get to this point from where we so started. Valmont and his Guild of Thieves kind of thing, they were working with the police, and we had to break into this bank to find this, to have the mob come in and stop us from finding this stuff. So now the bank is being robbed. The police know. So now they have the ability to go in here and find the documents to take this trafficking down. Cool. Declan Finbar's like, what about me? <laughs> this is all about me at the beginnings. But even then, there was a play. And this is where I think that you see things are rushed, not taken into the deal. There's such a weird thing here and and maybe i'm wrong but Half i'll, the time, I'll spell the freaking it out selena doesn't have pupils in her catwoman costume but also when you have valmont Bother and selena so they're in the vault these three guys come in they end up they're gonna Mo bust the curly. door down right they're gonna butt, but then they open up the door in a classic and then these guys are ready and selena says i take the one on the right you take the left and then valmont laughs ha, and spare the fool in the middle to run back and tell them and you see huh? the three guys there, right? But they don't play it that that middle guy's the guy they let go. They're actually, that's who Velma. And I'm like, what? Like, that's just such a simple, weird thing to me. But it played out so weird where I'm like, wait a minute. Velma's fighting the guy in the middle. Did he not listen? <laughs> oh, it's another guy. I'm like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you set that up? It's weird. I get you. They just wanted to do it because the bald guy had to be in the middle. Oh, boy, they're shaming the bald guy. Uh even then, though, when they open, hey, there's not money in here to rob and we're going to get you. I'm like, I don't know what's going on in this overall. And by the end, like I was we having said, so much fun with Black Mask and Gotham with new Selena, who wants to bring things back to the streets of where she's from outside of Alleytown, even just Gotham proper and going against the mob. That's great. And I'm like, why couldn't we just do more of that? We feel like we totally lost steam once we blow up Black Mask mask. And once they're like, we've been trying to recover ever since. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to give you something right here. Fuck calling Tim Drake, right? 
Here's the deal. Dario's in trouble. How dare you? Don't ever say it to me again. I want to call him every day. You call Aiko, the other Catwoman that's actually going around in Gotham as Catwoman. As Catwoman yeah. You call her right now and say you go, and then it looks like Catwoman is there and saving Dario. It's perfect. It's already set up to do that. Why didn't you do we it? We don't need a freaking a trusted Anne in Tuscany. We don't need any of that shit. You put Aiko in a cat suit and get her out there because she's doing it already. She was already going around. You call her and say, listen, I need your help. Yeah, Catwoman, boom. And this makes so much sense. To be a Catwoman thing, and the play is, the smart play is, And then people start getting freaking worried because they heard that Catwoman's over there in Europe, but she's also in Gotham. What's going on? And also, at that point in time, everybody thinks that Catwoman's dead, too. I know, they think she's dead. And all of a sudden, Declan Finbar calls his brother and says, oh, shit, Catwoman this, and all this guy's Catwoman. It's one of them damn phantasms. They're coming for us. Holy shit, this Catwoman's coming out of the walls. It would be great. She's one of them damn poltergeistes. Yeah, really, because I'm telling you, at the end, when you say next, Catch me if you can. It actually looks like that. Looks a little like Ico there uh, in the deal. I'm like, okay, that's not her, but it should have been her. Honestly, yeah, that's all I want now. Yeah, yeah, that would have been perfect. And just this idea, again, you said, we ended up having the four issues or so with the Black Mask stuff that sets up all of this crime stuff. Then you get this weird thing with Harley. Then you end up with another issue. We're like, okay, we're back on track. Then this one seemingly like, why do you need it? The book was selling well and doing well, those first bunch of issues. And I think that somebody is getting their thumb in the pie here and they don't need to. This book. Don't ever do that. Do, it's yeah, gross. really, it is. Especially grape pie, Eric, which I saw somebody have yeah, the other that? day. Grape pie. It's actually a thing. Remember, we were talking about. Why don't we ever have the watermelon pie? <laughs> like, I, I didn't say that, though. You said uh, yeah, that. Well, I did. And grapes seem to be the same. But I saw. But so. You're fudging up a book that didn't need to be fudged up. It was too quick to start making changes, and it was doing well. So I don't get it. I don't get it all. All these changes in arts, all these things going on, and two letters seems to be that they ended up having to change something at one point. To I don't know what it would have been because this whole issue is a disjointed wreck to try to make her a spy, and it never felt like that. It's just weird. Hey, Jim, but when we get done all this, do you want me to send you some of the best watermelon pie re- yeah, recipes? Yeah, I would like that. I would. <laughs> it's probably like a jelly-type deal, and I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah. Like, We're a creamy. Yeah, I, yeah, that like a whip. Like, yeah. I don't need that. It's like when there's... <laughs> what do you want? Like, hold just like a watermelon well, sucking the, the same. Like, crust? I don't like when you get jelly donuts that end up, it's almost like a toothpaste consistency. I need, like, the gloppy like, jelly, you know like real is. jelly. <laughs> I've heard about it. <laughs> I used to eat the Aqua Fresh as a kid. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, in that, it's though, not... I, I, don't like, I don't like the regular, like, when they make jelly donuts, because we have a local donut shop in town. And they make, I like all their donuts, except the jelly, where I prefer the Dunkin' Donuts there. Well, what's jelly? I, I don't like, well, I like the regular. There's more than one. Well, I don't like strawberry. I like black raspberry jelly is what I like. But it has to be clumpy. It has to be like clumpy, like you're actually getting it out. Like the idea where people have the, man, this jelly's a pain in the ass to spread here, all clumpy and shit, right? That's because I want my donut. You often say that when you're making your jelly, right? Oh, I don't like that toothpaste nonsense. So. With that, though, the one good play I liked in this was, and it seems like it may not play out anyway, but at the point, and even then, if you add Ico and, and Selena's gone, because at points, Dario is there and he's making a costume to be a sidekick to Catwoman, which think, I think is hilarious. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about the idea that Dario on his own talking to his cat. He is actually putting together a cat boy costume where a Tom cat costume, something 
to be he's been inspired by Selena. I'm like, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. And maybe the idea where Selena wouldn't go down with that, but Ico would. I don't know why. It would be the opposite. Ico would want no parts of him, but it would be funny him chasing her around. Hey there, Kevin. <laughs> It'd be yeah, funny. It's really like, Kevin-esque from the Har- Harley series. And hopefully that's where we get the heart and funny, like the humor from this book at. And I'm glad that he's still around, but it looks like he might be in trouble. I hope they save him. I would say they will. But even then, Teeny Howard, it was announced, will be the replacement in 2023, early 2023 of the Harley book. And you wonder if she's still going to be doing this Catwoman or if they're just going to put her to Harley and people are saying they're worried that Stephanie Phillips, now if you're a Stephanie Phillips fan, that's a good thing, but would come over to Catwoman. And I think that's too. So this run has been so disjointed and hasn't had any time to breathe. And there's some really good stuff that Teeny Hour did set up, but she doesn't seem to want to go with that. It's like we're sitting there watching. It's like you have a football team that is really they have the greatest running back in the league. And yet they always pass. You're like, what are you doing? Why don't you run? She is not using this book and what she had set up to its full advantage, which we thought was really good at the beginning. But. What would you give this? I would end up giving this a six out of ten. So most of the odds fine with me, but for some reason, when we got to the back of the book and Catwoman's pupils disappeared, and she looked like a demon Hellcat for some reason when she's angry. It really threw me off. But for the most part, I enjoyed the art in this book. But the story is just it wants to be something it's not. When it had a good rhythm before, and it felt ashamed for what it was. Now it wants to be big and bombastic and explosive and a jet-setting European vacation. It's not working for the book, and it's taken me out of what I originally loved of it. So a six out of ten. That's what I am. That's what I'm a six. And like you said, it's like Aerosmith coming out with a new album, but they're like, look, we're a rap group now. That's not what they should be, Eric. Walk this way. So stick with what you're good at. Stick with what is working. And that's not what you ended up having Teeny Howard do here. And that's a shame because we were liking it. But that's the end of that second section. Some bangers in there, Eric. I'll tell you. But we're going to go off right now to some mail. All right, and here is the mail for this week. And if you want to be involved in the mail section, just like our man Luis, who really has things covered till about 2024 by now, Eric, you email us in at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. And you can ask us anything, comics, life, love, the universe. I don't know anything about anything. If your name's Stokely, you can end up calling me up, say, hey, my name's Stokely. I don't know. You end up with Luis saying, hello, Jim Eric. I'll tell you why I said that later. Luis says, hello, Jim Eric and the best crew this side of the pond, the Get Fresh crew. (laughs) What pond are we talking about there? Lake Nakamixon? That's that's a lake, Jim. Right down the name. Uh, uh, The Walden? That's a pond, Eric, right? I don't think I know any ponds. Maybe Stark's Pond from South Park. I wanted to go local as a joke because this one question is going to end up being a little local. I was trying to tie it and he ruined it. You had to say that Lake Nakamixon was a lake. Nobody would have realized this, Eric. That they lake Nakamixon is a lake. Ah, oh, he says, is it time for everyone's favorite question of the week? What time is it, Eric? Where's Flavor Flav? I think it's it is. There. Wait a minute. There he is. I see him. I like big butts and that's Sir Mix-a-Lot. I, I, know. I know that it is because he was knighted by the Queen. He was actually Mix-a-Lot until that point, Eric, and now he is Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> if a food question's Eric's kind of question, then here we go. Is that your kind of question, Eric? The food I don't question? Mind it. You don't mind it. What is your favorite pizza place? Now, I think that Luis. Thanks. Yeah, I think that Luis thinks it's going to be like a chain type deal. 
Uh, mine's Giovanni's. Yeah. And actually, I even said and to you, out wrong. of town, I like Johnny Rocks. That That's in Sellersville. But you only like Johnny Rocks because I give you cheap pizza. That is true. The next question. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Can I answer yes? Cheese. Simply cheese. I mean, if he's asking, like, do you like the we are deep boring dish? Bitches. Do you like that? I just like a standard New York, New York style, style yeah, pizza with cheese. It. It's and the, the thing is, even the idea where I'm sure it'll be part of the questions going forward. But when if I go and get something and I'm going to be extravagant with my toppings and whatnot, it's always going to be extra sauce and extra yeah, cheese. There you go. I just need a basic pizza. And if I'm going to get more than a basic pizza, it's going to be a basic pizza plus. Yeah. Yeah. And we're pretty basic with the pizza. And Again, if I had to pick a chain and just to make everybody, you know, groan or whatnot, I think Eric will go with me at a point that we really liked our Little Caesars, even though it was the worst place. We're going to talk place. about chains and stuff like that. You talk about cheap pizza that's still good pizza for some reason. And they'll even tell you if you look up things about crazy bread and how it's the worst thing for you with their fake freaking butter they even put all over. It made me so happy because I used to get it when I was a kid. And we're like, you know, it's simpler times. Maybe it's, maybe it's the toxic nostalgia that makes me think that Little Caesars is a great place. But I always feel good when I'm eating. It's a comfort food. And I'm so mad and I've been like dead inside ever since our little season town closed up shop because everybody there was a crack addict who was incompetent and they closed up shop and left. I have never been happy again. I just want a little season pizza because if I'm having a bad day, $5, just go there and get a classic freaking round pizza. Maybe get a side of a little like crazy bread, some marinara sauce. I can salvage that day and make it good again. I'm telling you, the idea where... We, at points when our Little Caesars was in town, we used to tell stories about it. And I would tell you, I would actually be in the Little Caesars messaging you stories that should not be true. Oh, they, they were all bad so times. But once you got home, it was outlandish. okay. Outlandish. The idea of when I went, the one guy in the store that the actual manager at one point seemed to have faked a heart attack at one point and was taken away in an ambulance. And then I was left in the store where I had already paid. With the police officers who ended up responding to that and the only other worker locking himself in the bathroom because I think he had drugs on him. This this is what then that's normal. You know how I don't like confrontation. But from these people, I almost reached across the counter and grabbed a hold of this guy and punched him in the face. I am terrified of that. And they led me to it. Like you said, when I grew up and you did, we had a little Caesars in town. It ended up leaving for all those years when it came back. It goes with the idea. Yeah, it goes back in my mind when I used to eat the Little Caesars. It's the same as getting buttered popcorn at a movie theater. It's not the greatest thing. Sometimes it's really, but it's it reminds you of the fun times and stuff. And that's what you do. So I had the same thing. Me and Logan used to love just going over there and getting pizza. And we just eat and whatnot. But I'm not going to tell you it's the best pizza. I still like Johnny Rocks or in town Giovanni's. Now, he says the next deal is, oh, he said, what kind of his favorite? We like the New York style. What is your favorite kind of topping? Cheese. It's true that this is the craziest deal. Because, again, my favorite pizza is just regular cheese and sauce. That's my favorite. If I get extravagant with the things, though, maybe like a chicken and pineapple, extra sauce, extra cheese, or if I even get more extravagant, where, like, you know, they'll have specialty pizzas in different places, I'll get with a buffalo chicken pizza or even a taco pizza. Actually, that's the thing. If I'm going to get a... Especially pizza, if you can, if you include it as a topping, I do like myself a cheesesteak pizza now yeah, and again. But I like it done at a local place here because they will legitimately put Italian delight. They'll put yeah, yeah, even that they'll put steak, they'll put they onions, and they will put the cheese on it. You won't get the green pepper nonsense. You won't get any of that nonsense if you get it at a local place. If you get it at the others, they do that, and I always yell and scream about that. 
It's because I don't like green peppers. It's really, it overpowers things. It's like the idea. It gives you acid reflux. Yeah. And a lot of people talk about like pepperoni that gives you acid reflux and also something like a bacon. Everybody loves bacon. That the problem overpowers is, everything. It overpowers it too much. You're eating a bacon thing that actually has a little pizza in it. It tastes like I like the taste of a regular pizza, the cheese and the sauce and and the dough, Eric. But in that, he also says, what is the worst topping? And I know that everybody's against pineapple. And you have already mentioned you don't like mushrooms. Mine would be if them. I go. Oh, olives pure as well. Out. If I go pure out, it would be garlic for me because I'm kind of allergic. I have a reaction to Maybe garlic. Maybe anchovies, but I've never anchovies had it because it's so gross. Awful. I don't like sausage on pizza because the sausage, you get that crumbled sausage. It never feels. That's good, too. Slices I'm always are good. worried, though, that the crumbled up ones, I like the slices more because I'm always afraid that it's either like shit that fell on the floor or also that I'm afraid it's not cooked I, all the way. What does that even mean? And like, how do you not cook the crumbles? They're freaking like you put a lighter underneath them. It's yeah, cooked. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they just lay like here, put those on and it doesn't cook right. And I don't it's like it. It's on the floor. You are a neurotic son of a bitch. Also, again, it, it kind of overpowers it for me. And I, I don't like the, the taste. I don't like the taste of the sausage in there. Just go with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's understandable. Everything else you said, neurotic uh, and, and crazy. And in that, all the people are going to get all huffy puffy about the pineapple. They can go screw themselves because I don't mind. No, that's good. Uh, especially you get the pineapple chicken pizza again that's just the same as i i wouldn't have sat there as a kid and thought that hey the cheese stick like all these combos like everybody puts wacky shit on but they have to find out one thing like i said at one point don't put the ketchup on the hot dogs no no don't do that it's um, wrong. then the same person will be there and they'll have fucking you know pate or something on or something what? fancy and some fucking goat <laughs> cheese or something out. i'm telling you this is what i see online where everybody's like oh i'm making this deal with with fish eggs and and some roe i'm like that's bullshit people right, look, oh man Jim, that's the greatest the thing ever doesn't mean it's real you don't have to worry about slender no, man either the, the biggest they're saying about ketchup because it's like oh look at you you low no, brow piece of right. shit it's fine it, you just you put, put it spicy on mustard and onions on it it's uh, fine then, yeah that's fine too I don't it's need just that. I might do it. We're done here. When now. I'm at a picnic, I put on my hot dog, ketchup, mustard and onion and relish. There you go. Take that middle America. Uh, they, they down <laughs> you with sure you. Do. You there with your. Oh, I don't like that. But here's my poppy seed bun. Shove it up your ass. Your poppy seed bun, you asshole. I don't need it. Poppy. Jim, they might be afraid that it fell on the floor and it's dirty yeah, or undercooked. it is true because look at it. It's got all these black specks on it. That's dirt, son, Poppy. See, plus you might have a drug test the next day. Now you fail it because you had a Chicago hot dog. And then they have these slices. Just I look at that Chicago hot dog. We talked Jesus about this Christ, before where we thought, man, I'd like to try it. I'm telling you. That will be, I, there's no way that thing's staying together for me. It's all over me. And I'm thinking I'm eating it in the car for some reason. And I mean, those wedges of the tomato, they're all over the place, right? All over. The poppy seeds are getting on me. They think I'm doing the, the heroin. Isn't that what that is? So what's on a Chicago-style dog, you might be asking? Well, it starts with a steamed poppy <laughs> seed bun. Bullshit. And all beef frankenfurter. That's okay. It's topped with yellow mustard, blue mm. green relish, fresh chopped onions, juicy red tomato wedges, a kosher-style pickle Listen spear, a couple a of spicy short peppers, and finally, a dash of celery salt. Mm -hmm. And there is no mm -hmm. way that's staying in that poppy seed bun. 
It's all over me. I don't know. Me. We'll get a picture here. It looks delicious. I'm telling you, I might as well be eating at the fucking Taco Bell or a Big Mac in the car. And both those things are bullshit. I don't Just need that Just take the thing. pickle off. Eat that separate. You're well, fine you, No, but then you're not going to get the full taste. Oh, my You've goodness. You've got relish already. It's fine. Good forbid. You asked for, ask for ketchup. They, there's a record scratch. And the next thing, the Crips are there to beat the shit out of you. I, I don't know the Crips. Oh my goodness! That's how. That's what happened. Actually, Biggie ended up asking for ketchup on a, a Chicago style because they were Biggie meeting in Middle America. They were meeting in Chicago. That's neutral area. And he's like, "Yeah, I'll have ketchup on that bitch." And they're like, "No, you won't." And then guns ablaze and people die there. People died because of that. That's what I think. And then uh, the uh, worst <laughs> Biggie died in L.A. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because they took his body there. The worst. Sitting here, I'm like, "There's no way that Biggie died in Chicago." I had to type this up. <laughs> Fake news. It's all about <laughs> Chicago. Plus, he was like, where can I get some New York pizza? Because, you know, Biggie liked the New York pizza. There's no denying Obviously. that. You know, Biggie died 25 years ago already. Really? R.I.P. R.I.P. Biggie. I, I did like the Biggie. I like Biggie more than Tupac. Never a Tupac fan. What goes best with pizza? Well, wouldn't that be a friend? <laughs> Isn't that what goes best? No, because I want this for me. And the idea is French fries. Uh, really? That's Well, that's what you get with that. I think that maybe... You know, what I have with it, a Diet Coke is what well, I use. Onion have. knots or something along those lines. Or onion garlic knots. I'm telling That's you. my problem. Anytime we have that, even when we get like a Domino's or something, or when we got a little Caesars, I can't eat garlic that way. I'll so tell you, crazy bread. Off. That's what goes with yeah, it. Yeah, that would go well. I think just any type of soda or something like that. Maybe wings, but I've never no, no, really no. done that. All these things. Don't just, go soda. It's just a drink. Well, just like the toppings, it shit's extra. I can't afford that stuff. I'm a, I'm a working man, Eric. I can't do that. So I, I don't know where I'm working, but I, I'm a working man. Uh, a job. I'm trying to think maybe what would go well, like a, a, a snack, you know, a, a French fries, chocolate sundae. Just like think that. about what's on a pizzeria menu. OK, I, I got it. what goes best with a pizza. Another pizza. My dad's favorite topping and what went well was salt. He used to pour so much salt on a pizza. That it end up it, it, like Winter Wonderland on that thing. And it's amazing that he I lived as long as he did. I don't mind garlic salt on it. Uh, but another pizza is what I say, Eric, in that. But all of that being said, a lot of food talk, but we're going to go off to something even more tasty, Eric. It's not great. And that is the next three books. Bunch to of end, sixes, apparently. <laughs> to end, end the podcast. <laughs> You are the hero of everybody, the common man and woman. The hero everyone deserves is y'all pieces of shit, just like oh, me. Oh, my goodness gracious. Check out the big brain on Eric Shea. There is Eric Shea, and we have three books to end the podcast. And are these all, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, what if, you know, something like you that? Elseworlds? Elseworlds, you know, because we end up having the Dark Crisis tie in Young Justice. It's in its own little Elseworlds, but I wish it was. 
real Elseworlds. I wish it was away from Thing us. Is, there. is it even its own Elseworld? Because I like to think that it was a dream world that was created, but since it's not, it's a mixel-click fifth-dimensional thing, and we have our heroes Sissy and Cassie and Red Tornado blasting off the that space to find another planet for some reason. I'm like, you're doing a lot of stuff here. Yeah, you do have some things that, uh, at the one point, it seems like they're going through something and like, oh, oh, there's the invisible jet. But then Space it's like, mites. oh, I, I owed Hippolyta a thing. I'm like, where did you get it? Then? I'm, I'm confused. Where did you get it? Hippolyta's been dead. This is in our current continuity in the furthest point. I'm like, why would you say Hippolyta owed you a favor when she's currently dead before Dark Crisis happened? That is that's something of a problem in that you see that Megan Fitzmartin really doesn't understand anything that's going on. With these characters or the universe. The 90s. Well, even as you say, the idea where you have these dream worlds, but this isn't quite that, but then you also have everybody on Earth. It, it just like, doesn't I like make to think sense. The Justice League worlds without, I mean, the uh, Dark Crisis worlds without adjusting books are pure out this time. It'll make little sense to anything, and the dream world's usually shit. This feels like even more because it has nothing to do with Dark Crisis, seems like, except for taking place at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's about that. Well, isn't that the tie in there? We're not doing any dark crisis stuff, but it's going on over here. We're useless Teen Titans characters. It is funny you say that in the idea of, well, it just takes place at the same time, but Hippolyta's alive. There's a big problem, all that going on. Maybe she hasn't gotten the memo. Dark oh, crisis no. spoiler. She's gotten the memo. We saw she's got the memo. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's spoiling everything, including our fun. But we're going to start with a true true Elseworlds deal we have the deceased which everybody loves more than me and you me and you actually haven't really been that big on it since it started though we like the unkillables we ended up really liking that because you got more of that tom taylor you know, stuff. What is it called? Character work. Interaction. You know, that's, that's what I was. over there. That's stuff. And hey, you know, heroes. What you call it over there? Yeah, what's it? The stuff you just got scotching on? This is Deceased. Four of the Undead Gods, number two. Two of eight, written by Tom Taylor with art by Trevor Harrison, Andy Lanning, and Rain Barreto. So we end up starting out, and the big play is going to be him. And what I wanted to see, Barda and Scott going to find Jacob. We wanted to know, and we knew it was going to be bad. I mean, it really was set up, but you then see where Bardas says, oh, I feel bad. I was dead for all this time. Such or at least a anti-life. thing, because you finally get Barda and Scott back together. Like, Barda was brought back from anti-life. We're finally going to get to go home and see our boy Jacob. It's been five long years, but we finally get to do the one thing that we want to do. Oh, no, New Genesis destroyed. Where's Jacob? You know what's funny about it is that this idea where we know bad things have happened. So you're, you're just waiting. I mean, you just want them to go through. And maybe the, the play is, let's see how bad they got. I almost thought that Tom Taylor was going to play this game where they go through, everything's fine. At least at that one spot. And then maybe it's an illusion. Are you waiting maybe for it's that moment play. in The Walking Dead where Rick's just walking down the street and then he's just surrounded by The Walking Dead? That's a spoiler. It's like the first episode. Ah, uh, the Celestial City Super Town. It's good to be home. Where is everybody? <laughs> I really thought that what the play would have been is that because the, the setup is we know shit went down. We know it's bad, but they <laughs> go through this portal. Somehow this boom tube leads to the one last bastion of hope, the one city left that's there and they get Jacob. But then things go really bad right after that. But instead, no, you go out and, and shit has hit the fan. Everything. I'm sure he killed all the forages too. Yeah, so they end up where there's a portal, which we find out is actually a doom tube. Eric, I wanted well, to know what you is, thought of that. Uh, I it's thought the stupidest that you would, damn thing yeah. because whenever DC Comics wants to do stuff with the mother boxes and stuff like that, you always have the father box, the step uncle box, you know, stuff like that. What's what are you doing, step bro? 
But like what you have going on here is I don't hate it because with the idea that you have a techno organic virus with the, you know, anti-life stuff going through the internet, originally infecting everybody like Stephen King's cell, when you have the idea that has infected uh, mother boxes throughout the universe, and now you can open up like, you know, anti-life boom tubes, and they're called doom tubes, that only anti-life beings can go through, I didn't mind it. It actually worked out. It made sense to me. Now, I thought maybe Bart would lose her hand. Box. Yeah, I'm telling you, Uncle Box is the box that is dating your mom, but she's a little embarrassed and doesn't want to what say it. What are you doing, Step Robox? Hey, why do I have seven Uncle Boxes? What's going on, Mommy? Uh, so when you go through this, though, it's okay. I mean, you get there. I actually, like I said, I kind of wanted... Especially when you have Black Racer come out of the Doom Tube and stop Bart from going through, because you go through this portal, you die. And I need to tell you that anti-living dark side has done fucked things up and you know what the anti-life is going to spread throughout the universe and i don't think anybody can actually stop it this is the black racer talking at this point i'm like yep just pack it in just try to do as good as you can but what about my boy jacob it doesn't matter and it's so funny too to think about how we have the situation where you have in the current dc landscape of things you know in our regular world where you have the um you have the apocalypse new genesis uh, being a part of the sphere of the gods and stuff along those lines like outside of the actual multiverse because you only have one. If you go up to Grant Morrison play of things, will you then have like, you know, avatars of the new gods that spread out become, you know, for all the, you know, multiverse or the universes to have. It's such a weird play. But here it just seems like, yep, this is the old school style apocalypse. And it's just a world out there in space. And because it's just a world out there in space, it's going to go after other worlds in space. And for this issue, it's going after Kuragar, which obviously that's Sinestro's home planet. And I'm, I was thinking like, where are we at in this? Is it the Sinestro core? Like, is he the king of Co- new Korrigar now? Is it old Korrigar? Because that's the fun part about Tom Taylor stuff where he does get to cherry pick like what he wants yeah, from the DC universe to it. make his own little thing here. So with the idea that, all right, here's Korrigar. It's, you know, a part of the space like everything else and dark side and stuff like that seems to be a part of space. And what do we have with the Sinestro core? Well, it's back in the day during the Sinestro core war. It seems like at least what they're playing with because you have them at their home base being war worlds. I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool, because that was my favorite era of the Sinestro Corps, where you had, like, Mongol as a, a Sinestro Corps member, you had Cyborg Superman as a Sinestro Corps member, all the Manhunters at his disposal, Superboy Prime, it was the most badass Sinestro Corps there is. And that's a point here where you don't have those characters per se, but you have the most badass version of the Sinestro Corps going against anti-life new gods, I'm like, and they can't even make a dent, they can't no, do they anything can't. but actually get the worst weapon in the universe being Warworld, under anti-life control yeah and again that's where you're gonna end up where i said there's a lot of wow factors and it's just stacking on top of each other these op deals because now you have it ain't never been this dark before the dawn (laughs) when we get to the end i'll i'll kind of try to explain what kind of sets me back in this all especially like everything with the cease from the first issue up till here uh but Remember, they do have to go against Superman. They have to go against a bunch of things. And you do have Superman and his crew, uh, you know, trying to figure out what they can do. But at this point, it does feel like you're heading towards that. Oh, my God, there's no way they can fight this. They can end up. And it seems like it's almost like that reaction of, okay, we got Superman back. We got to show that the other side is really, really beefed up. And when they do end up getting War World, that's pretty crazy. I like the way of getting that techno organic virus would take over War World. I thought that was kind of a neat deal. And Tom Taylor again gets to play kind of his little deal where you end up seeing Kyle and Sornak. Like you get things that, ooh, look at that. And in this T universe, Kyle and Sornak are husband and wife. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's like his little wink winks, his little. I'm a Jade kind of guy, but that's okay too. But it's, it's okay. 
And you end up, even with that... He's probably still dead in this timeline. You still that Sinestro does not really care for that and really doesn't look, I think, as Kyle as a great oh, son Oh, His here. daughter is freaking married to an alley rat. Yeah, uh, he's so upset. But before we get to that, we do go to that scene where you do have our heroes gathering, and they are with Brainiac. And at this point, I mean, there's a lot of things going down. A lot of shit has happened since the start of Deceased. And for Guy Gardner still to hang his hat on the idea of, I don't know if I trust this guy. He, hey, listen, guy, he, he's pretty dangerous and he's a pretty bad dude. No, you're way past that point, guy. You're way, way past that. He ain't got no bottom. He's been halved. And then he just wants, yeah, and he says, I got ripped apart. He's trying to prove to himself, hey, listen, you should trust me. Ends up giving Candor. Over well, to that's the Superman. thing is, don't ever trust Brainiac, but you know he's on the up and up for the most part, or at least what he's saying about what's going on, because, like, look, I gather intelligence. If the universe is destroyed, ain't no more intelligence or knowledge out there. I need to stop that. That's all I got. We've seen at least, you know, a half a dozen stories where the end of the universe ends up being something where you had it in infinite, Christ on infinite Earth. I mean, you had Brainiac who says, if you destroy all the universe, I have nothing to collect. I'm done. So that works out it, it kind of has been done way a lot of times but it does work out then you just get hung up on guy talking to brainiac about this intellect level and why would you set up your own system and you're not even the top you're a dummy and i'm that it just went too long it, it was the worst part i thought so you of say the you're a ninth level into like how high does your scale go it goes to 12, and you're not even going to call yourself a 12. Man, you really are dumb. I'm on level 50, and you know what? My scaling goes to 30. Yeah, and like, he, I wish he's like, I have just computed. You're an asshole. Illogical. <laughs> really. I want Brainiac's head to explode talking to Guy Gardner because everything's so illogical, he can't process it. Exactly. Guy just blows his mind because he's Air such roar. a... You are a meathead. And then even then when Lois, like, I thought, okay, we get this little deal. This is Tom Taylor where usually these things hit for me, but it didn't hit. It, it felt like it was extraneous. It was like, guy, just shut. Somebody, somebody tell guy to shut his mouth is all you need. Lois steps in like, listen, listen, how can I, who are you going to talk to? And he keeps going. Somebody one punch that ass right down. And he's my favorite. Imagine Green that Lantern. If President Lane goes and just one punches guy guard yeah, around. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be hilarious. But then we'd be bitching about the fan service of just knocking yeah, Guy yeah. out once but again. again, if, if it was the one punch, maybe it would take two. He's like, I've been training. But then everybody would complain that it takes the lowest two punches when everybody yeah, else gets one. Probably. So just leave it alone. I mean, everybody, do what Put they did. Down, just leave they it pretty alone. much ignored Guy. I mean, even at one point, you end up Lois. He says, Lois, I can't believe you're asking him for advice. She doesn't even answer. Superman just goes, I didn't exist for five years. I'm like, what? Okay. But he has Candor there. He's holding it. And so the big play is, you know, what are we going to do to stop this whole deal? How can we stop Darkseid? The anti-life is spreading and everything, again, is slipping into darkness. And the idea of, you know, wasting time, whatever Superman says it's irrelevant. We have to fight back. We're going to fight back. We're going to end up taking this as we then see, you know, pretty much Darkseid upping the ante. Just destroying Korrigar, and then the whole thing is like the Korrigar sends it to like message out its SOS, its world SOS out into space, and there's just an SOS like, what the hell did you just play on that radio? Let's get War World in shape here. We got to go to New Korrigar. We got to save them right now. And when they get there, it's so funny because they want to go on this blast all of the anti life off the face of this planet. And when they're about to do this, you have Kyle and Sornak show up, the Green Lanterns, like, I'm just checking to see how, because all they hear is a distress signal, and then they see Sinestro and Warworld trying to destroy the planet, and they think Sinestro are the bad guys. 
But soon they do find out that Darkseid and the other new gods of anti-life were all there to cause havoc because you have Kyle immediately just kind of knocked out. And then you have Sinestro grabbed by Darkseid, who plays Pop Goes the Weasel with this fucking head. At this point, I'm like, yes, all hope is lost. We cannot do anything about this. And it takes me back to this idea because on top of all the new gods and stuff like that and, you know, the um, and the anti-life, you also have Supergirl, because if you remember Supergirl, she crash-landed on that planet right as the freaking, like, anti-life was spreading. So you have a Kryptonian Supergirl, who nobody knows about in this universe, who with a uh, mother box in her hand, you know, open up doom tubes. You know, she honestly looks like a demon holding one of the lament configurations, and she looks like a Cenobite from Hellraiser and stuff like that in space, which is great. But you have all these anti-life new gods, and you have an anti-life Kryptonian. And pretty much it's just Sornic and a broke arm like freaking Kyle Rayner standing like, Y'all got to get out there. Y'all got to get out here right now. And it takes me back to what we were talking about with like DC versus vampires and stuff. And like even the original deceased with what happens with the ring, like about the idea, you know, you're dead and then the ring moves on to find a new candidate. It's anti-life. It's not exactly dead. But the idea that you have somebody who's not from the sector, goes to the dark side, who's the biggest bad in the whole multiverse and says, you know what, guy, you got the ability to instill great fear. Welcome to Sinestro Core War. I'm like, Oh, that's weird because even that immediately, I swear, if, if it does do that, and even I feel like if he grabs a hold of the ring, even if it rejects him, because let's just say it'd be even cooler if the ring that's looking for great fear, somebody who is still great fear, actually gets afraid of this anti-life dark side. And then before it can go away, he grabs it and infects with anti-life and spreads it through the emotional spectrum of fear. I'm like, that could have been an even cooler moment than just putting yellow PJs on the anti-life dark side. And that's the thing. As I said, the idea of him becoming a yellow lantern, that's cool. But. You even said it. I think it was maybe last issue or one of these where how many times have we seen these characters put on a ring? You know, you see Superman end up. Oh, my God, he's a red lantern. Oh, my God, he's yellow. (laughs) It looks cool, but it's just a wow moment. And and what was that before? Was it in the Green Lantern's book when Superman became a yellow lantern or something along those lines or a blue lantern? I forget which one it was, but it was something like, wow, look at that shit. That's amazing. Just imagine this figure that you'll have the anti-life yellow lantern dark side like it's so down the line <laughs> it's gonna be a thing. build a figure i know it's gonna that screw is me such a niche figure that you're like all right build a figure would be crazy though that would be a cool as a build a well, figure look how big this dark side is like you know he can dark like side his is hand there. is so much bigger than sinestro's entire head right there he's like nine foot tall and bulletproof like he would have to be a build a figure for this yeah. thing and so again when we talked about this anti-life that weird place not of that sector so you're gonna play the idea that he grabs it and like the ring says like like you said, okay, man, you, you're the scariest of everything. I'm going. I to get- wanted the ring to be afraid and him to grab it at the last second cool. and just infect it with anti-life that spreads throughout the Sinestro. It'd court. be funny if it went to him and it was scared and ended up That's just going saying. going to Supergirl, who's right there as well. The idea of all this though is the Supergirl part when she flies out and she ends up with the mother box, boom, and it hits War World and compress. That's all. That's good. That's awesome. But the idea of Darkseid at the end just being Yellow Lantern, that ends up where things are starting to get to the point in this deceased where I don't need these wow moments like that. I want to know, okay, what is that going to do? How are we playing it? But my big problem is, and it, it seemed to be a problem where I was worried because I'm doing that Walking Dead podcast on our Patreon. And we're getting right, I think we're at issue 47. So we're getting near 50. All hell's breaking loose. But in that, the idea of the zombies, and you watch the TV show, the idea I of the did. zombies, they're not the biggest threat. Like the idea that the, it's a, a zombie people apocalypse. Yeah, people are. People are the worst and how they're reacting and things like that. Because if you kept going with zombie, zombie, zombie by this issue 47 that I'm on, 
I would have been done. How about that asshole Rick Grimes? You couldn't just play ball with that awesome governor oh, character. Man, I know that governor was so nice. I mean, he was really, you know, cool down to earth and really doing things. Hashtag Negan was right. <laughs> Hashtag governor's the worst. So you end up where hashtag Michonne was right. You end up, though, when you have all this going down, if it did center on just the zombies, it would get boring because you don't really have an enemy to go. That's kind of what this is getting towards. Each time we do it, we get somebody else infected. So they'll be the big bad. This is dark side now, which is cool, but it's still this anti-life that just ends up not for some reason not connecting as much with me. As the big, big bad. You need them to be vampires. I got you. Pick your poison, zombies, vampires. What you like? You want the dark side wolfman? Hey, just go with the dark side wolfman would be cool. Now there's a builder <laughs> figure, right? So you end up where at the end of this, Tom Taylor always gets me with the character work. He always gets me with the interactions. He gets me. And it's just, it hasn't been there except for the most. I thought Unkillables was the one that he really nailed Too that. Good. And that was my favorite one. In the deceased, the first deceased, everything, you know, everything's going balls to the wall. They're trying to, so you're really getting your feet set. So funny, though, going back to what we're talking about, the, the idea of how the new gods work in the multiverse and how these things are. I was talking about it earlier. And one of the things I was going to get off into a tangent, but went somewhere else on another fork in the road, is the idea that currently right now in the final crisis, we have the final form of dark side, the ultimate form. All the other avatars come together to show you what an actual dark side is. And pretty much he just became a, a fucking butt puppet of uh, of the great darkness right there. And that's all he is. So I mean, the idea that you actually still have avatars oh, out there that can become deceased and stuff, it still feels weird. Because I want to say this is currently going on, but it goes to like start out like a long time ago in an Elseworld far, far away. Along those lines, because I guess it doesn't matter. But for some reason, because they tell us these things in the main freaking continent, it's like, oh, yeah, th- all those other ones, these are avatars. But this one. This is the final form of Darkseid where all the avatars come together to make what Darkseid actually is. But well, how can that happen if all the avatars are still out there? Shut up. Shut up, kids. Uh, it, maybe it's the idea that Earth, they ended up being able Man, to the stop new gods that. Got convoluted. Like, it was one of those deals where, okay, we kind of had our win already. But yeah, in the outer reaches, there's Darkseid and all this going on. But maybe a way to explain it is it would be like the movie Independence Day where you end up having Will Smith and all the people. They end up defeating the aliens everybody's celebrating oh my god we got the win and then the next movie comes out and will smith's in space because obviously the aliens are still out there we still have to stop them but it's just not going to have that connection again you're going to be in space you're there fighting the aliens it's just like going and getting dark side now you have to beat him because he's going to eventually come and try to get you but it just doesn't have that connection for me i think this is a better issue than last because there are the wow moments and the the big thing with war world i mean that was cool i thought that that was really smart especially like you said tying it into you know around the whole yellow lantern deal where they were stationed on war world i thought that that was a pretty neat idea to- that's my favorite part of the session core war during that, that was era. really cool and i also like where I did want maybe Barta and Scott to get a little bit of resolution, but they end up like, oh, no, and then they're just going to go off and try to find Jacob, I guess, while you have the the Black Racer. Again, kind of a wow moment, but made sense. So I got that. The Dark Side stuff. Even the Black Racer scared. You know, Dark Side popping the head off Sinestro. Like, this stuff is kind of old hat for this deceased deal. Yeah, each time you see something like that, if it's a character that you know and love or hate even, 
you could go, all right, that's cool, but I need a little more than that. He pops Sinestro's head, but pretty much the entire Sinestro core are obliterated in this comic, whether it's in the foreground, background, they're all dead by the end. And you have a war world and a freaking Sinestro core dark side at the anti-life's disposal now to continue their havoc across the universe. It's the outbreak, Jim. The outbreak monkey did it again. I might be the only one, but I'm kind of, it's diminishing returns for me. But what would you give this? I would end up giving this a 7.3 out of 10. I enjoyed the art in this, and there are a lot of wow moments. And the thing is, like you said, there are diminishing returns to this whole universe because we would keep, like, you know, double, triple dipping into it. And, like, how much are we actually getting? Especially with this, like, you have the human moments on Earth, too, that you want for the Tom Taylor moments. And it's Guy Gardner fucking bullshitting with Brainiac, and it's the worst part of the book. Now, the wow moments... Wow moments kick ass, but ultimately, how many times are you going to be able to do this to tell you that, like, oh, it's still worth buying Deceased in the long run? Right now, I'm still into it, but I don't think it's going to continue if that's all we get going forward. Yeah, and, and we have, you know, six more issues, so you have time to develop the story. I just don't know how we win, Jim. I, I don't know. The thing is, that's what we have to do. We have to go and get the life equation, which you know, I don't know how it works in this universe, but Kyle Rayner broke it all apart in all those different way- rings and went it out there. You got to put them together, and then you got to corrupt that life equation so that they're like a virus to counteract the anti-life virus so then we'll make it into an anti-body or turn those doom tubes into fun tubes freaking right? boston brand he can be the freaking dispenser of it because he ain't got no body either he's an anti-body he ain't got no body i don't need any more dead man and the way that people are playing him recently so with dead that man's though, fine besides in wonder woman i'm a seven out of ten suck a seven as that is. i'm pretty sure it's this issue that tom taylor was on twitter talking about how there's an amazing Freaking variant cover of uh, Cassandra Kane with the Shazam powers going on. The, the freaking cover looked great. And I had no idea that they were being called Kazam. Kazam, did you? So, yeah, again, maybe I'll get back on board with it. I just think that in my mind, I have already left the cease kind of behind and was never really my favorite thing. But if it's yours, that's fine. But we'll go to the next book, which is uh, another odd one. Th- this one with it being, you know, Black, this white, and blood tie-in deal with the DC versus vampires and that it was DC versus vampires delayed. This book seemed at points to get ahead behind. Hunters, I don't really killers. know. Don't really know how it ends up lying in the whole thing of it. And when I read it, this whole you know, black, white, and blood and nonsense uh, throws me every time. Though this one, they're adding like a little bit of yellows. It is so odd yeah, how they're doing this. Yeah, there's one where there's these the flowers as at the very beginning where the credits deal is where you end up where, okay, yeah, I see that, some I some that. oranges and yellows. So what is going on with this? This is a different shade of red. At points, I had no idea who characters were, what they were doing, how it was the going. The only and- time I had a problem is we got our ass the Swamp Thing Swamp that's, you know, a little bit of sunlight that's coming in so we could feed our, you know, blood farm human freaking rats that we have in there. When Bane is on his knees in the swamp looking at the sunlight, I had no idea who the hell that was. Just because That's kind of an issue, yeah. How often do you see Bane without his mask on, let alone just down, like, this? even this version where he has, a, like, a utility belt with stakes or that. I don't know if I've just never taken, taken notice of the way Bane looks in the DC versus Vampires universe, but him without his mask on with this, like, lunging, he, like, he looks like he's a tiny little head, too. I'm like, who the hell is that? I thought it was Black Man at first without his helmet on. And even even points, uh, I had problems because the action goes really tight in, and I was having problems. When you see Midnighter at first, I actually, was, oh, it's Midnighter, I see. It just didn't play out very well for me, and I don't like the art very much in the first story, though in the second part, it actually did pick up a little, the art-wise, but that story really doesn't have that much to say as we go forward. But this is 
the whole deal with DC versus Vampires All Out War number three, written by Alex Pagnadal and Matthew Rosenberg with pencils and gray tone by Pasquale. The tones, uh, Jim. The tones it is. The fun tones. Also, the red tones by Nicola, I don't even, Ricci and letters by Troy Pateria. I can't even read it. Uh, But yeah, you have the different tones going on. And. (laughs) So you end up starting off, and we had this whole play that they were heading towards Florida and trying to take care of these so they go on Disney World, right? Yeah, that's what it seems like. They're heading right to Disney World, where for some reason they set up the human farms right next to that. But they end up running into problems. But Jim, when you win the Super Bowl, where are you going? Yeah, I don't know. That blood is farm. True. Yeah, Blood Farm. That's where I'll go. But yeah, this whole mission going down. I don't know. I didn't think that the character voices were very well done for the individual characters as well. I thought it got a little chatty. Batwoman, when she shows up, I don't know, she's don't really get Batwoman as saying at any point about the Colonel Sanders, you know, chicken recipe that felt off. It felt a little off throughout with this. It just felt weird. I will agree with you that the idea that pretty much you could replace these characters with anybody else in there and you can get the same tone because it doesn't feel like anything specifically Lucas, you know, Midnighter or specifically Slade or anything along those lines, specifically Bane or anything, even Starfire, but Batwoman as well. Colonel Sanders line, that's a very weird thing for anybody to say. I know, it is in the deal, but that's just, it's because she said it. It took her to be a vampire to get a sense of humor, and she still sucks at it. She is joking it up here. I'm like, who is this woman? Just the idea of, like, they're keeping that under wraps, like the Colonel's secret recipe. I'm like, who's writing this? What is going on? But in that, there is one part where, I swear to God, Slade's talking, and he talks about something being, like, right on target. I'm like, it was more of a dead shot line. I think you're getting all these characters mixed up and, and interchangeable because, like you said, I would love to have a dead shot here with, with a bunch of wooden bullet rounds. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And, yeah, it was weird. And even like a Midnighter, there's not, nobody has a feel for their I character. I will tell you this, though. Even with the idea of not having a feel, just the way that these characters are written when you have a Deathstroke and an Azrael working side by side, just pretty much like, you know, carving a path to where they need to go with inside this, you know, Blood Farm. I don't like Azrael. I'll tell you, every time we have to do an Azrael book or an Azrael story, or anytime Azrael will show up, I kind of like the idea of Azrael and Destro teaming up. It seems like a badass team. I wouldn't mind that seeing more cool. of it. That is cool. With that, though, that's the problem. Azrael, to make it Azrael, it's going to have to annoy you a bit because you don't like Azrael, and I don't think you can get annoyed with him either here because he's just I kind can. of a... I, I think it's just a dude running when, around when you, when you have as show up and the idea that he's been fine this whole time he's a vampire who was brought back with lazarus like a, a, a lazarus liquid and now he's human again we know that that's a cure for vampirism we're going to ha- use him going forward because we didn't get batman instead we, Azrael has been fine this entire time he goes to find princess starfire or Phil, i don't even know why he says princess so i'm going to do it but he goes to find starfire it turns out it's a mirage duping him this whole time and for whatever reason she says yeah, you're your old self again, ain't you? You're having the system talk to your head. He starts freaking out like the system just woke up. Like, yes, it's in my head. It's talking about, you've been fine this whole time. Why is it right now when she brings it up that you're losing your damn marbles? You say this, right? I was furious. That's actually not really character. That That's more of just weird writing. That's annoying. Because, yeah, that, I'm saying that's what's odd about it. He him. was fine. He ended up, you know, with that whole deal in this one. But even that didn't really play out very well. I thought from page to page of how this plan is breaking down. I had no idea what was going on. When you had Mirage attack Azrael right there, you think that actually Starfire is a vampire. Their freaking mission has been duped this whole time. 
and you think everything has gone to hell. But then when it goes to the page where all of a sudden you have these characters interacting with Starfire, and she's finally like, oh my God, did she already kill Azrael? Is she moving on to kill Deathstroke now? She, Oh, we get back. It's just Mirage. Never mind. Yeah, it, it was Mirage. Matter. It was very confusing. And I think yeah, it's the a little... That, the story structure wasn't Yeah, great. and I think that the overall deal, there's no reason for this to be a confusing story. I mean, you can tell a straightforward story, and there's some pretty cool moments. I mean, I even like the idea when they do run into Batwoman, she's there to try to help them, and they don't believe her. You're a vampire. I mean, but we're seeing this back and forth. Damien Wayne sent me. Turns out that little shrimp, he's a he's a godsend. He taught me I, I didn't have to live with the thirst. And you know what? He was right. But it's the explanation, though. I don't understand why Damien Wayne is able to be a freaking, like, I don't know. Not a daywalker, obviously, but just a, like an angel from Buffy. I don't know why he's able to have a soul when nobody else is. And then he goes and finds a blood freaking lunatic, like Batwoman, who's just eating people left and right, doesn't have a mind of her own. And she, he's like, you know, you don't got to be this way. It's like, you know what, little guy, you're right. <laughs> I'm working with you from now on. I owe you a favor. I'm like, that's just the explanation is so lackluster in these moments. I just honestly want more because the idea of a freaking like a, a good vampire Batwoman it actually kind of goes back to what we had in the two Batwoman, which was kind of controversial. But it's a cool idea. And I like having her here because especially with the idea of the uh, black, white blood concept. It works perfectly for a Batwoman costume. She looks bad. Yeah, that's great. When you end up seeing that costume at, at, at that point, you have guys. You know, vampires sneaking up from behind, you're beheading things, you're kicking, everything gets wonky. When she talks about the Damien deal, I wonder if it's like, Damien never had a soul, so how can you take... It's very odd. The, the whole play of it, maybe it is like the demon's blood or something weird, because they've never really said why. And it does feel weird that he could just go up to people, pretty much say... Hey, you shouldn't do that. You know what? Oh, shit. You the just you cured me. Oh, my. But I like having Batwoman in there. It's just she doesn't feel like a Batwoman. And even Midnighter. Midnighter, you're waiting. There are ways that these characters, you know, talk and present themselves. And it's not in here. And the only thing that I can say that they can play that off as is, well, this is what happens when the vampire apocalypse comes. You know what time for sarcasm and fun and games. These characters could be interchanged with just about anyone, including at a point where you said you got confused. You saw Bane. He's there on his knees. He doesn't have his, you know, mask on. Mask on, yeah. I do like when they're like, oh, my God, there's the swamp thing. Which one? Like, I don't know you like that. I will tell you this in the vampire apocalypse. It does kind of suck. when you, If you are a main character metahuman, you look like you just with fangs and maybe glowing eyes. You pretty much look like badass. But if you and me became a vampires, we would just be these like cannon fodder Nosferatu fucks. Just keep it integrated. Everybody's got to be bald reporting. It's like, why does <laughs> they, why do they have to look like this when everybody else looks like a supermodel version of themselves? Yeah, that one guy who's coming up. I mean, they are in Florida. There's a lot of meth going on. But this guy looks like he just came out of a trailer park. The bath salts will do to you. Gets his head taken off. And where's his costume? He's all tell you, Just the regular vampires who aren't the heavy metagene hitters, like the big main characters of the DC universe. No, just like, you know, shirtless, like Nosferatu's running around. In the vampire apocalypse, your meta gene ends up making you sexy. So there you go. Wish I had a meta gene. Beheading people and going, but they're going into save Starfire at one point, but the main group is going to get Weather Wizard because of that deal. And this is another thing that kind of throws me off in this because it is, it's not, and I said to you before we started, this feels like it's like tug of warring a bit with the main series, maybe with Starfire, but you said, and to relax with that. But the idea that the big play with the main book is let's get Supergirl over to Australia because she can yeah. blow the shit out of this apocalypse. And then in here, it's no, no, no. We're going to go get Weather Wizard to do almost the forget, same thing. Green Arrow's here still trying to do stuff in the background somewhere. Turns out Green Arrow has backup. He didn't even know when it. When it first started, I'm like, 
Where the fuck's Green Arrow? I forgot that that was in the main book because they're both there. Everybody's going to Florida here to go to the same farm for almost the same deal. So I thought I want them just to walk by and go, what up? He's like, yeah, it's hanging. Just and then they just by, give yeah, a little head nod and keep give walking. Give a little point and just keep walking. Like, hey, we're here to save you. He's like, I'm here to take the shit down. All right. Good luck with that. See ya. Did you hear about Weather Wizard? No. What's going on? Hey, can I join you guys, crew? Sure can, Adam. Yeah, exactly. I kind of wish that you had like a little more of it. Like, hey, like even if they said, listen, we're kind of tied in with the main deal, but they're heading to Australia. They're going to end up doing this with Supergirl. In the meantime, here in the, you know, northern hemisphere we're gonna end up doing it with the weather wizard that's the big plan also i heard that green arrow was coming down here because things are starting to overlap a bit not communicado at this point in time yeah i know but even then it just it feels odd because everybody's in communicado it seems with Danian. he seems to be the linchpin to a lot of Again, this is he because you just told Batwoman go check these people out i got shit to do yeah hey, but the shit to do is like over with the others and even then when you end up wondering Okay, is she on the up and up? Asriel is. Do you there. trust her? I don't trust anybody. I mean, he, why would you even trust Asriel, who was a vampire? I don't trust any vampires. Got... I don't trust Damian Wayne either. He's waiting for Dick to go down. He's taking the freaking throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you say that again in a breathy voice? And me and you might meet tonight. You end up where all of that. I don't trust anybody. Take the dick down. <laughs> I would never ever say. Hey, Azrael, who was a vampire, do you believe... No, he's a Jesus freak. I'm not trusting him. He's going to call me a heretic and burn me at the stake. The funny play, then, is... Oh, yeah, yeah, they put out a death you know, warrant on Batwoman. But strangely, not on the Damian Wayne. I'm like, well, it all goes back to Damian, so I don't trust anybody again. I don't trust any of this at all. Can't trust vampires, Jim. No, but there you go. That's the play. And I think that in this... Ain't no maybe because of the art as well, but I don't know why... But I start to really lose track of, you know, okay, who's a vampire? Who was a vampire? Who's this? What's going on with this? Now you got, you know, glamours and mirages going on. I'm like, really, it's getting very convoluted. Well, in the thing this. is, we have, we have a big thing going on here where we got to go and get Weather Wizard. We also got to create a, like a distraction going on. So we're going to go into this blood farm where Starfire is being held as well. And we that's what Batwoman wants to do. She wants to go get Starfire. Yes. So we're going to do all this stuff going on there. In the background, the coolest part of this book, you have the character that we saw last issue introduced, Baron Cinder, who is wearing a Lex power armor. And you and I thought to ourselves, what the hell is Lex Luthor doing here? We know that dude is dead because his blood was able to kill vampires in the first goddamn issue of DC versus vampires. What is going on here? But in this issue, it seems like Baron Cinder is almost exactly what I wanted in the idea of a Superman yeah, vampire like a who Superman. gets power from the sun, but the ultraviolet light also kills, like, kills him. So you have him not being able to be powered because he can't go in the sun. So he is wearing a Lex Luthor power suit who is in control of this whole farm, this blood farm section and Starfire. And he wants Starfire here to pretty much be like, Look, I need you to transmute the radiation of the sun. I need you to take away the ultraviolet rays. Give me some of that sweet, sweet juice so I can feel powered up again because daddy just wants to feel like himself again. I could be that good man. Like, you ain't never going to be that good man again with all the bad shit you've done. Get out of here, Baron Sidney. <laughs> Get out of here. Goddamn bitch. <laughs> so right there, you have a bald-ass, burned-up vampire Superman in a power suit. But why the rule? Because he's not Superman anymore with all the bad things he's done. He's Baron Cinder. But if he is, <laughs> it seems like he's trying to like play. And that's the play here. Do you think that if he gets the, you know, the ultraviolet, if he ends up being... No, he can't have that. Now, I'm saying with her, with if he gets right. the, like, 
Do you think then he could revert to being a good guy again? Like no, he he's says, an addict. it's weird because the way he's playing that up, it almost seems like that would be how you can win it all that he actually could. But he's an addict with the blood. He's an addict with the sun. Dick Grayson has to know this is going on because he had Starfire at one point and he was using her to be the daywalkers and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's actually before he took the throne. Use that as a way to, you know, fool Batman even in the test. So. It just felt weird. It, again, that was that weird overlap with it. And then I'm thinking, is he saying he's just this Baron Cinder? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, this guy just showed up out of nowhere. Pretty cool, right? Reminds me of a Superman. Whatever, Clark. Yeah, so, yeah, really. He's there. Wait a minute. Let me put my glasses on. They melt. He's stuck. He's Cinder. It just throws Baron me off. Cinder. Baron Cinder. But you are getting what you wanted. It just seemed like a weird Just play. not as cool because I just wanted a walking, talking, flaming Superman who's constantly in pain. And always super powerful. That would be crazy. I wanted him to be the human torch, but feel pain constantly. And uh, yeah. And then again, where Damien, you know, seems to want Batwoman to go and get Starfire. So obviously he's aware of things and this will end up putting Superman. She shoots freaking like, you know, radiation blasts, solar blasts, stuff like that. You can take out vampires left and right. You charge her ass up. And so as you go at there and even at the beginning, hey, and for some reason, her blood also causes, you know, religious objects not to hurt vampires anymore. For whatever reason, we got that. Very odd. Like she could be one of the cures as well. Only a religious cure. You know, you have Azure, you have this Mirage stuff going on and all this stuff going down. Then out of nowhere, you do end up having Bane who's being bled out. Then. And you have dead man show up, and again, uh, I was confused about this. I was, I, I was confused as well because when you have dead man show up, Bane who's bleeding out right now, and he's fighting vampire mirage, and the idea that dead man goes into like you know, him to give him a message, the idea is like, like uh, I'm gonna like not stop this, but he makes it so that Bane can't be turned against his friends and stuff like that because he ends up breaking Bane's neck while he's in the body, and when that happened, I thought somebody came around the bend. And this, like, almost doomsday punch broke his neck for the way it just... Because the next few panels, you have a shock-looking Mirage, and then you have Mirage's chest explode outwards. I'm like, holy shit, did... Oh, my God, it's Azrael. Did Azrael just kill Bane and Mirage? Oh, no. That's not what happened. Azrael just killed Mirage. The weird play, it's like cracking the neck, like, I'm going to kill him before you can turn him. But even then, like, you end up having this... This is Boston brand, right? And it's like, hey, listen, I'm going to give you, you know, this deal, the, the, the drug of being a vampire. Whoa, just say no. He comes in and I'm like, come on, stop it. Stop with your jokes. And then he goes in and it just, it was very confusing. It was very confusing no, of really what was. is going on. And then Asriel, where he ends up, you know, running her through. She doesn't quite die yet. And like, oh, he's the system in your head. And he's like, oh, no, it is. Oh, God, the system. That's right. Why did you say that? I forgot all about it. Instant migraine. It's like, Jesus Christ, two issues. I didn't have that. Now it hurts the system. Oh, no. He'll take you back, Jean-Paul. He wants yeah. you for his right hand. I'm sitting there I'm like, no, he doesn't. He wants you to worship the gray sun again. The, the funny play of all this is just that idea of, Oh my God, are they going to turn back? Are they going to? And it ends up at the end. I'm like, I don't really care about Jean Paul. And no, he should know that there's no way to go back anyway. But now the system, it's hurting. And then at the end, you just end up, okay, we also have to deal with Prometheus, Shining Knight, and the Arkham Knight. I'm like, what is going on and, here? And freaking Shazam. Yeah, yeah, and Shazam. So. And I don't know who that guy is behind Prometheus. It might be the Atomic Skull, but I'm not sure yeah, because they have weird, like, like it, you know, yeah. atom symbols on them. So I can't, it doesn't look like the atom, though. Like the Arkham Knight. Come on. So that is the end so of the So maybe it's a vampire atom. I don't know. It's just a weird costume. Think about that, though, with Baron Cinder. Yes, you have Billy Bass, and he's pretty much the right hand of Baron Cinder, the former Superman. 
But does Superman have a weird, like, medieval fetish where he the must. people that are, like, his lieutenant is Prometheus, Shining Arkham Knight, Knight Shining Knight, Knight yeah. and, and, I, and who I want to think is the Adam dressed up like a knight. I mean, what, what is <laughs> like this Like a deal? weird futuristic freaking Atomic Knight's Knight. Maybe this is the uh, Dark Knights of Steel, Superman. It's all twisting around in Elseworlds. And all guarding the weather, weather wizard. Yeah, the weather wizard. Like, bleh. Why did that become know, hard for both of us to do it? Uh, but yeah, they're guarding him, so. There you go. It, it just, to me, the whole story just felt very convoluted the way it was told. It was told in a weird way, and the art is not helping matters. It really isn't, and at points... I was fine last issue. I almost got into the, se- the not the season, but the feeling of yeah, what they were trying to go with, with this whole tones and stuff like that in the previous issue. For some reason, it all came together for me, where I really liked what we had going on there. When I got into this issue, I had to immediately went back to the issues I had with the first couple that we dealt with, because I'm like... Oh, man, I really wish this was a full color issue because it actually might be looking really good. But in the long run, I like the story that we have here with them going and taking Starfire. Starfire feels out of nowhere, but it's getting with the the Baron Cinder and the Superman thing that I want to know about. So that's really cool. And you get some more vampire action. And I also want to see what's going on with Constantine because we know that he's dead, but we do know that he did astral projection before his body died. So he's still out there almost dead man-esque. Yeah, you know, the people with the bow ties. Uh, my problem is, and then we'll go into this backup, but the, my problem with it still ends up. Yeah, I didn't know it was backup. I forgot. <laughs> is this a necessary book to the main story? Or is it kind of fighting against it a bit? And for me, a lot of it is fighting against it. I want to say it's necessary because you have a worldwide pandemic of vampires. It's weird saying worldwide pandemic in this day and age anymore. But you have a holocaust of vampires. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, that's cool. going on in the world. And for some reason, that the main title wasn't you. doing enough in my mind to show you what that really meant. So having these other things going on, I actually do think helps. With that. Yeah, I just don't. With the delays of that other book, I don't the know how this it. goes and lines up. And if it's, you know. And then also the other tie-ins with hunters and killers and stuff like that to me it's that you know you had that delay i don't know what that was they changed something i know that at one point you had matthew rosenberg writing it with a story that him and james tynan came up with maybe it was one of those like i really don't want to go with that idea of doing it with him i'm changing shit off he ended up leaving it's like all of a sudden paul mccartney finally is like you know what i wrote hey jude john had nothing to do with it i'm just putting my name on it get my money but it just feels weird. Who are those people you just brought up? I don't up? know. That was the Beatles, Eric. Uh, no. It's just this weird play. Like, some of these things end up making me, like, like I said, the idea of Weather Wizard, that's just the same exact play of what they're going to do with Supergirl in the regular, but it just feels weird. I wish it was more. It's cool. I wish it was more in tune. I wish there was like, okay, they're doing that here. We're doing that here. But I think the delays make that almost impossible because they don't know when those other issues will come out. So like you said, you can play it in your mind saying, they couldn't get a hold of them so they're doing their Honestly, thing i just want to know how they made swamp thing stay in the one place is it almost the idea that the green is going to be choked to death if you don't stay right here and that's the only reason he's there to feed i want to know more of it that's the only place that they let light come through so it ends up where it's, he's growing I just there. Know what that means for the green and what it means for swamp thing in general besides for just being a mound of freaking moss mm, you know he's feeding the algae to the to the people so you go to this backup it continues you know the rise the rise of the, the Dick Grayson of the Nightwing here as Nightwing and Dark Birth Part 2. Words. Words by Emma Maselli. Art by Haining and Troy Petiri. And I actually, I'll tell you, the art I think is way better in this backup. I think they do play out a little it's more where Mangus. Well, it is. But that's what they seem to be playing with the first part, too. But at least the colors here and everything else really play out more. It's more colorful. You end up seeing things going. 
And it basically, there's nothing crazy about this. It's that Dick Now Grayson. I'm going through it right now because I actually forgot we had a backup in this whole thing. And now I'm looking through it because it is really cool where you do get a lot of action in this anime manga esque style where you do have Dick Grayson going ham on a bunch of aliens, just remind our aliens, vampires reminding himself they're already dead. They're already dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even that one page where he ends up it's having those two stakes and the ones like right up and you're fed. Like, it's really well done. Or when I he like gets the overwhelmed by vampires. I'm just like, the it's World War Z here. It is World War yeah. Z. But yeah, I, I really do World like. World War V. Yeah, really, seriously. And so the whole play was he was led down, you know, underneath Bloodhaven by his sister. And Linda. that's kind of a, a neat idea that you tie the mayor in. Of Bloodhaven. And also he even mentions. It was not a neat idea. The idea, look, the thing is, this is the biggest problem I had. I like the last issue in the back we had for the most part. But the freaking way we get to it where you have the vampire queen who just happens to be in Bloodhaven. And then the idea that Melinda Zuko, the mayor of Bloodhaven, says, Hey, bro, look, I, I, I need you to Nightwing up for me because guess what? Um, Turns out vampires are real and they've requested a meeting with the mayor, you know, like a clandestine meeting where nobody can know about it. You want to come with me? I'm like, why is everybody just okay with a vampire blood packed meeting in the middle of the night? Like, where's the, where's the, like, the governing body of Here's Bloodhaven besides the, the mayor? The governing body is that when they go down, Melinda's a damn vampire. So it was sure all, a, it, it makes sense then. It ends up being that that was the ruse. Like, Nightwing is too nice. I will never be as smart as Dick Grayson. I will never be as handsome or as agile. He's so handsome. Take the dick down. But the idea that somebody calls me, especially a family member, says, hey, I need you to do a secret vampire meeting with me. I'm like, you go fuck yourself. Don't go there. Again, this is where I think that I like this other side of the coin here. When you have Tom Taylor. He's too good. Tom Taylor makes him that, oh, we see how good he is in the good way. We see that everything he does is 100% great and always right. This shows you that at points, somebody that great, and it's true, they'll get taken advantage of. And you end up, in my mind, Melinda says to the vampires, like, they're, they're all confused. How are we going to get him down here? We got to get him down here. She's like, really? All I have to do is ask him to come down, say that. And they, even the vampires, probably, that ain't going to work. That's bullshit. Nobody's going to believe that. No, no, listen. He does whatever anybody that he loves needs. It'll be easy. We'll get him down here. Believe me. Well, I finished, I finished the backup at this point in time where he's doing all the fighting and stuff like that. And ultimately, Melinda betrays him saying, look, we, I've led you down here. I'm a vampire. You to go and take him. And everybody dogpiles him against like, Is it done? And then everybody's like gasping. Like, what is it? What is wrong? And out of nowhere, Dick Grayson already like, you know, fed on him to turn into a vampire. Goes and just stakes Pandora like, oh my, Pandora. And it's not even Pandora as we know it from the New 52. It's just Pandora, the oldest amongst us. What have you done? I couldn't help it. Where's that Mary Queen of Blood? But everybody's already bowing to Nightwing. I'm like, yeah. why? Like, why are you allowing this, this to go on? This is in the vampire rules, Derek. You just defeated the, the main vampire there. And now he's the main vampire. It's one of those. She was that old, like, aristocratic vampire I in you, Blood but, like, Avon, but The idea, this is not no. Mary Queen of Blood that he's just no, no, right no. now. This just has to be an I old know. bitch of a vampire. It's just a weird play. It's like, I Stop don't know. Him. That's like his, uh, you know. Bloodhaven Because they, they all they all still serve Mary Queen of Blood. Now everybody's bound like, oh shit, Dick Grayson, we're gonna tell you where that old queen is. And the weird play of this is is the idea if you go by that and go by the Mary, you know, Queen of Blood. I understand Dick Grayson at this point is almost like, you know, if you ended up getting bit by a snake and wanted to curse out the snake oh, while God, you're dying. Like, out the before you end up dying, it was and on unfortunately my it's on your penis. Uh, See, there's a little difference, Eric. I say penis. He called the shit poop. You end up where in that he's like at the last second, oh, my God, it's taken over me, but I'm going to yell shit right now. Where's that Mary Queen of Blood? Two seconds later, he's like, I need to find her because she is the queen. But no, it seems like something. And that's kind of where this ends up making me say, 
yeah, I don't know if you need this as much. I know that you wanted to see and we wanted to see things. And they even mentioned the dirt and all that, that you always like. And I said, was there the for a vampire deal? And so with that, though, I'm like, why is he still like once he gets turned? Why is he really after Mary Queen of Blood? Except I want to rule everything. But these people are bowing in. And nobody else want to rule. They're all just like, oh, Dick Grayson. And the thing is, I, I know the idea that Dick Grayson just loves being a vampire now that he is a vampire. No, yeah. The first thing I would do as King of the Vampires after all this said that I am freaking smiting my sister for betraying me, even though I enjoy the outcome. I'm killing her immediately, right? Fuck you. It would be like where you would go and you're like, you know what? I'm the spiteful, though. And you would have it, though, in, in that vampire deal where you go, oh, Melinda, come over here. You know what? I have to thank you. I have to thank you for actually turning me into this i never knew it was so great but you backstab me bitch boom and kill her yeah you, have but to you do didn't it. realize one thing you thought i was a good guy but it turns out i suck yeah, I, oh my goodness what the stake i did you did it you end up where all of that going down you would have to like save face in front of the rest of the vampires i mean melinda i do think that with that some people were even in the slack talking about the idea of haley is so nice and all that in the regular book you know saved by the bad boys and uh, you end up here, the boys though, who are bad? the boys who are bad. But in this, like, you don't have to keep mentioning. He's like, who's going to feed Haley? He's turning Haley into a vampire two days later. Bitewing really works out then, right? And I do know that in Blade Trinity, Triple H vampire had some freaking like little Pomeranian vampire reaper dogs. You end up having Haley can fly away then. You know, Batty, batty, batty. You know, he ended up having that happen earlier. Wasn't Gorilla, Gorilla Grodd the only one who actually spouted wings and flew away, yeah. right? That was crazy. Uh, it was a big brain on him. I do like the uh, the end of this, the art in that. Check out the big brain on Gorilla Grodd. <laughs> yeah, to change that. Uh, I think the backup was cool enough. It's not much of a story, but I do like the art in that. I wish that... Oh, no, the action's badass in that. And you could tell what was going on in that action way more than you could for the main story. I, I think that there's another thing with the main story of this All Out War. Every time I read it, I think, and he'll be getting the rest of this DC versus vampires. This thing has been going on way too long. Well, the thing is, it was supposed to end in a few days. Then we're at like issue nine, I believe. Six, seven for some reason. <laughs> or eight. It comes out next week, I believe. Okay. One of these next couple of weeks, but we're way behind, way behind. And it's a weird deal with that. But eh, it's what it is. If you end up really liking the whole DC versus vampires, it's okay. Yeah, it's just not as good as the main story as far as I'm concerned, but it is expanding on things that I'd like to see. I just wish it looked better and they actually put yeah, next issue of DC versus Vampires 9 of 12. So we're up to issue 9 next week. But I just wish the like, you know, we, we put as much effort, it seems like, in this book as we are in every other DC versus Vampires book. Oh, I, I, I agree. And I just, the weird play out of nowhere, and it's never going to sink in, that white, red nonsense. I, I just don't get where Even they the came idea, up like, with My that. biggest problem with the story, besides for the idea that the tones, the black, white, and red, and stuff mm -hmm. like that, none of the, like we talked about at the beginning of the review for this issue, that none of the characters, in the, here at least, feel like they have their own individual voice. You, no. like, you can transpose yeah, them with any other character, and it is a bit of a problem with the story, and because of that, I'm still enjoying it, but I wish there was more to this, so I'm giving it a 6.5 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, I think I'm going 6 out of 10 overall, and again, if you're not, if you're not reading the DC versus Vampires, there is no reason whatsoever to read this, but if you are enjoying DC versus Vampires in one something to fill in those gaps between because that book is few and far between it's okay you end up getting a little bit of some extra info whether or not it's going to be fully important or not we'll have to see 
And you get the vampires. You get the vampires. I mean, who ordered the steak? Who ordered the steak? I don't know, but it was you, you said earlier. But I did. We'll end Me and Courtney with, We'll end with the A Dark Crisis tie-in, the big book. The big book this week, because it's a Dark Crisis tie-in, I hear. That's right. But we also have The Flash, which is a way better Dark Crisis tie-in as far that as I'm concerned. That is true, and kind of a backdoor tie-in. I didn't know that that was continuing to be a tie-in, but it is. Uh, do you have the credits for this, or do you want me to read them? Oh, I have the credits. This is Dark Crisis Young Justice number four, written by Megan Fitzmartin, with art by Laura Brago, Luis Guerrero, Hi-Fi, and Pat Brousseau. And in this, we continue the idea that our trio of Young Justice, Superboy, Impulse, and Robin, are stuck in their own 90s dream world, and they have no idea why. And in this issue, Superboy, one of my favorite characters of all time, Connor Kent, he is insufferable because he's such a big-ass dummy. And Megan Fitzmartin proves to us, continues to prove to us, that she does, knows nothing about these characters, their continuity, and is just wants to talk about how toxic people are who love the 90s and does little else with it because she's missing a whole bunch of re- like continuity that we had in the late aughts and wants to say this never happened and wants to rewrite That's the it herself, biggest problem. it's terrible. Yeah, in this, where when I first read it, and even the second time through then, because I actually thought we were doing this for our Patreon-only spotlight. So I read it, and I said to you afterwards, and even during the Patreon spotlight on patreon.com slash weirdscience, that Boom. it really got Insert me angry. Yeah, it really, <laughs> need now. I love the idea that Simon talking in the Slack said that he doesn't like that sound effect at all. Because he doesn't know. It's too high def and he doesn't know if it's you saying it or not. That makes me laugh. But it is one of the most high def ones because I grabbed it after I had already done the whole podcast editing. But in that, I said, I said to you the idea, oh, it's Megan Fitzmartin still throwing it in everybody's face that the 90s were toxic. And then I read it a second time. I'm like, well, there is that. But the biggest problem is what you said, the second part of it. Toxic nostalgia, too. Yeah, and it is toxic nostalgia. And when you go, though, and go through this, and even me, I'm not Eric Shea. I haven't been reading no, comics most of my tall. life. I'm, I'm, I'm five, eight and a quarter. Getting you a little not. taller, right? I'm on platform shoes. You end up, though. Is that idea, even I know from what we've done and things that we've done for the podcast and and whatnot, that what she is doing in this book is having characters fight about things that were well resolved by this point. You're not, this is not an Elseworlds book. People, in every issue, we keep doing it. I know. And people I saw trying to defend this saying, well, it is this old world that's like it. No, no. These are characters in the regular universe. They have gone off to this Mixoplex thing. That does not change the past that has happened already, especially in something that is an everything matters, infinite frontiers we're going. So when you end up having all this stuff where Connor's fighting about stuff that that was resolved years and years ago, decades ago, almost 20 years ago, you want to go back to the world where I died. I'm like, motherfucker, you died in 2006. What are you still and complaining about? You know what's about? weird about back. this is the weird play is that. We said this about Bendis, where when Bendis came over and started doing the superhero books, the Superman books, I mean, and you start doing this stuff. I said to you at one point, how can he specifically fuck up in the worst ways? Like you have all these things you could do or say or whatever. Megan Fitzmartin centers on the exact things that ended up being resolved with all these characters, all these things going on I just want somebody to tell her that you do know that Adventure Comics in the late aughts was a thing. And that's where she really seems like somebody didn't give her that trade. Well, that's the thing is, everything that we're dealing with now, the idea of Adventure Comics, everything you dealt with as Superboy when he came back to life in Final Crisis and like he resolved all the issues that he had with Wonder Girl and Robin and stuff like that, everything that we're dealing with here, and even the idea where Bart comes in, Hey, everybody, you know that I died, too. And I'm like, thank God he finally said something because that was a big thing, too, when Bart Allen came back because he died. 
It was a huge moment, but we had all this stuff resolved. We spent all that time at the second half of the freaking oat, like the odds, trying to resolve it. Like Robin changed his costume twice. He got over this, but the idea is that he went through some shit. Superboy came back. He went through some shit, but he got over it, and it was a great time. And now we're trying to force a goddamn dream world and call it Dark Crisis when it's not anything to do with anything and say, you just want to go back to when I died. I'm like, no one's saying that, dummy. Why would you even think that? The weird play is at the end, and this is where I even said earlier when we first started the series, and also just let me point out that the main villain, Mixaplick Jr., he gets introduced here near the end of the fourth issue of six. That is not good pacing at any well, not only that, any but when he does series. get introduced, it seems like Bart Allen freaking knows who it is, knows what's yeah. going on, and I have no idea how he could do that. Now, here's the play. I think that Megan Fitzmartin, I, I don't know. She's a young adult writer for the most part. She's doing comics now. And I think that maybe the pacing, I said this about even John Ridley when we're talking about, you know, how a movie plays out, and but it's not the same as a, a monthly comic. Is it that when she ends this, could she end up having in the sixth issue? Oh, my God, why were we fighting about things that we already resolved? It must have been that dream world of Mixoplick. He was, but we never see anything of a control bit. And also at the end, you've already done the damage. You can't do this for all these issues and piss so many people off. And then at the end go, man, almost like it was a dream. Like, oh, my God, they were. You know, making us think that anger stuff. High five. I love you. It's too late. You've well, already done all this. the worst part about all of that, because in the background of everything you have here, besides for our trio of boys stuck in their own dream world of the 90s, you have Cass- like, uh, Cassandra San- uh, Cassie Sandsmark, yeah, Wonder Girl, trying to find where her friends are because they just went missing and everybody's all hands on deck with Dark Crisis, but she's going to find where her friends are. She gets, you know, Arrowette, Sissy uh, King, uh, what the hell is her name now? King Jones, I believe. But she gets her, the old Arrowette back in the freaking thing to help out because she needs some help to find out where her friends are. And they also get Red Tornado help. So it's all going back to Young Justice type stuff. And then they want to play the idea where Arrowette, she was one part of Young Justice and then she was out. She didn't want to do superheroing anymore. And now like she's like, you know, being brought back in by Cash. She's like, you're not a friend of mine. You never came to hang out with me. And I'm not like, once we're done with this, I don't ever want to see you again. But I will find in this issue, Cassie somehow flips the script like, look, we're not friends. You never wanted to hang out with me. And the worst part about all this, because we like to say that, like, you know, Megan Fitzmartin didn't even know that Adventure Comics was a thing or chose to ignore it for her Superboy stuff. Everything about Sissy and Cassier was also resolved because in that freaking thing where Sissy's like, I didn't want to be with those boys in the way they were anymore. No, the thing was, you stopped being Arrowette because you almost killed a man to get revenge for something and you didn't want that to be on your conscience and you didn't want to live this life anymore that your mother forced you into. That's why you left. But then the whole thing with Cassie. You were in private school, and you even went to the Olympics. Everybody was backing you up. You, everybody was on board with Sissy and being a Sissy outside of Arrowhead. And Cassandra, she even became your roommate in the pet, like the uh, prep school you were in part of. So, like the idea, like we are past this. Everybody was friends, and she even came back at the end of Teen Titans to help her friends again when they needed it. And that's the problem with all this: the idea where Megan Fitzmartin wants to come in and they want to be mad. The, they're kind of the boys who are bad, Eric. The trio. Oh, they're toxic. Oh, it was because of them. Ah, I don't like them. But no, no, no. That wasn't the case. Like you said, but to throw in the idea, I almost killed a man. She either doesn't know that or ah, that's too complicated. The problem is you can't just throw that away. You can't just say, oh, that was complicated. bring the character goddess back back. She gets no respect and nobody ever brings hey, up or no talks respect. about her. Like she was... She was one of these characters that would be perfect for this book to be brought back. Like, you guys never kept in touch with me. You drop me. But nobody wants to bring up Goddess anymore. She doesn't want to bring up anything in this. And 
I can only hope that the reason the secret's not brought up is because secret is one of those secret kids that were taken by the child freaking minder that uh, Jeff Johns is working I mean, on right seriously, now. Seriously, all this going down anyway, you you can't bring everything up and things like that. So Agreed. what you do is you have to get what you bring bring up right. And you even said it. One of the things at the beginning of this series that already threw up a red flag, and you said it on the podcast, I'll just repeat it, was when Cass goes to find Sissy and like, oh, she's in that fancy damn prep. No, no, no. So was Cass. She was a roommate. Well, that was the fun part about it, too. At one point, I swear it was Sissy and Cass were roommates. And then you got friggin' uh, Red Tornado's daughter was brought in to be like, you know, keep an eye on them. Like at one point, Red Tornado was like the dead mother, like, you know, person looking after Young Justice. So it was funny when his daughter was like a a little genius. She was brought in to become like a friend and they were supposed to keep an eye on her. And it was a fun little thing that you had going on. I don't think it lasted too long because I don't think the series continued on that long after that. But it was something that happened. Yeah. And I think that what Megan Fitzmartin, some of the things that she's having problems with, and this is something that a lot of the comic book writers, especially the newer ones, end up doing. First off, she wants to throw out that toxicity of the 90s, even though a lot of the fans, even though fans that weren't there in the 90s have gone back and read this stuff. And that's what makes this team popular. That's what you so you can't shit on that. But also what she ends up wanting to do and really misses the mark in this is she wants them to fight, fight, fight. They, we don't get along. We argue. We hate each other so that maybe at the end. They can come together and she thinks that's the win. Oh, my God. Look, I showed. No, no, no. This team, they're a family. And we're so far removed. That's yeah, so and you don't have to start with them fighting to make them a family later. They're already that. That's the big play it's so of this. It's funny, though, that the way they're playing the idea that this is all kind of new stuff that they're dealing with. Like, oh, my God, I was dead and came back. And people want to live in that world where they forgot about me. Like, no, we are so far removed at this point in time. Even the idea this is called Young Justice is because Bendis wanted to bring back Young Justice. I love the fact that at one point they talk about, you know, here's Titan's Tower. When we were Teen Titans. I'm like, yes, that was the evolution of you being Young Justice. I don't know why we're not dealing with any of that, because that's where a lot of this stuff went down, where you grew as people and moved past being Young Justice. And again, the whole play of this, there's so many other directions you could have went. I mean, just the idea that, just simple, Cass realizes the, you know, the trio, they're gone. Goes to Sissy, who says, hey, I'm not involved with that. No, 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 you don't get it. Bart, Tim, and, and Connor, they're missing. Oh, well, then everything gets put aside. I will help you. And just have them getting along just at least. Just one more time. You know what I mean? Like, even if she's like, yeah, I got even you. if she says, like, I don't know. You know what happened? I almost killed. So, like, just reference that and just say, oh, no. It, but I don't care. I have to save, you know, our friends, our family. Well, like, even the stuff where you have them, you know, like, she's borrowing. Like, you need to get out of <laughs> off the planet for some reason to track. The trio of boys and stuff like that. <laughs> so we borrowed the invisible the jet, bad. which is now a freaking, you know, a, a space shuttle for the most part, a yeah. spaceship. Yeah. And the reason that they're able to do this because Hippolyta owed Cassie a favor, even though Hippolyta's dead right now. And what do we run across? Because we need to do something to fill out the page. Oh, my God. The freaking invisible jets being overrun by space mites. Space mites. You know what? I need to pilot this ship, even though we're just going in a straight line in space. And it doesn't really matter. Like, we need a pilot at this point in time. But. Sissy, I need you to go out in the space and do your arrow thing on these space mines. I'm like, this makes no sense. And for one thing, too, even the idea of Red Tornado, I'm like, how are you generating any kind of wind, Red Tornado, to move anywhere mm, when you're yeah, in a vacuum yeah, really. space? Yeah, really. I mean, that's an aside. I'm telling you, when you have that in the space mines, I know that you probably will say you thought the same thing. Some people might think of this as a positive. Me and you don't. 
it suddenly became Crush and Lobo. I ended up like, this is now just goofy as shit. Now we have space lizards. We have space mites here. It's just nonsense. But we're even not at doing the one anything. Point. Like, even the idea that we're shooting off the space and doing stuff with drama that doesn't matter that we've already That's resolved. the problem here is you have set up a pacing in a book where you can't let your characters get too far ahead because the boys... They're doing their thing and you can't get there. So space mites, no reason, nothing, nothing. You could have had this where out of nowhere, Fred Tornado's in the the middle of this and trying to, and he is a little trying to get them to understand things and whatnot. And even then, you know, there's an an android who understands the human heart more. You could have played this up a little better. We have this red tornado who they're only playing off as he was like just a robot back in the beginning of Young Justice in 99. When he evolved so much past that as time went on. Flat out. The way that we can describe this is Megan Fitzmartin is trying to write a book that seemed to be based on the idea of evolving characters, but she doesn't realize they already were, were all, already evolved. And it's because that evolved them, problem was. I mean, and this is the weird play. I ended up talking to somebody about this, and I said, all of this stuff was resolved. And in a weird way, they said, well... Do you know that that stuff was resolved because of the timeline? I said, well, if the problems happen, then the timeline's open and it's resolved. This is nonsense. What are you playing with? And then they're like, yeah, you're right. I guess you can't really say the problems are still there, but somehow the rest, it's just nonsense. It ends up where I don't know who she's trying to please here. Is she trying to get new like, fans? If you want to go with the idea that he might be upset that he was stuck in general for how many years, go with that yeah. at least because it makes sense with the current continuity with what you're dealing with. Because the idea, even the idea that we go back to where Ben is brought back to Young Justice and somehow magically, you know, everybody's mind was erased about the Young Justice, what happened previously. It never felt like we actually dealt with that. We just went to Gemworld. We got Connor back and nobody ever talked about the idea of why their minds were magically erased. Yeah. He was hiding out in plain sight because he was pretending he had a kid. Just nonsense. So even in this, me. I, I wish that we ended up where we'll have some books and things like that, even like just as a little bit of an aside for a wow moment. You said that Tom Taylor having the Yellow Lanterns on World like that takes a little bit of research to know and and like that means you know he's probably a fan of a lot of those stories. Megan Fitzmartin, if she read the stuff, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, like you said about Connor and Gem World, I think that you probably could find a bunch of times where things were resolved a little too quickly. Like Bart had an issue and they're like, whatever, Bart, we love you anyway. Or why is Bart back in his impulse costume when he like, was elevated to Kid Flash and apparently dh You again. can play that stuff up. And I really thought that the idea of this from the very beginning was the three end up disappearing and that nobody really cared or noticed because the Justice League had died and were missing. So I thought the big play was they'll never let us evolve. Well, that's kind even. of in the periphery where the idea where they're not the characters, the legacy characters that will one day be there, like the next version of heroes, stuff like that, because they've been replaced. And because they've been replaced, nobody cares to look for them right now while shit's good enough. So we have that in the periphery, but we're not really dealing with that as well. It was just kind of put out there and we're moving on to the idea that you remember things being sexier and cooler back in the day, but that's just toxic nostalgia that wasn't really like that. And you don't want it again because it was bad. The weird play is in the periphery what the whole thing is. Yeah, they haven't been able to evolve and they haven't. But then you play the idea that Mixelplick Jr. grabs them like Mickey Mixelplick. Yeah, why isn't Mickey Mixelplick the idea where this is a dream world where they did evolve? Like they end up waking up here and they're 
the Justice League. They're there. Which is the weirdest part because this is Mixel Put Jr. as he was called at one point, but now it's Mickey Mixel Spitalik and stuff like that, where he's almost playing off like the idea of not a Mixel Plick, but more of a Batmite, where he's yeah, their biggest fan. This fan. is the thing that he remembers. This is his favorite era, so he's going to recreate that world, and he just wants them to play ball. So I just don't know why they didn't have a Batmite Jr. or something along those lines, because this is like, we're just putting on the Mixel Spitalik stuff, but it's Mickey now, the son of Mixel Spitalik. But it's just playing of, I'm your biggest fan. This is the world that you want to live in because things were so much better for you back in the day. And I'm sitting there as a fan like Mickey Mixel Spitalik saying, yes, this is the era that I was fell in love with these characters too. And I love these eras. And the thing is, the biggest problem that we have though, it's not the idea that we've gotten away from what this is. It's that the writers are incompetent yeah, and now what, and can't tell play. stories anymore. So the people that are the problem within this own story is the writer like a Megan Fitzmartin. Yeah, and it is true. And the idea where Mickey... He's like, oh, man, stay here because I'll let you remain the best. For, you know, we'll be in the 90s forever. But that's kind of like what we're getting anyway. Like, you know what I mean? I want Superboy to go and just give like a like a DX suck at that at that point. Like I'm with my bros yeah, really. and they break through. Yeah, but instead he's yelling. And I love the 90s. idea. <laughs> Did you get the idea here is where you're writing this Megan Fitzmartin sitting there and then somebody comes in and goes, hey, by the way, did you know that Connor has tactile telekinesis? Oh shit, really? I'm gonna put that in a panel. Like it just I'm telling you, that it almost feels like it's me saying that like at issue number one, where if you really wanted to talk about this era that you needed Superboy to say like every other page, wait till they see my tactile telekinesis, you say it one page here and I'm like, I I'm the thing is I have no idea where it happened. I can't remember, but Superboy hasn't felt like he's had tactile telekinesis for a while because they evolved the character into having Kryptonian powers, and I wish I could remember what issue it was, because I want to go back and reread it. But we feel like we've moved past that. So the, even the idea that he says it, I'm not even certain at this point in time if he still has it because it feels like a weird call out here because is it the idea that his Kryptonian powers came out and he just doesn't use a tactile anymore or it's still there? We just never deal with it. And I'm just left because I love Superboy. Mike. At what one point in the reading order, there was somewhere where he stopped using tactile and telekinesis and I just want to remember where it yeah. was. And, and so you did mention the whole deal before and I do – I mean, the way that it ends up happening. That's the worst part about the Superboy books back in the day. Things are just going on, and out of nowhere, he pretty much, even with an explosion behind him, almost looks like the light bulb went off. He's like, but you're smart. You'll pick up on context clues as we go. He's talking about the reader even and saying, now time to bust out the tactile telekinesis. Whoever's behind this, they're no match for me. You see his hands, never deal with it again. I mean, it just kind of disappears. It feels like somebody at issue four ended up saying, Hey, by the way, you better reference this or people are going to think you don't know anything. No, what this should have been like you said, he should be confused of why. Oh, shit, this is back. Like I I ended up, you know, getting rid of this. I don't use this. What's going on to give you that hint that they're in this world made by Mickey, who wants them to get back to the original. You're not even playing that. It, it's so convoluted the way that she's trying to tell the story. And I swear that at the end, she's going to have like a hug. And a high five, and she's going to think that she did it. I did it. They came together as a family. See, I did it. I was the one who made them a family again. No, they were always that. You're the one who ripped them apart to make it. It's like the idea that we say about, you know, nowadays, it's not being great. It's just being not as bad as the other person. Or when you end up, we say it about Tom King a lot, where he will shit on the character shit so that at the end, he puts them back to status quo and gets praised. That's what this feels like again. It feels like all this is is the shit on everything about the Young Justice team to at the end say, hey, we're going to do good from now on. All right. <laughs> Get pumped fist. But this is not making me any sort of way 
thinking that she knows anything about the DCU, these characters. And unfortunately, one of these characters is Tim Drake. And next week, we're going to have the book, Tim Drake book or solo book coming out. Tim Drake Robin. It best be better than this. Because this is a garbage. This is complete garbage. Doesn't even know how to, to, to even write these characters. Everybody's the stuff with Sissy and Cassie. Just it doesn't even make sense. And you said earlier, it's just that idea of, of, of Paula. She's not even she's dead. Well, I'm telling you, the stuff with Sissy and Cassie is just as bad as the way that Connor just feels like they never got over the idea of he died or they got over it. And this is what we're fighting about. It's just old stuff that we have dealt with as DC comic fans and readers. That she decided, no, I'm going to write it so we have it for no good reason. And calling it Dark Crisis tie It's so weird. The idea where you're a fan of this team. You know specifically that these things were resolved. I don't know everything that's happened, but the idea of this isn't drawing me in. If I'm there, oh, man, what did he say that he's going back to the planet he died at? Oh, shit, that's terrible like it's not was nothing doing the kissy kissy on cassie <laughs> and even then i was gonna say we're still probably gonna deal with smooching that everybody what? he was smooching her and he when he was dead that's bullshit even a little mo with the gimpy leg yeah, this isn't gonna end up making anybody who's not a fan because they won't know what you're talking about you don't have a reference point but yet the reference point she had is completely wrong if you have people from the rebirth era on or just new comic book readers where out of nowhere Here's Superboy. Here's Young Justice. Stuff you don't know, maybe besides for the co- the cartoon and stuff like that. You just know the concepts of these characters, like a Superboy, a Robin, and a Kid Flash slash Impulse, whatever you want to call it. I died, and then you were making out with Cassie. I'm like, ooh, does that mean that Cassie and Superboy together? No, but they used to be. <laughs> yeah, so here's here's my whole. Here's how I'll have it on a spreadsheet. Like, what deal. are the relationships anymore? These people? I don't know because anymore it just feels like. But they this are is stuck where she could end up telling us. So here's the deal. This is the craziest thing. People who didn't read The Young Justice back in the day or haven't gone back and read it, they're they're going to kind of be left behind. But it's on not a lot even a big these. deal because Young Justice is fine, but it doesn't get really good until all these characters graduate to become Teen Titans. Here's the deal, though. You have those feel like the things brought up, they're not going to have a reference point. So then the people who actually continued to when they did get this team and, and they got better and they evolved and they got they're going to be thrown off with the idea of, wait a minute, like you said, these things were already resolved, right? So there's two fandoms done. Now we get to the 90s thing, who didn't keep going. They're being told they're pieces of shit. Who, who is this for? I mean, every way is you end up getting left behind because this stuff was resolved. Probably because I like people are metal. pieces of shit. The other people don't know. They, I don't know who this book is for. It makes no sense. You're shitting on everyone. You didn't do your research for the others, and you're leaving the others behind. Me and my toxic love of corn. I really like corn. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant actually eating corn. That's good, too. Yeah, it is good. Uh, when you put on butter, it's amazing, Eric. I, I was never into corn. It's life-changing. Now I like corn, but not the K. I, I never got into corn at all. And, and backwards are. It's one of those things that I think that I could have, but I just never did. Maybe I'll have to. Oh, well, do look me a favor. That. We get done recording, and I just go back and put on the album "Life Is Peachy." It'll change your life. I only know that one, like "Freak on a Leash." That's the only a song that I would know, and it's because it was in the like guitar. Well, it's not on that album. Rock so band. I'm saying that's the only one, and it was okay. I think late '90s. I was listening to a lot of like you know back and. And the uh, the Foo Fighters and stuff like that. That's Maybe okay. even Wilco and stuff like that. But yeah, it wasn't my scene. Uh, 
But yeah, in that, it was, that was a younger man's game, Aaron. You weren't all about the nookie with No, I, I ended up not being all about the nookie, but I thought that was funny. Oh, I get it. You were like me, a juggalo. Yeah, no, I wasn't a juggalo. No. The dark carnival scared you. Welcome to our carnivals, 50,000 juggalos, freaks and weirdos and killers that are shows. <laughs> scared the shit out of me. I would never have been able to do any of that. Well, I just like to imagine, too, there you, let's imagine you go into a juggalo show and then all of a sudden the soda's flowing and they go over you. And just I'm all sticky. <laughs> You're like butters. I am butters. I'm always scared. I was always afraid of getting grounded as a kid, but never did anything really bad. But then it seemed like my parents had to make that bad so that I got grounded. I was always grounded. 98 to like 2003 was like a, a black hole in my mind. Was, yeah, I did a lot of drugs too back then. That's where Megan Fitzmartin with her research, it seems. But uh, yeah, it just, this is kind of garbage. And with that, I don't know why. And even this, you're supposed to get, and it's funny because we're talking about all this. We didn't mention any of the battles going on because they. It doesn't matter. It's just it 90s era looking DC heroes that are, our characters are fighting while arguing with each other. Harpoon Hand Aquaman, everybody. Kyle Rayner in his original costume, everybody. Look at this. Huntress. Wow, imagine that. Look at that. It's Zariel, the Angel of Justice League. Make it like at one point they're fighting. Con- like. Make it mean something. Do something with these fights that it it ends up just being fodder as you're just listening to Connor bitch and moan. Look at Roy Harper in his 90s Arsenal costume. Oh, boy. The art's pretty good throughout. It looks good. I like looking at it. Just not doing anything with the story. You have to do something with this and make it more than just, oh, look at this wow factor fight while Connor bitches that people don't, you know, his best friends don't know him or they end up wanting him to do things. Because he's the one now in that. Is it just me in this whole fight, though, that um, does it look like they're fighting like not Superman, but maybe like a super boy yeah, who's did not look quite like Superman it. yet, who's not Connor? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't understand. For whatever reason, they have a Superman here, but he looks like a super teenager, and I don't know why that is. Are we playing like an almost weird Legion Superboy here? I don't, I don't know. know. The, the other funny play here is you love Connor, right? See, so there's Connor. And really, it does go through the idea that Connor's a piece of shit. So it even gets the Connor oh. fans pissed. <laughs> I mean, who are you trying to do with this whip? Connor Hall, Green Arrow, everybody. She's going to be doing the, the Tim Drake book. And at, at one yeah. point, I kind of just want, and whether or not you like the idea, but when Connor says, what is there any reason to go back to the regular world? And t- Tim might say, well, Bernard, anything. Like, th- there's things in the regular world that we want. Just because you think you don't, Connor, we're going to go back, but everything's just thrown at them. It ends up being just nonsense. And, uh, that's the scene cast stuff. And Red Tornado, like, you don't quite get that either. I like when you end up having cast and she ends up punching the Connor statue. Take that, statue! Oh, my. Such a weird, too, because you had the Connor statue, but the costumes are the, uh, a different costume than what he died in. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I can't blame Megan Fitzmartin for that because of the idea of it being art. But, you know, even that, like, I go down this hole and I get all sad because we're going to end up here because we're all going to die. We're all nonsense. Uh, but we end with that and screw it. What would you give it? I would end up giving this a 4.5 out of 10 because while I love the art, the continuity of this is so bad and just goes against everything that has come in DC Comics in order to give you a moral or a point to a story that you don't want to hear if you are a fan of these characters because pretty much it's giving you the middle finger. Yeah, it is. It's really giving the middle finger. I want to say that this would be, I can't. Dark Crisis tie-in. I can't give it a two, which would really tie in. Could I give it a two just because it would tie into a sound effect I have and then I can you name can it? Whatever you want, baby. I ain't your daddy. I'm going to give it a four. But if we end up having a two ever, it's the, the two bros. Two bros. Two. Uh, I'm going to give it a four for the art. Uh, the art's pretty cool. But overall, it's nonsense. And I mean, all of this 
stuff that we're laughing about and talking about, you have to get back to the idea that this is hardly a dark crisis tie-in. I mean, it really is, and it's, it's nothing. It's right on the cover. What are you talking about? You think that DC would lie to me and they try to take my money? I think that what they do is it's almost like the, the parents that are giving their kids, hey, listen, we're going to leave for a week. We're going on vacation. Here's some money. Don't have. Oh, you're getting child services called on you. And what happens is Megan Fitzmartin is the kid like, okay, we won't invite any bad people around. Now we have the Beastie Boys show up and ruin everything. Do you guys want to party? Do you like parties? Yeah. We can invite all our friends and have soda and pie. Yeah. I hope no bad people show up. Hey, Dark Crisis, right? Ah. Yeah, Dark Crisis. Okay. Give them a boom. They're out. Boom. There it is. Just doing what she wants and can't even figure that out. It's nonsense. It really is nonsense. I don't know. I, I actually lost the plot of this whole analogy, but no, I just want to watch <laughs> the Beastie Boys. The parents are leaving, and while they're away, they're not checking out, and she's just done what okay, she wants. I got you. Next thing you know, the Beastie Boys show up. They look so the bad. Beastie Boys are taking advantage of Megan Fitzmaurice. Beastie I got you. Boys that that might be drinking some beer, but really, the worst thing they're doing in that video is throwing, throwing pies. pies. And then I heard the pies Leak got pies. really, really rancid and really was making people throw up by the end. But that happens. That does happen. So with all of that, and, and in that, I really like, I love Ad Rock, but for some reason in that video, I really like MCA in that video. He's like oh, yeah. smashing stuff. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now now I'm, I'm enjoying myself. We're talking Beastie Boys. All right. <laughs> Uh, Anything but this nonsense. Yeah, this is just bad. So with that, new metal some more. that's why it's the end of the podcast. But with that, what is your book of the week? My book of the week is a tie this week between The Flash oh and World's Finest. Mine is actually Flash uh, as its sole winner. But I do think that everybody should definitely be checking out World's <laughs> Finest as well, as well as maybe Nightwing. Dun, dun. And again, Deceased is one of those things that a lot of people like it more than me. And I think that this issue did have some big moments. I even was thinking about it because I reread it again after we did that section. Liked it a teeny bit more. It's just not my thing is the problem. So that's just a personal well, deal. It is. And you have a vendetta. Exactly. No, it's just I, I'm kind of done. It's like the idea. I mean, even I next week. I called you out and you're like, I'll never enjoy this again. Damn right. And the hell with it. No, the, it's almost like the White Knight. If we were doing the White Knight stuff, which I'm people so still <laughs> end up enjoying, we're over it. And I'm oh, yeah. kind of a kind of over deceased. We just have so many Elseworlds going on right now. And I just want to deal with a good mainstream continuity. Yeah, I think that that might be what it is as well. But, you know, and, and in that, I'm full into the... uh the Dark Knights of Steel. So maybe I can only really be into one of those things at, at one point. I don't know, but... Well, that's the thing. Dark Knights of Steel is new and kind of interesting still, even though it's been delayed and, like, you know, we still want to get the story, but how many deceased and, like, you know, the White Knight have we had so far where it's just outstaying its welcome and every new iteration that we get just makes the less the, the earlier one feel less now. If you still like it, that's great. I mean, that's awesome, but in the deal of of us going through all these things i'd rather read a, a flash book like we had this week any day of the week oh, yeah. over that or even world's finest that jeremy adams said thank you eric when i told him that he did a great job can you imagine it he did this eric. yes here, here's people are nice people <laughs> yeah they are uh oh thank you eric you're saying no, I, I was people there's nothing about you that resembles people i am not a person because we're two bros you say this stuff because you care i know that yeah. you also say this stuff because it's like looking in a mirror, Eric, a very, very short mirror. <laughs> a cock high mirror. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I come in with that cock high energy all the time. Here are the books that we're going to be talking about next week. Two of these will be picked by the bad asses of the Get Fresh crew. 
and I'll give you, I haven't said anything because when we, I, I was running scared, but since I haven't said anything, <laughs> yeah, really like my mouth. You were laying down scared. I got you. I ended up where every time I pick two books, it's never picked. So I thought I'm going to stop doing that. But let me tell you, I don't know if you realize this, but in the last like three weeks in my mind, I picked them. I didn't tell anybody, but I was dead on Eric. 100% right. I can't believe you. In my mind, it was. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I also the thought wolf of the man. Wolfmans. Do you like the idea of you usually have, and why is this? Why, when you have Nazis that are, are like, you know, monsters, you usually go with the Wolfman? And then you'll have one you vampire go with zombies. Nazi. What the fuck are you talking about? No, I'm telling you. In like, No, I'm saying zombies are aside. I'm not saying, like, they're mindless. Just, you know, I'm talking about, like, Something with some pizzazz, like the Wolfman Nazis, right? Am I right or am I you right? You name me one Wolfman Nazi. There is a whole anime that also was made into a movie that uh, is all about Wolfman. I can't remember what it's So called. one. You thinking about like that weird fake trailer that Rob Zombie put together for those uh, grindhouse movies, the SS women of like the werewolf Nazis? That or had the, the werewolves. I'm telling you, those are the coolest. He knew it. Now, there's actually a movie. I'll find out what it was. <laughs> I don't know why I started. I started thinking about Wolfman Nazis. See, you don't have I a lot. Tell me about Dracula's like Nazis too. Dracula Nazi. That's like the guy. That's the leader who ends up leading the Wolfman. That's the only time they get along is when they're Nazis there. Because then that ups all the ante and they're just pieces of shit. So they're all down with each other. You don't end up having like team werewolf Nazi hashtag team Jacob. Right? You don't have What? <laughs> when I type in werewolf Nazi movies, I get three right here where it's were Werewolves of the Third Reich, Burial, and Iron Wolf. Okay, I'm in. Three of the best no, movies not. ever. never watch these. Isn't Lost Boys about werewolf Nazis? I thought so. That's how Vampire I went with it. Vampire Nazi movies. We got Blood Rain, the Third Reich. <laughs> Does, yeah, it doesn't play out well with the vampires. For some reason, the, the werewolves, they're bad. Blood Vessel. Yeah. Maybe it's because they say Verwolf, and it makes you giggle. The Verwolf. The Verwolf. <laughs> that would be awesome. The Verwolf. Are you, are you honestly, I, I feel like you're just sitting there and confusing things in your mind because you heard the term Wolfenstein <laughs> 30 years ago. I don't know. I don't even know why I came up with idea i was just making a joke ah here we go Wolfenstein. Every, everybody forget about the werewolf nazis they're pretty cool done and done they're pretty cool but they're not as popular as i once thought i don't know i just i think that they look nazi cool with the, hats, Jim. the hats and stuff like that what like hats? you don't you, the, the, you know the, the nazi hats they wear the, the pit helmets and stuff they're going around they're like hey What's up with you there, werewolf? I'm just howling for genocide. This is, this is what I'm talking about. No, that just doesn't happen. This doesn't happen? Is that appropriate? It's man. not, Eric. Oh, I'm going to have that report. I'm, I'm editing that shit. Nobody's even going to know what I said. If I edit this out, I'm going to edit that one part out. Keep this part. Keep them guessing, Eric. Oh, my goodness. Action Comics number 1047. We have Cal Al back in town. Probably looking for Nazi werewolves is what I think. The wolf Hopefully man. not. Woo. We also have, as I go down this, would you think that Blood Syndicate would be a vampire Nazi book? No, it isn't no, I wouldn't. Uh, we have, oh, get this, DC versus vampires. <laughs> See, it all works out. It all works out, Eric. We have vampires in that. Not Nazi no werewolf werewolves, vampires. No Nazis, just vampires. Destro Unless you can Captain Nazi show up here as a vampire that would under be Dick Grace's cool. control. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? No. Deathstroke Inc. number 13 that continues the year one story Chapter where four. 
it kind of in a backdoor way in a weird play. They end up not really announcing that that book will be ending soon, but there was no solicit for December. It seems like November is the last issue. So that will be the deal. I, I, it's already extended. You like the issue enough or the story, the year yeah. one deal. It didn't seem like it, it's really odd. It was a re- really odd switcheroo when, as you said earlier in this podcast, that they could have dealt with the society and stuff like that. And, you know, the big part of your actual event that you're not dealing with, you have a book that's a backdoor way to tell all about that. And you're like, nah, we're good. And the funny play is you name it Deathstroke Inc. at the beginning, which never really felt right anyway. So you didn't necessarily have to have Death, like, And when you finally get the Deathstroke Inc., you don't show that. Yeah, part. you don't show it. And I want to see, you know, what everybody in that team's doing. We also have Detective Comics number 1064, the Ram V and the Raphael Albuquerque story continues. Amazing I job. need I need some answers in that. And also, just to point out, I believe there's a Wolfman in that, Eric, as we talked about the last the time. So it's, be. it's all coming together. It's all coming up, Jimmy. We also have Harley Quinn number 22. And on the cover, it says, who killed Harley Quinn? Okay, I was going to say, I knew that was coming up at some point, but I actually, now that we're out of space and all that, I didn't know what we were doing. But we'll see how that is. That book has taken a real bad nosedive, especially since Fear State. We well, what said, about the next book, Jim? Is that is that going on the upswing or is that still in the nosedive section? Are, are you talking about the Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes number six? The finale of the origin of Gold Lantern? Yeah, and also the darkness that isn't the, the darkness. The great darkness. What the hell? The darkness isn't even the darkness of the, the regular the thing, Vandal so what do we Savage care? that's pretending to be the great darkness, just like in the main event where you have the great darkness, but it's not really the great darkness, but some kind of parasite that's latched on or pretending to be the great darkness. I'm not really all up on board with what's going on. I might have a good uh, soundbite for Vandal Savage. There's a K-pop song that I like that has something funny in it. Uh, we also have Test for Task Force Z number 12. It's not Finale. Black Pink, though. Finale. So we'll end up that. That book, there's some things like Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes number six. I sit there in my mind, on how is this going to end? And a lot of times we'll have ideas like, okay, they're probably going to have to do that. That I have no damn clue of what is going to go on in that. And also Task Force Z has gotten so convoluted, I thought, by the end. I don't know how it's wrapping up. Well, on the cover of this thing, I don't know if it's going to play out like an idea from Forever Evil into Grayson, where it seems like Dick Grayson died, and that's how everybody believed the whole thing. But on the cover here, you have all of the villains like who have been part of Task Force Z and stuff like that around a grave for Jason Todd. Rest Funeral for a fiend? Is that what it says? <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. That'd be awesome. But maybe um, you're going to kill off t- uh, Jason Todd or at least well, make it look like he's killed remember, off. Remember, so that's what I said would happen. Quotation authorities don't come after him now that this is over. So maybe I'm right because they ended up having that clone that ended up getting blown up. He's going to take this as a let's skedaddle and oh, yeah, I forgot starting about that. the outlaws. Right. Yeah, I think that maybe this is a backdoor way to maybe start another Outlaws book. Who the hell did we want on the Outlaws when we were talking about this before? Because it was a great team and I forgot now. Because there was a bunch of people in that book with him and then we were adding some other people. I can't, we'll remember once we get into it, I'm sure. No, what we won't remember. <laughs> That's right. I love when people like, do you remember what you said like five no. podcasts together? I'm like, I don't remember what I said five seconds ago. I think it was something about Nazi werewolves, but I wouldn't be that dumb. I can't even tell you what was in our last section of books. Yeah, really. That was so long ago. We end up where uh, some other things, and I might mention them at the end that we don't talk about just so people know they're coming out. But the last book on this list of things that will be on the podcast or possibly the Patreon spotlight, Tim Drake, Robin, number one, that's Patreon spotlight. That is probably going to be picked. I think that and the Legion of Superheroes will be our spotlight. I'm not saying that's full out. You'll have to wait and see what goes on. But that is my guess. But if you are 
reading some other books and are interested in things, say, like a Batman Beyond the White Knight, number five, or Batman Fortress comes out. We have DC Mech. I've not heard anybody talk about that one. And then some other things like Tom King's Human Target and Mark Superman, Superman Space Age number two. The funny play is you say that it is here. And we were talking about this during our spotlight, I believe, is where we were talking about it, about this book that's written by Bruce Campbell. I ended up looking at it and reading a little. It's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. And uh, you might have werewolf zombies. Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. You might have werewolf zombie Nazis. I doubt it. I think it's going to be zombie Nazis. I kind of uh, want to talk (laughs) It's not right, that long either. I thought so. it was going to be longer, but we'll we'll talk about it. We'll we'll end up we might end up talking about that uh, in the long run. Only if thirty two pages. Up. Yeah, yeah. The I thought it was going to be longer. I thought it was going to be a longer deal, and it wasn't. And the art, I think, is really good. For some reason, I don't know if you're looking through even the solicit or the preview. I mean, it kind of looked like a Steve Ditko type art to me a little, but I might be insane. So that was me really late in the, the night looking at it. But I did have some people request. That we talk about that, but they really think that you're going to be impressed with the Bruce Campbell writing it. Well, when we talked about it, you said that you don't like gimmicks like that. You don't know that. You want comics like the idea practice. of like, here's John Carpenter's The Joker. I'm like, I don't give a shit about that because it's not going to be in any continuity. It's not going to do anything for the book. It's just somebody with a, a name who was able to do something or somebody because of the name was paid to do something because DC wanted to like get some hype up for something. I love Bruce Campbell. He's one of my favorite horror actors yeah. of all time. He seems like a very fun guy. I don't need him writing my comic books, especially Sergeant Rock is a character which many people might love. I don't care about. Yeah, I I talked about this on the Marvel podcast one week about the idea, like, if Paul McCartney wrote a comic, I'd certainly might check, but I it's not going to make me go gaga over it. Like, I'll Paul read McCartney, a horror comic, right? but I don't love horror comics. I don't go out of my way to buy yeah. a horror comic because I'm a horror fan because I need all the aspects of a horror cinema kind of deal in order to do this. I, you lose a lot with a comic yeah, book like that because I only have that. a limited amount of time. There's no sound effects, no jump scares, no noise. There's nothing there to really bring you into the atmosphere of the horror as far as like, Here's some blood on the page. Or maybe if you want to get really crazy, yeah. here's one kiss, put their own blood. Into oh, the I was going to say, hepatitis. you're going to get the hyper hepatitis per page. Oh, my goodness. I just avoided in that. Just avoid the Paul. Well, actually, all of them. I'm telling you, I was going to say avoid the Paul Stanley and the Gene Simmons. But if you get Ace Frehley, then really avoid him, too. Even though probably his blood in the ink could probably get you high as a kite. That guy loves the drugs. Allegedly. I think it does. I think it does. Especially if you're a werewolf Nazi zombie Eric so with all that yeah everybody check out our patreon it's patreon.com slash weird science you get a lot of more nonsense and early access to our regular show here you actually sometimes even this week get to listen to some on friday but all the time you can listen to it saturday night instead of waiting till that long wait till sunday but that's you know at the lowest level dollar will get you that it'll also make you holler we have all that deal with all the other levels each level gets you more and more shows we have a lot of reading clubs we deal with things that are Marvel, DC, even indie stuff like Spawn, Walking Dead, and even other shows as well, including what I think me and Eric will be doing this coming up Wednesday. Probably we'll be doing a pop culture podcast that we do each and every month as well. People are already, and you can't reveal it yet because they want me to have a little question and answer session with you on the pop culture of whether or not you like the new Hellblazer trailer. 
So we'll have to keep that under wraps there. The hell? What did you just say? We never me? really do that. That Hellraiser trailer. There you go. Like, Hellraiser. I'm like, did they put out a new Constantine TV show? No, nah, just the Hellraiser. And they want to know what you think of it. Things like that. So we'll save that for the pop culture podcast. That we don't usually do that on a blazer. Maybe we will. The Hellblazer. That's you. Where you have this real shitty blazer that you wear. It's like this corduroy thing. I'm like, Hellblazer. It doesn't fit properly. Properly. Doesn't that, that doesn't work. Uh, you know what type of coat you would wear during a fire? A blazer, Eric. Boom. That's a joke. That was it. That was it. A Spider-Man comic this week is so lame. Ah, but that's it. It was Spider-Ham comic, Eric. Ah, that's it, though, for this. Thanks, everybody. Also, check out our Twitter, Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you back. And then go to our website for reviews each week. And that is WeirdScienceDCComics.com. Easy enough. All these links will be in the show notes. Eric, what do we say at the end? Everybody have a great week. Week. Keep it weird. Weird. We'll see you in seven. See you in seven. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.